76 next week. Uh, but we want to we want to let it let MGS uh, breathe here. So we're going to cut real quickly to Reed, who's going to fill us in on Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, and a little bit about Metal Gear Solid, and then we are going to discuss Metal Gear Solid. Hey, Reed here for the first part of our quick, quick story summary of the Metal Gear Solid series. So we're going to be going over Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, and Metal Gear Solid 1 in this part. Uh, just quickly going over the main points, nothing too detailed, because we don't want to be here for 10 minutes just talking about the same bullshit. Everybody's played Metal Gear Solid or seen a playthrough. Um, if you want, if you want the really detailed stuff, there's like eight-hour video essays on YouTube that you can check out. Anyway, we're gonna go right into it. With Metal Gear. Metal Gear starts out with a military sovereign nation, Elder Haven, which is led by a legendary mercenary who is unnamed, uh, threatening the world essentially with uh, their new doomsday weapon. Foxhound, which is an elite U.S. military special forces unit, sends in Gray Fox, one of their elite members, to check out the situation. Unfortunately, he is captured, but before he is, he releases a message saying, Metal Gear. Foxhound, led by Big Boss, sends in his new recruit, Salt Snake, to rescue Greyhound, or Gray Fox, <laughs> and survey the situation. Bunch of bullshit happens when Snake gets there, defeats a bunch of bosses, uh, doesn't isn't quite able to rescue Gray Fox, unfortunately. And But before the end of the game, you defeat Metal Gear in an epic battle before confronting the legendary mercenary and leader of Elder Haven, who is Big Boss himself. That's right, he betrayed you, he betrayed America, but you, you defeat him, you, you blow up the whole facility, you take off. Before the game ends, you get a quick message from Big Boss saying that he's not dead and he's coming after Snake again. Clearly setting up a sequel, which came in Metal Gear Solid 2, Solid Snake. Not to, be confused, not to be confused with Snake's Revenge. That shit isn't canon. We find out in the late 1990s that the world is suffering an oil shortage. <laughs> to counteract this, Dr. Merv, I believe is his name, has created a new synthetic oil called Oilix that basically replaces it. Uh, a military sovereign nation, once again called Zanzibar Land, which recently fought for their independence from the Soviets, has captured him and is holding the world hostage essentially with the only world's oil supply, along with a bunch of nuclear weapons that they got. Um, Foxhound basically forces Solid Snake out of retirement once again to check this out since it's a Metal Gear expert, and a bunch of bullshit happens. Uh, eventually, throughout the facility, Snake finds, once again, Gray Fox, but finds out he's, in fact, working for the leader of Zanzibar Land. And not only that, the leader of Zanzibar Land is Big Boss. He's back from the dead. So, you have to defeat uh, Gray Fox, who is now using the new Metal Gear that they have, Metal Gear D. And then, while it's disabled, Gray Fox and Solid Snake have an epic fist fight in a minefield before Solid Snake uh, solemnly puts down his friend and moves on. This is where he encounters Big Boss as the facility is going down, and Big Boss explains his his uh, his theories and his his passion, and that he created this military nation for all soldiers that were abandoned by their nation because they had nowhere else to go. And we'll see this theme uh, echoed throughout all the other games. Essentially, Solid Snake is forced to fight Big Boss using nothing but a lighter and aerosol can to make a makeshift flamethrower before he defeats Big Boss and finally leaves, Big Boss dying in the explosion. And that's how Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake ends. And this is when we head into Metal Gear Solid 1, the big one. In 2005, 
special units for special units uh, special unit forces foxhound has gone rogue and taken over the farks the uh, alaska archipelago facility shadow moses which is which cover is a nuclear disposal facility they've taken over the facility and demanded two things the remains of big boss and one billion dollars you may ask yourself why the remains of big boss because these are genome soldiers the theme of the game is genes all these soldiers had their genes altered to be more like Big Boss, the most legendary soldier of all time. Unfortunately, they're all dying because of it, and they need his, they needed his genetic code, essentially Big Boss's rema remains, to fix it. Foxhound is not what we used to be. This is now being led by a bunch of animal people. It is led by Liquid Snake with, remembers, with members Revolver Ocelot, Psycho Mantis, Vulcan Raven, Sniper Wolf, and Decoy Octopus. Also at this facility that they covered up was a new Metal Gear, Metal Gear Rex. The U.S. government, I believe, was building this in secret using uh, collaboration between uh, Arms Tech and um, the DARPA facility or whatever the hell. So Solid Snake is pulled out of retirement by Colonel Roy Campbell, who is the new leader of nothing. He was the leader of Foxhound, and now he's just in the U.S. military, if I remember correctly. So he sends Snake in to essentially find out what's going on, rescue the DARPA chief, the arms tech president, and if they have Metal Gear, to disable it. So Snake sneaks into the facility, yada yada, finds the, finds the uh, DARPA chief, Kenneth Baker, no, Donald Anderson, and they have a discussion, Donald Baker's just like, yep, there's a Metal Gear here, then he dies of a heart attack all of a sudden, and Snake's like, what's happening? And Roy Campbell's like, I don't know. Uh, yada yada, you go through the facility, eventually you find Kenneth Baker, the arms, the arms tech president. Unfortunately, he's held hostage by Revolver Ocelot with a bunch of explosives. Epic boss fight ensues, but before he can finish, a mysterious, invisible cyborg ninja comes in and cuts off Revolver Ocelot's hand, forcing him to flee. Not before the explosives go off, however. The snake is able to briefly rescue Kenneth Baker and bring him to the side. Kenneth Baker confirms the creation of Metal Gear Rex and gives Snake a PAL card. This card should be able to should be should be able to be used to disable the launch sequence of Metal Gear Rex. But before Snake can get any more information, he also dies of a mysterious heart attack. Oh my god. So then Snake has to go through the facility, finds Colonel Colonel Roy Campbell's niece, who was part of Foxhound formerly. Merrill, and goes to the facility. Uh, eventually, Snake comes across the creator of Metal Gear Rex, Dr. Hal Emmerich, who based it off Japanese anime cartoons, <laughs> um, but he was not aware that they're being used for nuclear uh, purposes, essentially. While he finds him in the room, however, he's ambushed by the invisible cyborg ninja of before, and they have an epic fight. It's revealed after this fight that the, that the invisible cyborg ninja is Gray Fox back from the dead. And Naomi reveals that, hey, I'm, her, I'm Gray Fox's sister. I also injected you with Fox at the beginning of this. And you're like, oh, my God. Uh, so you leave the room uh, after this fight and you're joined back up with Meryl at some point. You go through and you fight Psycho Mantis in a very memorable fight. After that, you go through another segment and you're ambushed by Sniper Wolf. And she shoots Meryl. Snake is forced to backtrack through the level, get a sniper, and take Sniper Wolf down. Unfortunately, that was just a trap so they could capture both Meryl and Snake. Snake is taken in front of Liquid Snake and 
Revolver Ocelot, where Liquid, like, con- like reveals everything. The fox die stuff that's in Snake. He reveals that they're actually twin brothers created for the La Enfant Terrible program of the 1970s, where they were both clones of Big Boss. Unfortunately, Liquid got the recessive genes and Solid got the dominant. I don't think that actually matters in real science. Anyway, Snake gets tortured a lot. If you give up, then Meryl dies. Don't do that. Uh, eventually, Snake is able to escape. He, reve- he discovers that Donald Anderson at the beginning of the game was actually Decoy Octopus. What she's like, why did he die? That's weird. Anyway, you go through the game, you eventually uh, actually have a final boss fight with Sniper Wolf, Killer, Hal, uh, Ask of Luck, and Bloom on the battlefield. You tell him that's stupid. <laughs> you move on, yada yada. You get to the Metal Gear Rex facility where Vulcan Raven and you have a final confrontation. And then you get to the Metal Gear Rex facility where eventually Liquid tricks you into activating it with the PAL card given to you by Kenneth Baker, and all is revealed that you were tricked the entire time to actually get the card from Kenneth Baker and then use it because you thought it would deactivate it, but it actually activates Metal Gear. And it makes no sense, because why would, why would Liquid attack you in a high D? Whatever. <laughs> so Metal Gear Rex is activated, and Snake needs to bring it down. So, Snake and Metal Gear have an epic fight. During the fight, Gray Fox appears and interrupts, but he's squished, and it gives Snake the motivation to finally take the machine down. And then Liquid and fucking Solid have an epic fist fight on top of the tank, where Liquid reveals a bunch of more exposition that doesn't really matter, that they're both clones again and stuff. They have a fight, Snake wins, he escapes with Meryl on the bike, because that's the canon ending. As they're escaping, Liquid chases them. And then uh, they get to the end of the facility, and as Liquid's about to put the final bullet in Salt and Snake, Fox Die activates once again, giving another heart attack to Liquid and killing him. It's then in this, or before at least, that Naomi reveals that she affected the Fox Die to also kill Snake at some point. At the time limit, who knows? But it doesn't matter. Fox Die was created by the Americans itself to kill all people involved with the incident, so they could cover it up and retrieve Metal Gear. Uh, anyway, yeah, that doesn't really matter anymore. They take off Meryl and Snake right onto the sunset, literally, with the best yet to come to play, and that is how Meryl gets solid. One ends, not before the end credits, though, where Revolver Ocelot's on the phone, and he just goes, Yes, Mr. President, of course, Mr. President, I have the data for you, Mr. President. And that's how the game ends. That's Metal Gear Solid 1. So does anybody have anything really notable to say about the first two Metal Gear games before we talk about Solid? Uh, nothing to particularly say as far as the gameplay and stuff goes. I haven't played them. The only person I know that has is Andrew at work. Uh, I, and I played them. Off- sure, I played them. Oh, how, how are they? Uh, oh. They're good. They're just like dress rehearsals for Metal Gear Solid. Uh, charming. They're a little annoying. Like, uh, they'd be really hard just to play, you know when you were a kid there's lots of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think to do but uh i mean that's the whole yeah, series bro <laughs> pretty much but this is way this is more uh obtuse uh in places like you get you get captured in melgear uh and then you just have to like you have to punch a wall to break it break it open to save uh, gray fox and sure. you, like you wouldn't know to do that you just would be stuck in this room walking around forever uh, I mean, you've it's, never done that it's, before. It's neat that Kojima's like, 
influence even back then, like thinking of things outside oh, yeah. of the box, no pun intended. Uh, but the the way to solve puzzles or even things like smoking a cigarette to see lasers in Middle Gear Solid, uh, you know, looking at the back of the case, that kind of stuff seemed with the series from Go, which is like why I think they're yeah. notable and why mega fans like yourself and Andrew maybe go back and play those games, even though you'd be much better off playing yeah. something a little more recent. Yeah, but, like I've yeah. played them and then like I'm not going to play them again. Um, like Metal Gear Solid is the is the the pinnacle of that that game. If you know what I mean, like from one right. to two to Metal Gear Solid, Solid is the the perfecting of of the formula that he was going for. And then Metal Gear Solid two and three, they start like a new chapter in the Metal Gear like mythos. But one right. really cool thing yeah. in Metal Gear is at the end of the game. When you get closer to the goal, like a uh, big boss who's been guiding you this whole time, he'll call you and to, like tell you to turn off. Like he's like, "Oh, it's, that mission over. Like stop, you know, stop playing. You like turn off, you know, turn off your Nintendo." Yeah. Uh, so it, he's he's been breaking the fourth wall for a long time, and it's just awesome. And I really appreciate those deets. It's the the fourth wall breaking is always in service of like because the narrative is big boss gets Salt Snake sent to outer heaven and the idea is that salt snake's gonna get captured and feed false information to the u.s government if i'm not mistaken no uh, I, only... I, did, I did not get that from my like all the sources i saw story summaries of it was just okay like he was forced to send somebody after gray fox so he sent solid snakes and solid snake was a rookie and was shitty and all this other stuff it makes no fucking okay s- i don't know if it's in yeah, I don't know if it's in, like, texts after Metal Gear was released or something in retrospect they've added, uh, but the, how I always understood it and, like, what I recently was kind of researching was that, like, oh, Big Boss was going to use Snake as kind of, like, a patsy, but then Salt Snake, being who he is, like, got the job done that he wasn't necessarily yeah, supposed to do. Like, yeah, he solved it, the problem. That sounds <laughs> right. Well, yeah, he was going to be the fall guy. What we know now is that it was Big Boss sending him after Venom Snake in Metal Gear 1. Uh, no, no, we don't right. know that. We... we... <laughs> <laughs> I, I say we know that. <laughs> no, we don't know that. Metal Gear Solid Five, the ending leaves it up completely to interpretation. The, we have no the, idea if he would if tape if he, he was sent there with you. is the is the mission number for Metal Gear One. Yes, but that could just be like Big Boss giving Venom a heads up about it. It could be that Venom got secretly. We have no idea the definitive ca- uh, canonical answer. So do not say it as if it is the definitive canonical answer. We we don't know. Uh, so we, whether it's canon or not, I in my interpretation, I like to believe that it is Venom Snake on the first on the first uh, Outer Heaven. No, there. no, no, that, that is definitively Snake Venom Snake. We're talking about whether Big Boss sent Solid Snake to kill Venom. Oh, intentionally, yeah, to right. kill Venom, okay. or was yeah. hoping that he or hoping what Solid Snake would fail. It's in my opinion, he was sending him hoping Solid Snake would fail, not to kill yeah, Big Venom. Boss. Didn't. Uh... That's you know. that's what I thought. That's what I read it, but then I, I also think, like... Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's going to be the big there's a, conversation there's a at the end of this, right? That big Boss didn't think of him as a son, but he always respected him as a soldier, so he knew he had good soldiering skills. He knew he'd complete the mission. Right, but... Okay. I Yeah, I don't think he ever in- intended uh, harm to Elder Heaven, though, at any point. So I have some questions in general about Solid Snake. Okay. Uh, so Solid Snake is a, a clone that's of right. Big Boss. That's right. Le Infant Terrible. That's right. Uh, when they they made a bunch of clones of Big Boss, they made Solid, they made Liquid, and and Solidus was made Se- at the same time. He was made even more secretly uh, as a perfected clone of Big Boss, I believe, at the same time. Yes, but 
it was Kojima, um, it was Kojima, like, retroactively, uh, retconning his bullshit, and he's like, no, 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 there was a secret third clone. Okay. Yeah, because you could just do that in any... They could make an MGS6, and you could just be like, guess what, there motherfuckers, was a, yeah. quadruplets. Yeah, there was, there was a fourth clone. Yeah, they could easily say that. Yeah, the story of Metal Gear is really the uh, story so, of tasteful retconning. Yeah, controlled retconning. <laughs> <laughs> so, Solid grows up. He's trained as a soldier. This is a this is a U.S. government initiative to, to actually clone the big boss, yes? It is a patriot I- initiative, not a U.S. government okay. It is. It so is officially shadow government. Yeah, it, it is a part of the U.S. government records, but this was helmed directly by Major Zero of the Patriots, who did this directly himself. Okay. So officially, it doesn't exist. I believe. Was the plan when they were cloned for them to be anything other than just great soldiers that could that could be yes. on the level of Big Boss? Major or, Zero okay. needed uh, new figureheads eventually for his organization of the Patriots, and this is like such interpretive uh, BS, in my opinion. Like, you're the shadow organization, but you need Big Boss to be your icon and your figurehead. It just doesn't make sense. But the reasoning they give is that Zero was worried that Big Boss was going to take off and they weren't going to have, like, this legendary mercenary and soldier as their their figurehead. So he cloned him. Okay, gotcha. Uh, So Salt Snake is trained as a soldier... Liquid Snake ends up in the sticks at some point, right? Because he's in MGS5 just, like, um, running a band of losers. Nick might know a little bit more about this than me, but from my understanding, uh, Eli, who is Liquid, was given to the British SAS, where he was trained and grew up in, before he escaped. Oh, he's got the accent. Yeah, before he escaped or, like, defected or something, and that's how he ended up in South Africa. Okay, so at a certain point, this... Uh, this plan, this enfant terrible, and the plan and everything around it is basically just scrapped. Yes, and, and Nick can also okay. comment this if he has anything to add. But I believe it is because after they cloned uh, Big Boss into Liquid and Solid, first of all, they just t- didn't turn out to have the same temperament as Big Boss and all that stuff. But mostly, it was the advancements right. in nano machines and genome soldiers. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, all the other technology that simply just rendered Snake and Liquid uh, not as important as they used to be. To the point where the U.S. Right. government's like, they're gonna die soon anyway due to their accelerated aging. Like, let them just do their own thing in the military. Right. So, so Solid Snake at some point after Metal Gear. I'm to understand, like, retires, and the joke is Campbell is then, in a Rambo-esque fashion, getting Solid Snake out of retirement to go deal with Zanzibar Land in Metal Gear 2. That's correct. And then and then getting him out of t- retirement once more uh, and to go after Foxhound in, on Shadow Moses. So here we are. Uh, Solid Snake's got a few big missions under his belt. This is, a, this is an accomplished uh, soldier, but he is retired. I don't know if he just gets to go live in a condo. Or, like, gets a job at the corner, corner store. Uh, th- that story he's has a, never been told. No, he retired. Uh, we don't know what Al- Solid Snake did in return. He retired in, <laughs> in Alaska. Alaska. He became a dog. Sl- yeah, he became a dog lasher. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. A dog lasher. Yeah. Uh, so, Roy Campbell contacts Solid Snake, says, Hey, there's a nuclear uh, disposal facility on this island. However, uh, Foxhound's taken it over. They've kidnapped everyone. They supposedly have a bipedal walking nuclear cap- capability tank. The Metal Gear Rex, and uh, it's, this is bad news, Solid Snake, you need to go in there. And I believe they're also demanding 
as Reed, I think, covered in the uh, the, the story here. Up. The story. Uh, they have. They want the body of Big Boss, and they want like a million bucks or whatever. A billion dollars and the body and DNA of Big Boss. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, the stage is set. You uh, you snorkel in to Shadow Shadow Moses. I mean, first right off the bat. Uh, the enclosed space, the claustrophobia of being in this giant facility and only being to and, and exploring it as you go, that all these events of this game take place on this island are great. Uh, oh. the, I mean, let's just we can take it all the way back. A game like this, when it came out, didn't exist. The things this game does from a cinematic point of view, even considering the what it looks like. You go look at Metal Gear Solid 1 now and you'd be like, oh yeah, that's a PS1, PS1 ass game. Look at other PS1 games that came out at that same time. They don't hold yeah. a fucking candle to Metal Gear Bubsy, Solid. The music, yeah. the voice acting, look it's all there. Bubsy, yeah, look at Bubsy 3D and then look at Metal Gear Solid 1. It's a completely different thing. The cinematic... Yeah, crunch the numbers, do the math. Yeah, the cinematic <laughs> approach to this game where you have a prologue, you have an intro with different camera angles, and this beautiful song, The Best Is Yet To Come, starts to play as you see this lone soldier, and credits start to play, like in a movie. It says David Hayter as Solid Snake, and it tells you in those opening seconds of the game that this is not going to be just a game, this is more of a, of an action movie interactive experience. Yeah, it's not it's not flat-out gameplay-based like a siphon filter even was or something like that. It is, it is meant to be filter. something taken. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so you get to Shadow Moses, there's some sneaking around. I'm going to leave it to you boys if you have any specific points in this game you want to talk about. But long story short, uh, Snake has to find these launch codes, and he's got to stop uh, stop the Metal Gear Rex. <laughs> yeah, Nick, do you have anything to add about the, uh, the beginning so far? Yeah, uh, only that it gives me chills every time I replay it, which I try to do every year. Um, I very much agree with your point, just that it, like, it blows away every other playstation one game like uh, i just recently replayed uh like the first level of tenchu and that game looks like a prototype compared to metal gear it's it's the uh, just such a complete package and you know you know from the right at the very beginning that yeah you're right like when they play the the credits and you're sneaking in there it's great a, 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 a great point though in the early beginning of the game i just i just figured this out uh, Snake is uh, in his codec conversations with his uh, support team. He's quite like flirty with all of the women, uh, his winner women counterpoints. And then um, spoilers: after sure. he's captured, um, he he tells Naomi to leave out the uh, the benzedrine because it makes them too frisky. Just I <laughs> I just lie. I love those little points. That he's just like, oh man, yeah. Uh, don't give me any more of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what in a I'm weird thirsty. Thirsty. Yeah. He got, he, He's just trying to swim. He's just trying to swim to Shadow Moses. He's got this massive yeah, erection. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's, he's like, lines like oh, and, and slowing me I'll down. Do a strip search on me. <laughs> yeah. Man, and if we could talk about just how uh, brilliant this opening section is before you get to the elevator. Um, I don't think we really need to go into anything story-specific for this, this conversation, because I mostly covered it in um, my summary. Um, so sure. as far as the gameplay goes, I love this opening segment because it establishes a couple things. The first thing it establishes, though, is that you do not have weapons or equipment yet. You're, you're, you're naked, to a sense. You're a naked snake. <laughs> um, Whoa. 
but it's it's brilliant because it's it's telling the player, look, you have to play this game stealthily. You can't go balls to the wall shooting at everybody. And the first five minutes of this game make sure of that. They're like, here you're, you're forced to essentially stealth through this section and hide until it's time for you to go up the elevator that just comes down on a timer, essentially. Um, it, it'd be because the game is hard on easy difficulty. It's still hard because it's a PS One game. If you tried to go through it with just shooting everybody, you're not going to be able to do it. And there's no better way uh, for a game to tell you to do that than not giving you any fucking weapons to begin with, and you have to complete the first level essentially with nothing. So big fan of that. Yeah, it's also worth noting that like I mean we can bring up Twin Snakes, uh, but Twin Snakes had a lot of the the stuff that. The, the later games had. So you had the Trank Pistol. Like, when they added the Trank Pistol to MGS, well, it became a completely different fucking game at that point. Yeah. Uh, because now you can non-lethally take people out, move them around, uh, etc. You have the CQC. You've got knocking on walls. You've got uh, chaff grenades and all kinds of uh, stuff like that at your disposal. You have more items than I find you ever actually use in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and that's part of the, the charm of it. It's just like, what does this do? What is the application of this? Do I want to be saving this stuff? Do I want to be using it? Um... Learning how to hide, learning how the alert system works, which is, of course, uh, a thing that's consistent through all the Metal Gear Solid games, uh, is fantastic. And there, there are other games that, like I, Resident Evil as a comparison for around the same time, uh, the mobility in Metal Gear Solid is so much fucking better than the tank controls in that game. Uh, Metal Gear Solid feels like you can execute when you need to, you just don't have the tools you need to get into an extended firefight or to, to fuck up too much. Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's consequences uh, to you making a mistake, which is is consistent with the series, I think, on the whole. Now, the boss fights is something completely different. They tend to be very cryptic. They tend to be, uh, I mean, let, let, let's talk about them. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, the, for Metal Gear Solid 1, we have yeah. a bunch of boss fights. Uh, to begin, we have Revolver Ocelot, which is a rather basic roundabout shooting Just what, yeah, boss fight. Yeah, one of my fight. favorites, Revolver Ocelot. Just like, uh, you know, a plate of, of, of home cooking that boss fight. It is pretty simple, but it's got some of the best dialogue. <laughs> uh, you know, he talks about reloading yeah. his gun. And he's like, oh, that sulfury smell. Uh, but to you, it will be the smell of your own death. Yeah, and he goes, six bullets, oh, yeah. more than enough to kill anything that moves. And then he shoots, like, 20 at you, and you're fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Fuck! Yeah, it establishes Revolver Ocelot. It establishes the Robot Ninja, which I talked about in my summary. Um, very basic, but I would say otherwise a fairly unremarkable boss fight. After the first Revolver Ocelot boss fight, we get our first Vulcan Raven boss fight, except he's in a tank. I fucking hate this boss fight. I think yeah. it's bullshit. Oh man, I um, love I love nailing grenades that, at him, that, if I remember uh, grenade, that sound effect they got, just like the the grenade bouncing into the tank. It feels like success. Yeah, sounds like yeah. Success. From, a, from a very important from a pure enjoyment <laughs> perspective, though, I I derive none from this. I didn't like trying to basketball hoop <laughs> my grenades into the thing. Uh, I thought fighting a tank was pretty boring, as opposed to fighting an actual human or something neat. So I wasn't a fan of it particularly. Let's go real quick back to the Ocelot fight. Gray Fox shows up. Yeah. And we know Gray Fox because uh, the character, Frank Frank Yeager? Frank, Frank Yeager. That's right. Yeah. Okay. He's the guy you're rescuing in Metal Gear 1. That's right. He's he's the guy who's uh, like operating a Metal Gear in Metal Gear 2. Yeah, he right? betrays you. He's working for Big Boss in Metal Gear 2. What does betray you, I guess? He's working for Big Boss. You have to fight him in a minefield hand-to-hand in, in Metal Gear 2. Yeah, good fight. 
Goddamn. Yeah. And then now he's here. Uh, he seems to be on the same side as Solid Snake. He's just after he seems to be Yeah, we don't know yet that it's Frank Yeager. Uh, but he seems to be mostly an individual individual party after his own interests. And yeah. now follow me here. He, he cuts off Ocelot's hand. Yes. Which, in the context of Metal Gear Solid, is like, oh, you took you took this like pistol trick, motherfucker, and you cut off his hand. You've taken you've taken away fifty percent of his uh, whatever. But then later in Metal Gear, obviously, with the skin gr- the, the arm graft onto Ocelot. And everything that you will have to explain to me in Metal Gear Solid 4 when we get there. <laughs> uh, what if he hadn't cut off his hand? What if he had cut off an ear? Um, uh, <laughs> okay, the thing you have to understand about Ocelot is that he's the ultimate spy. Um, he would have a contingency plan for everything, just like I don't believe him getting his hand cut off was ever part of the plan. Nor could he have predicted what would happen in Metal Gear Solid 4 in regards to the AI. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So after uh, Falcon Raven in the in the tank, which I have pretty decent memories of not being too too bad. Of a yeah. Boss so the fight next the, boss uh, fight after Vulcan Raven would be the Gray Fox, aka Cyber Ninja fight, where we've learned that the Cyber Ninja is in fact Gray oh, Fox. Yeah. This is uh, I I would think Frank Ager. Yeah, yeah. I would think this is the most difficult boss fight in the game. So Metal Gear Solid is weird in its mechanics for the health bar in the fact that you start with a low health bar and you gain it bigger throughout the game. Great, um, but the boss's difficulty vary, very like very much. So at this point in the game, your health, mm. your health bar is not very high, and you're going into what I think is the hardest boss fight in the game, because you can only use your fists, um, and he he uh, the cyber robot disappears. He goes invisible. Uh, he can go around to different sections, and you have no real will of healing yourself unless you have a lot of rations on you. Um, is a, is an action-based, time-based fight. Uh, but most of all, what sucks about this fight the most... It's a good fight, I should say, sorry. Like, it's an enjoyable boss fight. It means a lot emotionally for Solid Snake, etc. But once you defeat him with your fists and he goes into his final segment, he goes into, like, like a, like a electric ball mode. I don't know how to describe it. He, like, surrounds himself in electricity. And up until this fight, you even punch him in the face because that's what he tells you to do. So you go up to him to go punch him in the face for the last time. Then he shocks you and kills you, and you have to redo the fight because you're supposed to kill, shoot him now. Stupid. I hate right. that. <laughs> well, everybody well, knows you're yeah, supposed to I shoot mean, the electric yeah, ball guy. Everybody you, you knows You come this. across uh, a ninja creating, freaking out with an electricity field, you shoot him. <laughs> but my point is they established before that, that you can only <laughs> punch him, and now you have to shoot him. Anyway... Uh, the boss fight is um, is difficult, but one of the better ones, in my opinion. The hand hands always uh, cinematic, destructive environments uh, the cuts- as well. The you can destroy the servers and the glass, and the papers will fly off. It's got excellent uh, environmental destruction in that fight. You feel like after it, you're like, oh yeah, this yeah. is a real control. Fight. Eat your heart out. Scrap here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah. The real the real hardest boss fight is pounding that button to survive the torture. Oh, yeah. That's the real <laughs> yeah. hardest boss fight. Yeah, and so, yeah, we'll go right into the next boss fights. Um, so in right before and right after the torture segments, which I'm sure we'll go into more detail after, is the sniper wolf fights, which are very basic sniper based boss fights, where she has a sniper, mm-hmm. you have a sniper, you try to shoot each other before the other shoots you. Um, 
very basic. The second uh, phase of Sniper Wolf's boss fight in the snow, you can even cheese by going behind a hill and using the remote-controlled missiles. Yeah. Sniper Wolf will be visible through the thermal goggles, so you just gotta hit her with missiles a few times, and then she acts like you sniped her. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Wow, you're so good." <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm a total badass. Yeah, kind <laughs> of a kind of a tradition with all of his sniper uh, boss fights. There's always a way to cheese it. Yeah, and that's what yeah that's what makes these a lot of fun is uh, that you can do it very weird, uh, unconventional ways if you want to. Um, Sniper Wolf is famous for having a very, uh, quote-unquote, emotional cutscene. Uh, famous for the line, Snake, do you believe love can bloom on a battlefield from Otacon? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just good old... Otacon was quite, quite taken with her. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just good old-fashioned <laughs> sniper boss fights. Oh, I totally forgot, uh, before the torture segment, we also had the most famous boss fight in Metal Gear Solid, and maybe all of video games? Um, and that is the famous Psychomantis, of course. Mm. Psychomantis is the... maybe the most unique bo- boss fight. Maybe top five oh, most yeah. unique boss fights. Yeah, <laughs> but I, as pure as pure popularity goes, it's it's definitely up there. Um, Psychomantis is very unique mechanics because he is the psycho unit of the Foxhound unit. He can read your memory card, and if you have other Konami games on record, such as yeah, Castlevania, Castlevania, he will make. Uh, uh, yeah, he'll make direct references to you like playing Castlevania. I remember yeah, my brother, uh, my which brother is... absolutely like lost his mind when he saw that. When he's like, "Oh, you like Castlevania, don't you?" And he was like, "Whoa, whoa, what's going on?" <laughs> wait, wait, and what? The, the uh, Hideo flash when it goes to the knows, the black screen. That's supposed to look like your audio video input. Uh, yeah, that got so me. I got idea. up from the, the, other from the the chair the first time it happened was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Go. Yeah, oh, yeah. The in the back. got me 100%. <laughs> yes. That's the other unique gimmick of this fight is uh, Psycho Mantis will fuck with your TV and make it turn off, essentially, where you have to con- switch your controller port-, port. If you take too long, Colonel Roy Campbell will call you and tell you to do this. Besides that, it's a really basic boss fight. You just shoot him while he throws stuff at you and... Uh, yeah, everybody remembers it for the awesome mechanics uh, for controlling Meryl, and it's just good old-fashioned boss fight stuff. I don't remember how long before Campbell calls you, because I feel like that should be an insane amount of time. It should be like 25 minutes, and then he finally calls you and says, switch I your think, goddamn controller port, man, dumbass. It was like the second or third round, I want to say, of him doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so after we have the Sniper Wolf and the Psycho Mantis boss fights... Uh, we basically go into the last sections of the game. Um, we fight Liquid in a Hind D. Uh, this is one that's not particularly... Hind D. Yeah, Hind D. Which is not particularly memorable or difficult. He's just in a helicopter. You shoot rockets that lock onto him, and you take cover when he shoots. Very basic, simple. I don't think there's a lot to go into for that. No, it's like um, waiting. You do a lot of waiting for him to like pop up so you can shoot him. Yeah, and he's like, hello, brother. <laughs> and that's it. So after that, we go into the final Vulcan Raven boss fight, which I think mechanically might be the best boss fight in Metal Gear Solid. Oh, yeah. It's it's a bunch of storage crates in a freezer, and he's walking down several sections, and you got to hide and shoot him when possible. Or you can plant explosives, or you can use missiles at him. Essentially, this is a sandbox box fight. They give you all your tools at your disposal. You probably have everything that you're going to get in the game by this point. And you have to take him down by any means necessary in a very basic, he goes one way, you go the other 
maze-like boss yeah, fight. Yeah, you hear him constantly breathing, lugging that uh, minigun around, and if you do take too long, there's a possibility that your rations will freeze and you won't be able to use them. You'll have to go to the smelter... Oh, wow. I didn't or fucking you'll have know that to go shit. to yeah. uh, you'll have to go to the bathroom and use the hand dryer to warm up your rations, or if you go to that the smelting lava room, it'll heat them up too. Yeah, and you can all, you can also <laughs> get a cold as well, and you'll sneeze in that game. Yeah. It's it's just it's just so brilliant. I mean, God. Yeah, the the attention my, to detail in the sections are crazy. So when you get to the end of the game, you get to the last couple boss fights. Which is first a boss fight with Lic- uh, Metal Gear Rex, piloted by Liquid. This is, uh, mm. it's very grandiose in its appearance. You're fighting a giant robot in a big, vast hangar by yourself. Uh, but besides that, it's actually quite boring. He's just shooting attacks, so you, you dodge and wait for your opening, <laughs> and then you shoot him with rockets. Partway through this yeah. is when Great it's Fox... old half for Solid Snake yeah. at that point. He's done it three times. Uh, partway through this is when Gray Fox comes in and you have the big cutscene. Once again, I talked about this. Uh, and then you defeat Metal Gear Rex and it goes into the final boss fight, which is you and Liquid in a fist fight on top of Metal oh, Gear. This... By this point in the game, you have the max health bar from all the boss fights, so this part is rather easy. You kind of just take your time, wait for your moments, hit them. I believe there's a time limit during this section as well. Use that CQC. Is, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, very famous boss fight, especially because it's very much mirrored in Metal Gear Solid 4, which I'm sure we'll get to on that particular episode. This leads into the last section, where if you gave in during the torture segment, uh, Otacon will show up. If you didn't give in at any point, Meryl will show up. You guys leave the facility as Liquid chases you in a truck and shoots at you. You get out, Liquid dies, Mm. the game ends at that point. Right on. Yeah. Right off into the sunset on a, on a dog right. sled. Right. Yeah. So, the only other real big thing we can talk about as far as gameplay-wise that comes to mind would be the torture segment, which has become a staple of the Metal Gear Solid series. Man, that torture segment just gave me so much trouble. To this day, uh, I used to have to get my uh, best friend to 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 do it because I just like couldn't press the circle button fast enough. I've since been able to do it myself, but you guys want to know a secret? It's really torturing mm. me. You want to know? You want to know the secret to doing any rapid tap thing on a PlayStation controller to this day? What's you take that? the back of a PS One memory card that's rounded, and you hold it onto the corner of the circle button, and then you just you just wiggle that thing back and forth, and you can get like four clicks to your one click, and it makes <laughs> any rapid. Rapid slam uh, thing. I, I use that to this day. Yakuza has a lot of rapid slam stuff, PS1 like in the Hostess mini game. And I was just like, I- I'm gonna go find a PS1 <laughs> memory card and use this shit. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the, the torture segment, like I said, staple Metal Gear Solid. Uh, also, it straps you to a chair and just for the hell of it is gonna torture you. You have to spam circle in order to. <laughs> just for the hell of it. You have to spam circle uh, to make sure your health doesn't drop below zero. This has happened in Metal Gear 3, Metal Gear 4, to a yeah. sense. I, did it happen in Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid 2, Nick? Not that I remember. Yeah, I don't remember uh, a torture segment in Metal Gear Solid 2. But, uh, yeah, um, mostly this makes an important point, though, because this is the only Metal Gear Solid that has alternate endings. And your alternate ending is directly based on whether you give up or not in the torture mm-hmm. segment. That's why I think it's so relevant. So is Mer- is Meryl dead in the non-canonical ending? In the non-canonical ending, Meryl is dead. That's correct. 
Yeah, oh, you man. like you yeah. still think you have a Can't chance to save her on top of Rex when you're fighting Liquid, but when you she's she's just like a corpse, limp, dead body. And you're like, oh, and you're like, oh, shouldn't have done, should done that. I guess <laughs> should have held on. Yeah, that's it. And then the game ends with you and Otacon, and it's not nearly as awesome. <laughs> Otacon's holding you around the waist and like rests 100%. his head on your back, and you, you get right off the yeah, You get you get just um, like one of my Japanese. You get enemies. the uh, infinite uh, ammo bandana for uh, right Meryl, and then you get the uh, active camo if you have uh, Otacon there. So okay, I mean those cool. There's a little and that's because like you get those aren't yeah, required to like the. Doesn't really give you a huge amount of uh, a benefit in later playthroughs, but it, back in the era where you know any little thing that changed, it just required you to replay the game. It was uh, it was kind of cool. Plus, you also got the tuxedo. Well, you used to you used to replay oh, yeah. a fucking game. Yeah, you'd get a you would get an alternate costume. It's like, well, I guess I'm gonna replay the game now, but in yeah. in swim trunks. Not to or mention whatever the, the ranking thing. system as well. How many rations you used? How many times you saved? Right. Uh, Oh, especially when you get to the later games with the Absolutely. European extreme difficulties, etc. So what's so Snake's not alone. He's got handlers. He's got people he's talking to on the radio all the time, yeah. including Merrill, who's who's in the shit with him on Shadow Moses. Otacon, obviously, and Otacon, uh, as Reed kind of may or may not have filled this uh, uh, in. Uh, he has a lineage. His family goes back in the history of Metal Gear. Uh, so he is he's a more relevant character than just a scientist yeah, on Shadow Moses. I didn't touch upon his family um, history that much because I figured I'll be more relevant once we get to later games. Yeah, so you got Roy Campbell. He's a cool guy. He's the he's the guy who's bringing you out of uh, retirement. You've got uh, is it Miller? What's his first name? Master One Miller, name. who is the Master Miller, who is Snake's basic training commander and who is a resident of Alaska who can help a lot with the fauna of the place. Even though you never have any questions about <laughs> <Yeah>. fauna, <laughs> you you have when is it is it supposed to be tongue in cheek that he's helping you with the fauna, referring the flora, to the Foxhound members? Fauna. Uh, I think it was just to give him function. He's like, oh, just ask me about Alaska. Sesame probably, probably Kojima yeah. did yeah. a and, lot of research on and of course Alaska Miller is just to include it in the game, so he gave him that function. Like you can call him the Stasha Romanov. <laughs> Why not to talk about weapons? Like who 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 calls her? No, I've never called exactly. her once. The only the only time you call her is when you're forced to in regards to the lasers and the cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> but you can call her and she'll she'll talk, also, talk to you about the uh, weapons that you have and about uh, nuclear programs and nuclear weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, they're just there if you want some you flavor. There's a lot of like the other Metal Gear Solid games have this too. There's just hours of flavor text in codec form. Yeah, uh, to sit through, uh, and then Miller, of course, ends up just being liquid with sunglasses on. Yes, uh, of course, <laughs> the classic. <laughs> oh, there's, uh, so there's li- way too many characters yeah. in general to go over Metal Gear Solid. Mei Ling, the Doctor Naomi Hunter, her connection to to Gray Fox, and that their brother and sister. You have Liquid Snake and all his Britishness. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this will all yeah, all the mem- this will all come <laughs> to British these glory. characters really come to fruition in three and four. You can talk more about them uh, with the story yeah, yeah. reveals of three. And I just four. wanted to make sure they're in, they're yeah. in the mix here. Evidently, Metal Gear Solid One is a very big g- game, and we still haven't gone over nearly everything. I feel like we should have gone over. <laughs> 
What's uh What's left? Tease it, Reed. What uh, What do we? Uh, well, I still think what do we have we left to, to cover in the, solid one. Yeah, I guess I would like to go over the main narrative and the themes of the game in a bit more detail. A lot sure. more of the characters and uh, exactly how they interact with each other. Mostly just the legacy and the innovation that Metal Gear Solid had. It's not a lot left to talk about, I should say, but I think you know I might add on a little extra secondary point after the fact or something like that, just to give this game a bit more of the the justice I think it deserves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so there, there's no fucking rules uh, about this, but we do have to wrap up for today. We thought this was going to be a tight five-episode thing, but it sounds like Solid 1 will pour into next week, and then, of course, we'll do the handoff to Solid 2, uh, which there's there's a lot to say about the, the series. It's it's really the biggest uh, change in the series goes from Metal Gear Solid 1 to 2, in my opinion, uh, from a gameplay and, and how the story is told from there on. Uh, but I'll explain more about that next week. of Diamond and Pearl are going to be announced for later this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Without further ado, uh, we're going to join Reed from last night where he recorded a story summary of Metal Gear Solid 2. We're going to cut to that, right? Hey, hey, Reed here again with the next installment of our story summary of the Metal Gear Solid series. Today we're going over just Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty for the PlayStation 2. Uh, let's get right into it. There's a lot to go over in regards to Metal Gear Solid 2. It's definitely one of the most uh, thematic of the games. It goes into a lot of concepts, post-truth politics, fake news, alternate facts, echo chambers, memes, social engineering, political conspiracies, censorship, artificial intelligence, existentialism, postmodernism, virtual reality. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to go over in regards to this game. Anyway... So Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty takes place two years after the Shadow Moses incident of Metal Gear Solid 1. In 2007, Solid Snake and Otacon have now formed an organization known as Philanthropy, and they have vowed to destroy or dismantle any Metal Gear Solids, or Metal Gear Solids, any more Metal Gears in the future. Uh, so basically, once they hear word that the U.S. Army is secretly building an anti-Metal Gear Metal Gear named Metal Gear Ray... Solid Snake sneaks onto the tanker in the Manhattan Bay to basically take pictures and upload it to Otacon so he can let it be known to the world and they can destroy it. Unfortunately, while Solid Snake is on the tanker, it's also invaded by Russians. Russians led by the none other than Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. So Snake makes his way through the uh, tanker stealthily and sneakily. He eventually gets his pictures that he wants and sends them to Otacon. Unfortunately, uh... And also, he has to have a boss fight quick with Olga. Uh, you can only do non-lethal with her because you only have the tranquilizer pistol at this point. So she's forced to live, and there's good reason for this. Anyway, 
Ocelot, uh, at the end of the tank mission, essentially betrays his Russian allies, and, uh, because he's, his fucking arm that he lost from the first game is now Liquid Snake's arm. Essentially, Liquid Snake, or his persona at least, takes over the fucking will of Ocelot. Like, we're getting some deep anime shit here. <laughs> and makes him escape with Ray. Even his voice turns back to classic, uh, classic, um, Liquid Snake, whatever he's possessed by him. It's really fucking weird. Anyway, two years after that, so 2009, um, there's a environmental disaster, the Big Shell. Unfortunately, this is just a cover-up, actually. The members of Dead Cell, an elite uh, U.S. military force, has taken over the facility, supposedly supposedly being led by Solid Snake, or that's at least what they're calling themselves. So to circumvent this, Special Unit Foxhound sends in Raiden to essentially take care of the situation, rescue the hostages, and disarm the terrorists. Um... So while he's going through the facility, he runs into a couple members of a surviving Navy SEALs team that was sent in to help with this hostage situation. The two members being Iroquois Pliskin, who looks a very suspiciously amount a lot like Solid Snake, and Peter Stillman, who is a bombs expert. Peter Stillman and Iroquois help Raiden disarm a lot of bombs that are along the big shell that won't cause an explosion. Um, unfortunately, Peter Stillman is killed by his old protege and a member of Dead Cell, Fat Man. And this leads into the first real boss fight with Raiden, which is Fat Man. Um, so after you basically take down Fat Man, uh, you go through a bunch of more stuff. Uh, you find out, once again, like I said, Dead Cell's leader is calling him Solid Snake. Uh, he's fighting a Harrier, which is very reminiscent. So you have a quick boss fight with the Harrier, but it's more... Uh, it's more cinematic than anything. Eventually, Solid Snake, or Pierquad uh, Pliskin, reveals that he is in fact Solid Snake, and that this man is not him. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> so Solid Snake, once he reveals his cards, shows you to Otacon, and Otacon is now your new helper throughout the game. Um, so he leads you to President Johnson. That's right, the president was was uh, is being held hostage by a dead cell. So, uh, Raiden makes his way to President Johnson, and Johnson just reveals a lot of stuff. The leader of Dead Cell is actually George Sears, who is the former, former president, and, but his real name is Solidus Snake. He is a clone of Big Boss, and he has decided to go against the Patriots. So, Ryan quickly asks who the Patriots are, and they are the secret, super-secret Illuminati government secretly controlling the United States, all their decisions, and that... The Big Shell is not actually a Big Shell. It's actually a housing facility for Arsenal Gear. And Arsenal Gear is a big submarine machine that houses another thing, which is an AI called GW. And GW is a Patriot AI. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of things going on. Um, unfortunately, before President Johnson can really explain more, Osla comes in and kills his ass. Uh, so after this, Ryan has to go rescue the computer programmer of the facility, which was Emma Emmerich. Uh, ironically, the stepsister of Otacon. So, uh, once you get Emma, a bunch of stuff happens, and she basically says she's going to upload a virus to GW to disable the AI. Unfortunately, before she's able to succeed in this task, she is shot or stabbed or some shit, I forget, by Vamp. So you go into a boss fight with Vamp. Um, Unfortunately, Emma succumbs to her injuries, but she is able to upload the virus, but not completely. I believe it's cut off ever so briefly. 
Um, so that's a total bummer. Uh, a bunch of other stuff happens, and you eventually meet another cyborg ninja who actually is Olga from the first boss fight. Uh, she's basically saying that she needs, uh, she has been sent here to do something because her child's in danger. Honestly, her plot isn't necessarily important except for the child. Her child's being held by um, the Patriots, and she is forced to work for them as a result. Anyway, unfortunately, Ryan's captured by Solidus Snake, where Solidus reveals that uh, Ryan was a child soldier that he raised himself during the Lib Librian Civil War. Um, so a bunch of other stuff happens. Ryan is able to escape, yada yada. Uh, Rose eventually comes on, oh yeah, one of you, I can't believe I haven't mentioned Rose this whole time, she's like co constantly bugging you. So throughout this entire mission, uh, your contacts have of course been Colonel Campbell, um, but your mailing essentially has been Rose, who is Jack's girlfriend. Anyway, at this part of the game, Rose reveals to Jack that she's pregnant, and that also she is a Patriot spy as well. She was sent by the Patriots, ordered by them to, uh, to become his lover, and his confidant so she could spy on him because they always had his, the Patriots always had their eye on Raiden, especially being a child soldier of Solidus. Um, I don't know how clearly make it if she actually had legit feelings for him or not, but that's always the impression I had is that she did actually develop feelings for Jack and her love is genuine. Um, anyway, a bunch of other stuff. You eventually come across Fortune where Snake battles Fortune for you while you take care of a lot of incoming Metal Gear rays. You shoot them down with rockets. It's made a bit easier by the fact that uh, Emma's virus is uploaded into GW and has caused a lot of corruption in the facility. Uh, what happens after that? Anyway, yeah. So basically, this one towards the end. This is basically the end of the game. So uh, Ryan and Snake, um, Ryan and Snake are captured and taken to the top of Arsenal by Solidus, uh, Fortune, and Ocelot. This is where Ocelot uh, does a big triple heel turn and reveals that he's actually himself a Patriot agent and steals Metagreal Ray from Solidus. Solidus and Fortune are stunned. Ocelot reveals that this whole thing was the S3 pan, the Solid Snake simulation, whose goal was it to make a soldier as good as Solid Snake, thus everything in the game like vastly mirrored in a lot of ways Shadow Moses. He had an incident where he had to... like. Um, uh, investigate un uh, underwater th uh, to get into the facility. There's a bunch of hostages. All the members of Foxhound and Dead Cell have dumb gimmicks. There's a cyborg ninja as a third party involved. The only thing that wasn't accounted for was the actual solid snake making an appearance, which is why things turned out a little bit differently in different in different parts or whatnot. Um, so Ocelot kills Fortune because he's a total heel, but then he's possessed once again by the arm of Liquid Snake. He goes, brother, and then he just says, I'm gonna kill the Patriots because fuck them. They can't control me. No one can control me. I'm my own man. So him in Ocelot's body takes control of Ray and just fucking pieces out. So Snake uh, is like, I'm gonna go chase after Ocelot. And so he does. So this basically just leaves Solidus and Raiden. So, um, Arsenal loses control at this point because shit's going whack, the virus is causing stuff, and it crashes into Manhattan. This is when the game gets super ultra meta, and I can't really summarize this. Like, you should just go on YouTube to watch this. It's, like, fucking 15 minutes long. Uh, but the AI comes on to 
the the codec and it's actually been Colonel Campbell and Rose the whole time. This is where it gets shit shit gets really complicated. Cause I don't know for sure if the Rose even speaking to the entire game has been the real Rose or not, because she does show up physically at the end of this game, or if she was the AI the whole time like the one you're talking to now. Anyway, the AI is talking to you now. I believe it's actually JD AI, and they're just talking about how GW was destroyed, because Ryan's like, how are you talking? The AI was destroyed, and they said, only GW. There's still JD and all the other minor AIs. Anyway, they reveal to Ryan and fucking everything. Uh, the S3 pen never was never about the Solid Snake simulation. That's just what they told Ocelot. It's actually the... What is it? Society for... The... What is it? Uh, the selection of society something. Uh, what's I know I'm looking this up while I'm doing this because uh, I want it. S3 plan Metal Gear Solid 2. The selection for societal sanity. And essentially this is them going on a big data filter to filter out trivial information that could halt the evolution of humankind into their next species. They go into, a, like I said, a lot of information about false truths, echo chambers, like a lot of things that became really relevant in the 2010s. Um, I read online that there is authors of books like decades before this that have also predicted these things, so it's not necessarily something new. But in a video game, to to really explain these huge concepts to you is really wild especially when you play it for the first time in the 2010s, like me or Lee did, where a lot of it is really more relevant. Um, you know, the echo chambers thing is fucking wild. How uh, nobody's nobody's right, but everybody's valid and all this other stuff. It's like, it's fucking really weird. Anyway, after they say all that, they're basically saying like, we're controlling information. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. Even though JW's destroyed, it proves the success of our plan. Now we know we can fucking like, control people through subtle manipulation rather than outright orders. It's brilliant. Uh, so they order Ryan to eliminate Solidus, and Ryan's like, no, like, wow, I'm done following orders. And they're like, no, we'll fucking kill Olga's kid and, uh, <laughs> kill Olga's kid and Rose if you don't, like, do it. And this is when Ryan's like, is Rose even real? And they're just like, ah, <laughs> And so Ryan's forced to take down Solidus, and he does. So this is his plan. He's actually the good guy of all this. He's like, we're going to take down the fucking Patriots, release ourselves from the control, and have an actual America, the Sons of Liberty. He had, like, bad ways of going about it, of course, but his intentions were absolutely pure in that he wanted to get rid of the Patriots because they were controlling every aspect of everybody's life. Anyway, Snake appears here. He doesn't really comment on whether, like, he found... Uh, Ocelot, but he did get this data pad, essentially, that had all the founding members of the Patriots on it, or all the current members, I think. And him and Ocelot are going to use that eventually to track him down. This is where Ryan's, like, really questioning his fucking sanity and everything around him and what real, what's real and not. And Snake gives the famous uh, find the meaning behind the words fucking speech that everybody loves. Uh, the ending's very, um, like, because there was no intention to be a Metal Gear Solid 3, the ending is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not a, like, solid plot stuff happening, and it's a lot of loose concepts and themes and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, Rose shows up, Raiden doesn't, they don't, she doesn't say anything to Raiden, she's just fucking standing there, and Ryan's just looking at her, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? 
And I think this was Kojima's intention not to explain this. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Solid Snake and some post credit stuff. Solid Snake and Ocelot are like, let's let's track down these Patriots guys. And uh, they open it up and are like, okay, all 12 members have been dead for 100 years. What the fuck? So this is when it pretty much uh, solidifies, if, if anybody had theories of it at the time anyway, that the AIs are in control of the Patriots and there's no actual human members behind it anymore. Um, and I think that was like, a, if that if the series did leave off at that point, that'd be a really interesting point. Just like you're controlled by AI and there's no there's nothing no one can do about it. Like you can't kill your way out of this. Uh, in another another post credit scene, uh, that's actually about it. Actually, there's no post credit scene where Ocelot's doing like, "Yes, Mister President." No, Mister President. That's Metal Gear Solid Two. What a wild fucking game! Uh, I thought I did a better job this time of summarizing the story of Metal Gear Solid One, but yeah, like I said, it gets into some weird stuff. But uh, yeah, we're gonna take it away now with me, Lee, and Nick going over uh, everything else. Well. <laughs> That's a hell of a story summary, Reed. <laughs> Why do you got to do that every time now? <laughs> because Paul White has signed with AEW, and we're all very excited about it. Yeah, not as excited as we are to talk about Metal Gear Solid 2. No. Before we go into Metal Gear Solid 2, is there you, you were kind of remiss. Did you want to talk a little bit more about Gray Fox and Solid Snake or anything from uh, those first games? For the sake of time, no. I'm in the Metal Gear Solid 2 headset. I'm all fucked up on memes. Uh, we should just dive okay. right into it. So we're it, fucked up on memes, yeah. genes and memes. So if you have any questions for me, feel free to hit me up. But otherwise, I can totally start to guide us through this uh, entire process if you'd like. Okay. Well, here's I'm just gonna skim off the top. Okay. With some questions. All right. Okay. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this game historically. Right. Uh, when the when the trailer was released for this game, it was prior to the PS2 being released. Yes. So in the year 2000 at E3, they showed a trailer of this game. And of course, it was mostly, it was like fucking 15 minutes long because Hideo Kojima, nothing hits the ground floor. He puts it in the trailer, he keeps it there, and then he finds a like folk song that will last the whole, the whole length. Yeah. Uh, so they showed mostly the ship sequence at the beginning with the rain and the soldiers yeah, the tanker, and Snake. Yeah, the tanker segment. The tanker segment, yeah. Uh, so people were losing their fucking minds. Uh, they had never seen console graphics like this. The fucking weather effects, the textures. And this was all mind blowing. And, in not the just, and not just that, it was also psychological. You're playing a solid snake in his prime. You're taking down bad Russians while you're on a secret military ship to find a Metal Gear. It's everything right. a Metal Gear Solid 1 fan wanted in a sequel. Right. Uh, so. You, you know, the game comes out, the PS2 is released, the game comes out, and, uh, well, it's not regarded necessarily as a masterpiece at first, because people are very upset about the bait and switch, that after the tanker sequence with Solid Snake, you then play as Raiden. Who's like, <laughs> Rose, and <"Nyeh." laughs> Who's like, yeah, so, so not only is Raiden a uh, character that has is being introduced for the first time here, uh, in terms of uh, temperament, in terms of the, look yeah. and everything, this is this is not the same character as Solid Snake. Yeah, Solid Snake has a beard and a bandana, and he smokes, and he's macho, and he's confident. Whereas Raiden is very timid and nervous. And he's very feminine in appearance and body type, especially. Whereas Snake is wearing a very robust suit with lots of pockets and 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 gun hardware and stuff like that. Ryan's wearing like a skin tight suit essentially. Right. Uh so he's sexy. You can't take your eyes off him <laughs> and that made you mad. Uh no, so Salt Snake appears later in the game as another character named Pliskin. 
uh, and we'll we'll kind of talk about that with the with the story. Uh, obviously, you you realize pretty soon that no, no no you're in for the long haul here. Raiden is the main character of this game. How does this fit in with Metal Gear? Uh, and once you get over that, you realize okay, so the big shell facility and what you're doing moment to moment in gameplay here. Uh, this this is kind of the established norm for the rest of the series until we get to uh, V. Even I would say Metal this Gear is also four, I, I would say. Okay, well, that's, you know, this is the last time you're in a facility. This is the last time that the game is constrained to uh, a smaller map. Like right, this, but, with also, three, with four, but also with five. psychologically, the, ga- the game of Metal Gear Solid 2 is supposed to mirror Metal Gear Solid 1, and that's the only reason, in my opinion, why you are in a facility. Right. Um, yeah, and that, I mean, we're going to get to all that with, with how this game wraps up and, and what Raiden is. And, oh, uh, I mean, the more specifically, yeah, I also mean more specifically Kojima's intentions with this game because uh, prior to this video game trailer release that you were talking about earlier, Kojima was getting death threats from people for not continuing on with Metal Gear Solid, essentially. He wanted to pass it off to a new director, from what I remember. Uh, but the new direct, right. the new director was starting to get death threats because Kojima himself wasn't doing it, so Kojima brought himself back. So that's why this game has such a heavy leaning in into uh, fan expectations, what they have in their head versus what he has in his head for what Metal Gear Solid means to the series, and especially towards the end, what it means for the overall everything. So it, the, this whole game is like a weird fight between fans and Kojima. Yeah, and we talked about at the beginning of the show here. Uh, I guess I'll have to splice that into the mega episode when we get there. But uh, in terms of storytelling, in terms of getting all these concepts out there, this is when I feel, in terms of Western audiences, that Kojima came into his own in terms of introducing. Like, he, he watched a movie, and it had a concept in it. He's like, well, that's going in my game. But there are already 13 other things he decided to go into his game. Uh, so you, not only do you get AI and the Patriots, you get... Uh, the the meme thing you get the everything else uh, going on here yeah, meme and, thing the yeah. political correctness echo chambers uh, misinformation false news like all this crazy shit that it won't won't be relevant <laughs> for fucking this 15 is when people years. people always like like oh could Kojima's some kind of fucking Nostradamus here like he's predicting shit before it happens it's just like no 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 he's he's reading and watching a lot and he's throwing it all at the wall because you could also make a list of all the things that oh, this man not, is not predicting. Not even yeah. that. Um, like I said in my story summary, there was other people that have written books and stuff before Kojima that predicted all of this happening in our digital age just because I'm assuming smart people can figure that out. They just know what's going to happen. So by all, accounts, <laughs> from, from, by all accounts from what I can read online, Kojima did not come up with all these no, no, I, I wasn't himself. implying that at all. But yeah. like, he he put it all in this game, and people are gonna look. People are gonna look at Death Stranding and be like, "Oh my God, Kojima knew COVID was gonna happen." Yeah, Norman yeah. Reedus. Well, yes and no, because this is the only game, and this is the only instance where anybody ever said Kojima is like prophetic or anything. So, let's talk about Liquid. All right, and his arm. All right, and how it's attached to uh, Revolver Ocelot. Okay, how does this work? Okay, so. Now, you have to ask yourself two questions when you get to this part. Are we talking about, like, before Metal Gear Solid 4 Kojima, or, like, he's writing Metal Gear Solid 4 Kojima? Because there's two very different answers here, okay? Yes, so this is, of the era of Metal Gear Solid 2, we learn in this game that Ocelot is not a spy for the U.S. government, but he's an agent of the Patriots? He is an agent of the Patriots. He was never, like, a spy of the U.S. government, because when he's talking to the president for Metal Gear Solid 1... He was actually talking to George Sears, a.k.a. Solidus Snake, 
who at the time was still technically working for the Patriots. Um, okay. So anyway, in Metal Gear Solid 2, right, he has his arm cut off by the robot ninja in Metal Gear Solid 1, so... We all know this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, if we're taking ourselves in the time when Kojima was just writing this and he thought this was the last game, no one can can say for certain what his thoughts were here. But you could say it was just, like, a thematic thing. Like, he wanted to make it that, like, Liquid's will is so powerful that it overtakes, like, the pawn that is Ocelot because Liquid's such an individual, and that's where he gets his strength from. Uh, if you look at it in the context of Metal Gear Solid 4 being written, then it's very obvious at this point what happened and that it was simply Ocelot's plan to trick the Patriots, so he purposely took Liquid's arm. Uh, okay, so... I got. This is where we got to talk about this. Okay. So the Patriots are cool with Liquid Snake. No. Why would they then want one of their operatives to s- splice an arm onto his because own? Because nobody then take in on... the fucking world, and even in this canon, thought, "Wow, an arm has a will of its own." <laughs> That's it. You're, right. But Ocelot is also able to switch between. Right. He's himself, and then okay. Liquid takes over. <laughs> okay. This is such a. I know. This is where it gets really confusing. Okay. If we're talking about the whole series canonly, and this is sure. this will help you explain it easily, okay? He did not yes. ask the Patriots' permission to put on Liquid's arm. He just <laughs> fucking did it, okay? Okay. He did not yes. he did not tell the Patriots about it. If the Patriots did know, they didn't see it as a big deal because it's just a fucking arm. It doesn't have a will of its own. And it right. doesn't. It, it would be f- <laughs> And it doesn't have so that- a, and it doesn't have a will of its own. It's just Ocelot using nanomachines and hypnosis on himself. Right. To convince himself that the arm has a will of its own and is taking over his persona at random intervals. The only okay, so way he the, could successfully trick the AI is to... It's to trick himself. It's to trick himself. So that's why it takes over him at random points. It, it, okay, there's but no, Ocelot's... There's no solid concrete at any point that Liquid taking over his body was planned. <laughs> what is Ocelot's ultimate goal in Metal Gear Solid, the whole series? To destroy the AIs to... To free the world from their control to create the ideal world that Big Boss wanted, which was a world which is also which is a world unregulated goal. Uh, yes, which is a world unregulated. No, yes and no, which is a world unregulated by U.S. government. Solidus is different. He literally just wants to get rid of the Patriots so he can control the United States essentially. Uh, right. And even then, Ocelot had a misconstructed view of Big Boss's view, which is Big Boss just wanted a world where soldiers could be free from government control. And then Big Boss had an even more disconstructed view of the regular boss who simply just wanted world peace. She wanted everybody to leave each other the fuck alone and for nobody to do any more secret bullshit or anything like that. Right. So the whole game is based around uh, the the misconception of the boss's view and Ocelot's is like a third tier perversion of it at this point. He wants to, okay, he wants so- to destroy the AIs and plunge the world to a technological... Uh, Ice Age, essentially. He wants to... Dark Age. Yeah, yeah. he wants to set everything back so it's like the Wild West and the Strong will survive because that's what he thinks Big Boss wanted and that's not what he wanted. Big Boss also didn't know what he wanted. Okay, so Ocelot has a perverted idea of of Big Boss's ideals and after Big Boss has passed on, he is now... Well, not passed on. uh, He is now trying to fulfill that goal as he perceived it. Yes, exactly. And in doing so, part of his plan is to attach Liquid Snake's arm to his own. Yes. And then using nanomachines and hypnosis to 
convince himself that he's crazy, to convince himself that liquid is existing within his body. Yes, because... What is the failsafe? How does he <laughs> know liquid doesn't take con- full control and do something completely out of left field? You just have to assume that he's a master of hypnosis and he knows how to regulate himself in the proper okay. way. And, so- then, and then he needs to trick himself so he can trick the AI so they don't yes. think he is Ocelot any longer. I have to I have to brush up on why exactly he needed the AI to not think he was Ocelot anymore, but there was a reason behind that. <laughs> well, I just assumed he needed access to something the Patriots had, and if the Patriots sensed that he was plotting against them, obviously. But the part where he puts Liquid's arm on and then embodies Liquid seems like a detriment to that plan. It seems like if I wanted you to get to get you to trust me, and I showed up and I was a different guy. No, because uh, and by referring the, to myself because by the point of Metal Gear Solid Two, he was already planning to betray the the Patriots, and he does defect against the Patriots by the end of the game. This is fucking okay. So that I mean, we'll talk more about that in Metal Gear Solid Four, I guess, where he is the main adversary. Yeah, but you also have to consider Lee that this is all winging it, like like yeah, like around the time you said I have to assume or I have to just accept that. there is no good explanation is the part where Metal Gear Solid loses me and why I don't like 2 and 4 but I do like 3 and 5 I think 5 has way more of this dumb bullshit than than yeah but at least it's like it's like dumb for its own dumb sake whereas this is like no 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 this is building the universe there's there's a payoff to this in another game still to come yeah yeah, fair enough fair enough Uh, it's the way I see it anyway Uh, so okay that whole liquid arm thing it's the it's the nano machines. It's the what have you. There is a literal vampire in this game. There is a literal, not literal. He it's the nano machines. You're gonna hear okay, that. Okay, so lot. he's got he's got fangs. Yes. He can uh, he can climb walls. Yes. Uh, he's got super strength. This is all just nano machines. Of course, in Metal Gear Solid Two, we are not told any of this. We don't know about nano machines yet. Uh, yes, the nano machines have been touched upon in Metal Gear Solid One. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a thing. I guess I. Because, like, I remember waltzing into 4 and being, like, the fight with Vamp. You learn that, oh, he's got nanomachines, so you hit him with the syringe that makes him fuck up. And then you just blast him in the face with a light machine gun for a little bit. Um. <laughs> so, uh, the other big thing this game brings to the table is first-person aiming. Uh, another thing is the Trank gun, uh, which completely changes up uh, how you approach gameplay and how you approach stealth situations in this game, in my opinion. Okay, wait, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Fuck, I, I got wrong, okay. Oh no. So he did actually have Liquid's arm on him, and it was actually controlling his will. We're going to have to get into crazy town here. Um. Okay, that, so, so that's what I thought, okay, because in Metal so, Gear Solid 4, okay. the excuse is, no, 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 all that was made up, that was Ocelot doing it himself. I'm like, okay, so the, the arm never had magical powers no, okay, so, that took over his body. So Metal Gear Solid 2, <laughs> man, this discussion's going crazy. Um, Metal Gear Solid 2, the arm was Liquid's arm, and it did have a will of its own. Okay, Fr- like idle at hands. At some point after that, he took off uh, Liquid's arm, replaced it with a metal one. But he's like, hmm, like this, like the Patriots think I'm crazy and have defected. I guess this is a good opportunity to still make them think that I'm a crazy asshole. And so they're not aware of my true plans. Oh, Ocelot, why? Yes, so he's like, this is a perfect opportunity for a crazy cover. So he puts on a robot arm and hypnotizes himself to think that he still has Liquid's arm. So the Patriots still think he's Liquid. So they're not really worried about him, even though they should be, because he's secretly fucking everything up. That's really dumb. 
It's really dumb. I don't understand why he had to hypnotize himself. Okay, so it's retcon then. It's like, okay, the the arm that takes you over is a little too crazy, but since everybody thinks that anyways, now Ocelot can somehow use that to his advantage. Yeah, I, I'm trying uh, then, to remember what exactly the advantage is here of making the AIs think you're secretly Liquid Snake, because Liquid Snake is still a high-priority target to kill. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. He's an enemy of them. Why would you parade... But but Ocelot putting that arm on, if you're saying that there is magical... It's like the fucking hat that they put on uh, Frosty to turn him real. Uh, he put on this arm not knowing uh, that the will of this man is so strong. <laughs> and it, 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 but, really, but there's so many questions. It's like there's so many arms to choose from. Okay, but then there's one. also Fox Die, yes. uh, which, which Liquid had. Yeah. And then there's also nanomachines. So it's not hard to believe, not unlike the chip in Cyberpunk... That attaching the arm allowed whatever blood was die. left to flow in. <laughs> but yeah, the fox, fox die to flow into the fox die would only. But in that theory, the fox die would only attack liquid cells, so it would rot the arm. But Ocelot himself would be <laughs> fine because fox die right. wouldn't target him. At that point, you have to wonder if liquid's blood would cross with Ocelot's blood and become liquid Ocelot blood. Look, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> What if Ocelot then cut off his other arm and gave that to somebody else? <laughs> that three is dudes? This, <laughs> is his will so powerful that you could like attach a pinky and you would eventually like just yell out like brother at that's people? No, that's ridiculous. An arm is, I think, as small as we can. Like, yeah, like a nut sack. I don't think. Like, I think we might have to vote another week. It'll be good. for Oh no, Nick, absolutely. Actually. But th- but these are the questions that when we said we were going to talk about Metal Gear Solid, I needed to dig into. Yeah, we didn't uh, even talk about like <laughs> we didn't even talk about like the gameplay, the changes to hanging, no. uh, the layout of the big shell facility or anything. So I think another week will be need to be devoted to Metal Gear Solid. Oh, absolutely. Too. Because this arm, uh, yeah, I want to talk about this arm yeah, business ahead. is is fucking crazy. I'm trying to remember what his goal was with tricking the AI, like crazy. Okay, so that's that's your homework because you won't now have to record. Let's say let's not record the Snake Eater uh, story synopsis next week. We'll be like a catch up yeah. on everything we want to do, and you can go research Revolver Ocelot and 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 intricately let us know his plan because I now I don't have it right in my head. I thought the whole time he was faking it. I thought the whole time he was faking it too, but apparently at some point he wasn't, and he's he just thought it was a good opportunity. I wonder if Hideo Kojima even knows where Ocelot begins and Liquid, liquid ends. <laughs> he probably because uh, we didn't even talk about Solidus or anything in this game. Yeah, yet, I know. So. <laughs> a little pause here, so I know where uh, the segment starts. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Two. Last week we tried to talk about Metal Gear Solid Two, and we ended up mostly talking about fucking Liquid Ocelot's fucking arm. Arm. Uh, did you do any research on that? Do you have any caveat? Do you have anything to add on? So I, I think I skyped you right after. Yes. This, but from my understanding, he did actually dead ass attach Liquid's arm. Yes. Uh, Sewed it on there. Yeah, and it was, or it did have a will of its own. But at some point, <laughs> it just said at some point he took off the arm to attach it with a robot arm. Right. But I guess he got the idea through it. Like, man, this would be an easy way to trick the Patriots. Then the only evidence I could get why. Like, like why, like, Liquid would be a better choice than Ocelot. Like, either way, you're a bad guy to the Patriots, right? right? The only thing I could find in support of that would be um, that if he turned into Liquid and became this fucking weird mix of a person, he would take all the heat. Like, he would draw in all the heat so Snake could be in the background secretly fucking taking down the Patriots. Huh. Yeah. 
The, and then the other flip side I heard is that uh, the Patriots never saw Liquid as a true threat to them as also so, so they never fuck with them. The we, third yeah. piece of oh, shit. It's okay would be that Liquid is in charge of the biggest PMC in the world, which controls five different PMCs under sure. it. And killing Liquid would collapse the war economy, which the Patriots set up themselves. So, okay, so you, are you implying that... So the Patriots have nothing to do with Ocelot's decision... No. To dead-ass attack. No, because Ocelot the whole time yeah. wants to, like, fucking take down the Patriots, right? Right. So he the did ulterior motive secret. is ultimately to take down the Patriots, yeah, which that. is also the the goal of Solidus Snake in right. this game. Right, yeah, and yeah. also, Lee, between Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4, uh, Ocelot basically breaks, uh, gets Eva out, or, like, finds Eva, right. and gives her Solidus's body. In a bag. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> this is before he turns into liquid. Like, he tricks everybody. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. I want to talk about the Patriots. Okay. Okay. The Patriots. Yeah. Uh, so many men. Uh, they they control the wealth of America. No, they're not. Yes and no. 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 <laughs> we're going to go, like, all the way back here really quick. Okay. Well, the well, Patriots well, are based yeah. on the philosophers. The philosophers yes. were a secret Illuminati group between China, Russia, and USA. The Axis okay. groups behind World War II. Okay. They secretly amassed a, a fund of trillions. Okay? Right. The war, war economy yeah. was paying good. Yeah. Bunch of stuff happens. Metal Gear right. Solid 3 happens. Yes. Um, basically, when the Cold War happened, all three sec- uh, sectors of the philosophers broke up. China, Russia, okay. and USA. Because they were literally at war. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, Cold China and Russia <laughs> at this point just kind of like, they're yeah. philosophers fuck off. We don't need to worry about that. Don't need to worry about that. They've it's never just, come back up. Yeah. Just USA. Okay. The philosophers of the USA doesn't say what happened to them. It's okay. implied that they were assassinated or killed by Zero and Ocelot. Sure. Uh, but basically, when Metal Gear Solid 3 happens, uh, they get the funds from the, the philosophers through EVA. Um, and they get the U.S. gets partial of them through Snake. So Zero, who was in charge of the mission of Metal Gear Solid 3, reorganizes the funds. Right. And basically, since there are no philosophers uh, anymore, he re- creates the Patriots now. They're not called Patriots at the time. They're just okay. called Cypher. Do the page, are the Patriots physical people, or is the that Patriots, the AI already? The Patriots, in my interpretation yes. of events, are just the AI. Patriots, okay. Cypher is Zero, Signet, Medic, Big Boss, Ocelot, Eva, okay? Right. When, uh, Phant- when Phantom Pain, or just before specifically Peace Walker rolled around, this is when everybody started fucking off into their own divisions. Okay. And when Zero commissioned the creation of the AI. Yes. When he got sick because of Phantom Pain... Uh, he was no longer able to operate the AI to operate the, the cipher anymore. So sure. he told Signet, who is Donald Anderson sure. from Elder Solid One, to turn on the AI and there to run his organization. Thus, they became the Patriots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I understand so basically that. From the, basically, from the nineteen late nineteen eighties to early nineteen sure. nineties, Patriots have been run have been running the United States. Yes. So not it's, just it's a computer. Yeah. Yeah. It's five computers. It's right. one head AI, which is JD. Right. And then a bunch of sub subsequent ones. But they don't just run funds. They they uh, filter information. They run the military, government, fucking everything. They're right. the they are the government. They are the automated people. Illuminati. Yeah. They're the uh, au- yeah. With with deep pockets of money made. Yeah. Uh, by the time Melgar saw two, yeah. like all human members of the Patriots are just agents that they're using by proxy. The only leaders are AI. Okay. So Big Shell houses one of the AIs. Yes, it houses G, uh, GW, which right. is held inside Arsenal Gear. Okay. Emma. Yes. Is able to take that AI out. Yes. Because- Solidus thinks 
he's accomplished his goal, and he learns that there's four other AIs, backup AIs. He doesn't learn that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not made clear, uh, fuck, from what I remember anyway, but his intention was never to get ammo to create a cluster worm for anything. He yeah. was, I think he knew the location of the AI in some capacity, and he was going to go take them down. He was going to okay. take over GW and use that to corrupt the rest of the system. Solid as Snake and the Sons of Liberty. Yeah. Uh, they can be seen as a uh, chaotic or, or, a, or a lawful evil. Or, or, or you yes, them they have really bad ways of yeah. going about it, but their intentions in freeing America from the control of the Patriots... Sounds is great good. until who takes over in right. place. Right, Solidus would yeah. want to take over. Yes. No, yeah. yeah, it would be trading one tyrant for another, but yes. like their intentions were to take down the Patriots. Yes. Right. Uh, Raiden is basically uh, manipulated the entire game. Uh, as you say in your recap... Uh, by the end of it, you don't even know when Rose, if Rose was ever real, or if she's just real at the end, and he was just being. They used her to convince him to do this, show. right? Especially because yeah. at the end, she just stands there in the street with Ryan, and none of them say anything. Right. They're just and, standing there, and because, ultimately, it's not important. Yeah, that because that yeah. wasn't Kojima's intention. His his intention was this video game and what it told you. It's up to you to decide what's important, yeah. what's real to you, like the themes and the messages, right. and what isn't. Just because the, like, the AI tells you at the end of the game how they're filtering out information. Right. Kojima's trying to tell you, you should decide for yourself what information is important and what isn't. Yes. So there is a scene at the end of the game, and I think I wanted to try to talk about this last time, but uh, in between the game uh, being made, being shown, and releasing, 9-11 happens. Yeah. Uh, the, the climax of this game takes place in New York City. Manhattan. Yeah, uh, matter of fact. Uh there's a sh there's a ship gonna ram the city, the island. There's yeah, a ship. no, it's arsenal gear being okay. spun out of control due to the due to the worm cluster that right. was uploaded to it. So Raiden fights Solidus, and there's a scene where uh, after we've learned all this, he cuts Solidus down, and then he cuts a American flag, and it falls on Solidus. This was considered insensitive after 9/11, which I never quite no. They never released that part, the uh, flight cutting, and uh, there was going to be a scene of the team tight of the, the of the team tight. Coincidentally, depending on what version you play, you still hear the sound effect and you hear the flag, but there is no flag. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they would show the two towers before in yeah. old cutscenes, but they cut that before the game. Released. Very interesting. Has nothing to do with the plot of the game here. Yeah. Uh, Solidus Snake, of course, uh, raised Raiden. Yes and no. As a child Ryan, soldier. Ryan was found by Solidus as a child soldier, okay. uh, but Ryan forgot this through trauma and a bunch of other bullshit. Uh, there is a Navy SEAL team sent to the Big Shell before Raiden gets there. We yes. learn that Raiden is being sent there. Uh, the ulterior motive is to train Raiden to be as good a soldier no, as Snake? No, 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 no. That's what Ocelot thinks. That's what okay. Ocelot was told by the Patriots. That right. This whole thing was the S3 pen, the Solid Snake simulation, so they could create another soldier on par with the level of Solid Snake. Gotcha. But when you look at it, that's fucking stupid because Ryan could just be like, no, I'm just not going to like do be it. them. And yeah. it turns out it's true because the AI says the S3 pound never stood for that. It actually stands for the Selection for Societal Sanity. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the whole thing was, was just to see if they could manipulate through uh, giving out certain information and withholding certain information if they could still achieve their goals through subtle manipulation rather than outright force, which they did right. through Raiden. Okay. The only time they ever gave him an ultimatum was at the very end of the game. Otherwise, the entire time, they had Ryan eating out of the palm of their hands. So the only reason he does go through with killing Solidus is they threaten the lives of, like, for, for yeah, they're daughter? Like, or yeah, they're like, we'll kill yeah. Rose and Olga, yeah. and then he's and like, Olga's Rose, daughter, and he's Rose like, is Rose real? even real? And they're like, ha, 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 I need scissors, so what do you want? Cool. Okay. So I think... Uh, shit. Okay, so Pliskin, 
Snake, Solid mm-hmm. Snake. He's with the Navy SEALs. He's the only part the AI did not account for because they truly thought him dead. Yeah. Uh, but he secretly snuck in with that. And that's why things went a little bit different than Metal Gear Solid 1. Right. Um, but overall, it did more or less go the way they wanted it to. Hmm. Yeah. So, so you talk uh, in the story recap and stuff like that about Hideo Kojima uh, doing the bait and switch intentionally. Uh, I, I'm going to take you at your word for the fact that he was... Uh, I know he, throughout the entire series, has been getting death threats and like, hey, you need to keep making these games. And he's just like, I don't fucking got him in me anymore. Uh, so if I am going to do one, Metal Gear Solid 2 was the, the F you to the fans, whereas everything I feel beyond that was, was the embracing what he had put off the rails in Metal Gear Solid 2 and trying to make it make sense for the fans, therefore. Uh, the best example, of course, is, is Metal Gear Solid 3 just as a standalone game works. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's an unbelievable video yeah. game. Uh, and it's fantastic from a story and gameplay point of view, uh, whereas 4 then tries to tie together all of this Patriot shit, which admittedly is the part where my eyes glaze over and I'm like, I just want to sneak yeah. around and no, shoot I some No, I agree. Guys. Yeah. Um... But it, but it is neat to know at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 that, hey, these guys that you're looking for, trying to kill, trying to stop, don't exist and haven't existed for a long time. The only thing that does exist is a ghost AI of right. their ideals. And, and that's why the yeah. that's why when you look at the ending of Metal Gear Solid 2 as it is, yeah. and if you in your mind go, there's no game after this, it's like a really interesting ending. Because yes. it's Snake telling you, the player, because that's who Ryan represents, you, the player... It's up to you to decide what's important, what's not. Like you take yeah. the information that's relevant and you filter it out. Like we're controlled by AI, but that doesn't mean like basically saying like everybody is controlled by like just hey, some fucking listen, robot. If we want to get uh, like fucking art- artistic about yeah, it, yeah. you could be saying that. Well, this is a allegory for us all living like the United States living in the image of the forefathers who have been dead for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. things have changed. Why are we still... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why Metal Gear Solid 4 is so fucking messy is because yes. Metal Gear Solid 2 doesn't have a definitive ending. No. It's such a loose nothingness. Yes. Cool. Uh, so let's talk... Uh, let's go from a mechanics point of view. All right. Because uh, there's a huge leap uh, yeah. between Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2. Metal Gear Solid 2, of, yeah. like, not even graphically, but just gameplay-wise, does so many things differently that have since become staples of the series. Right. The biggest one, obviously, would be first-person aiming. Uh, they use this very cleverly throughout the game, not just in gunplay sections, but specifically when you go through the bomb de- deactivation parts yes. with Batman. You have to look in really interesting places that you can only see in first-person that you right. wouldn't think to look. Under bridges, under chairs, like in a locker or something like that. Speaking of which, another new feature, you can take down enemies and put them in lockers. Right. Which yeah, is you really... Can, you can non-lethally take down enemies with a Trank gun. Yeah. Uh, which means you can play more aggressively. You don't have to wait around a corner. If that guy's the only guy there, pop him in the head. Yeah, and, and of course there's limitations to it if you go into higher difficulties. Yeah. You can wear enemy uh, disguises. Sure. You can now hang off walls so enemies can pass by you while you're hanging there. Of yeah. course, you have a limit in what you can hang. Um you can now do cartwheels. There's some cool sword <laughs> stuff towards the end of yeah. the game. Well, it's like that's really not even worth mentioning because it's only in the finale of the game. But, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. And then, like for more sword stuff, go play Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they added in uh, swimming, which is really bad. Okay, yeah. So there's an underwater escort mission, which is pretty infamous. Uh, the characters are all there. Uh, Snake's great. I like Snake in a mentor role. is is fantastic. Right, and this is like, uh, this is Kojima being like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I peak Snake? Yeah. I guess you can look at him all day, but yeah. this is absolutely peak Snake. He's, you don't get to play him anymore. Yeah, he's, 
this is when Snake isn't being controlled by any yes. uh, government or or Liquid or Patriots or anything. This is Snake completely I, acting independently. We, we've never had a game with that Snake. Yeah. Right? We've never yeah. played as a Snake that is truly like, like Metal Gear Solid 2. Doing Snake. shit on his own. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like... He's like in a good place mentally and physically. He's not working for anybody. No, he's just doing his smoking own thing. cigarettes and, and yeah. taking names. We yeah. have Colonel Roy Campbell, of course, in the lead role mm. of your your navigator. Of course, it is not actually Colonel Roy Campbell. No, it's a fucking it's a robot. It always yeah. is. You have uh, Rose as your Mei Ling, essentially, who yes. is far more annoying. Yes, uh, she calls you every two seconds to remind you about some Godzilla fucking King Kong movie you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Um, Raiden gets like catfished he shows up and he's just like alright time for some TLC with my girlfriend it's yeah. just like an apple two sitting eventually, there he's like fuck eventually <laughs> it's supplemented by actual Otacon Snake who yeah. become more of your contacts than the Colonel or Rose do mm-hmm. um, you have the members of Dead Cell who are all wholly more uninteresting compared to him. so I want to talk about that too because the yeah. setting of the game is wholly uninteresting compared to Metal Gear Solid I, 1 even I the big know. shell sucks it's like a big orange it's a series of orange towers yeah. in the sea connected so, by bridges. The big shell is basically like an eight, like the num- like the sure. number eight. Um, and there's about like six or something platforms for each circle, essentially like that. And they're all very similar, but they each have unique gimmicks to it. I do really like uh, the ocean, like orange sunset aesthetic yeah, sure. to go for. Yeah. I really do enjoy that. I understand why... Like, it kind of would get boring. I like the callback to it in later games, like in, in, in V or 5. Let's call it 5. Uh, when you're making your own base and stuff like that, and you're like, slowly but surely, the orange metal starts coming in. You're like, man, maybe this guy just has a fucking thing for this this look. Like, he just <laughs> yeah. loves the orange metal. What's funny to that for, for me is that I grew up in the Maples. Uh, and the, the Maples community here in, in the town has adopted orange as, like, their, every time they build a community center or put something up or have a sports team, they're wearing that orange. So I was like, ah. Big, big bosses guys over here. Yeah. Uh, the boss fights are are imaginative as they are in the first game. Uh, uh, less yes so, no, less le- so. way you, less so. You don't but... have Psychomantis. No, um, this is one of the only notice, notable games that doesn't have a sniper boss fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it's instead in a section once you go through the escort mission with Emma Emmerich, who is he, uh, I've talked about yeah. it. Sorry, summary. Yep. But you're basically, instead of doing a sniper-on-sniper sniper fight, you're basically protecting her with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a particularly good section. I remember that. I So, the, like, I'm trying to think. I've only played the game once. I played it through, yeah. and then I never went back. Uh, and I, the, the parts I can remember is that sniper sequence, the underwater thing, everything at the end with when things go awry, when yeah. fish and mailed, when the game says, like, you, it tries to trick you into losing by telling you you have a game over, but you're actually still fighting in the corner. Yeah. All that stuff is Hideo Kojima bread and butter, and it's fantastic. Uh, and and yeah, when you look at what the game was trying to accomplish at the time, it's fine. I, when people say Metal Gear Solid Two is their favorite, I don't know. no, I <laughs> I can understand it because I do think the the ending part, the conversation with the AI specifically, once yeah. he starts talking about a lot of relevant topics today, I think for a lot of people, it's just it, it's too eerie to ignore to a point <laughs> that like it's so unforgettable. Yeah, I understand that. I think if anybody could look at these games critically however it's easy to see the Metal Gear Solid 3 is the best it's like unfucking touchable mm-hmm. and uh, especially Metal Gear Solid 5 too just from a gameplay perspective we'll get into the story for that that's oh, be the quickest story summary yeah. Snake goes to Africa doesn't girl, find girl shit she can't talk though. he goes to Afghanistan doesn't find shit she breathes through her skin yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> defeats a robot. This game doesn't fucking matter. He makes outer he- heaven. <laughs> and that's why it's the best one. Uh, <laughs> it's the best one. Yeah, so we'll kind of wind it down here. I don't think we're going to... Do you think we're moving on to Metal Gear Solid 3 next week? Or, or do you have something to close out on too? Uh, I guess there's not really a lot to talk. Like, yeah. it's so weird. Metal Gear Solid 2... You should almost get to the end and then have like a retrospective of the whole thing. Yeah, right? Metal, Gear like Solid, left Metal Gear Solid 2 well is a very interesting game. For 80% of the game, it's very by the numbers Metal Gear Solid 1 stuff. Yeah. With a lot of uh, information that doesn't matter for the series as, uh, overall. And they there is some innovations gameplay-wise, but they don't innovate it in such a way. And the game isn't as special character-wise as it is in Metal Gear Solid 3, so we can't, no. yeah. we, we can't delve into Ryan as a character or anything like that. Mm. Like, it's going to be a lot different once we're able to talk about the boss. It's, like, it stands out, in, in historically, there's not many games uh, that have that stellar of a first outing. Like, Metal Gear Solid 1, huge hit, everyone loves it. Making the second game, making that pivot to another character, and, and changing the story up that much uh, from where it started. And that's, and that's where you always have to give that series credit, is you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, uh, I think, and especially if you're going back to play them all, and you you see them not in their time, but like back to back to back. I think there's there's some really cool uh, themes, right? Like themes. I could, yeah, uh, to, I could see people being upset at the time when the game came yeah. out that they're playing Riot in it and all this shit comes out and it doesn't have a definitive ending. The the question uh, remains is just like if they were upfront about that, would the game sold less copies? Like it's. Yeah. It seemed like an intentional fuck you that you would avoid because they they put Snake in later parts of that game where he wasn't like in that initial trailer they showed Snake off the tanker in ways to make you think that this is a solid Snake game and would also lead you to believe that at some point in this game I'm going to be handed Solid Snake back but no. you're, you're 12 15 hours in and you're like I don't fuck think me. I'm playing I don't Snake think I'm like <laughs> um, interesting um, yeah it it's a hard game to talk about without playing it. Yeah. Um, just because like the cool parts are the beat to beat moments yes. um, but like I said there's so many like overall this game doesn't matter a whole lot to the Mel- the biggest contributor is a uh, contributor in this entire series is that the Patriots are a thing yeah and like that's it um, there's a, like 90% of this game you could cut and overall to the overall canon of the series it doesn't matter Metal Gear Solid 1 4 and 3 are so important to the overall series as a whole. The Patriots, the Philosophers, and Peace Walker, and all that, the backstory of Zero and all that kind of stuff, d- is it understood that he had that in mind when he made Metal Gear Solid 2? No. Or that's him filling in the gaps on how the Patriots became That's him Patriots. filling in the gaps okay. and him feeling like he has a need to connect all these games. Right. And that's the biggest complaint with Metal Gear Solid 4 from a lot of people, including myself, yeah. was the Patriots and... Like the Snake crew from Elgar Solid Three never needed to be connected. No, I thought the Patriots were far more interesting when they didn't have a human element behind them. If you just said at some point the U.S. government commissioned the, the and that's how it was in Elgar Solid yeah. Three. If you beat Elgar Solid Three, you have a timeline that comes down because he thought this was the last game. Of course, <laughs> he always does. <laughs> so when you're when you're reading the Elgar Solid Three timeline as it comes yeah. down the credits, it makes the perfect series. Lee, it's like philosophers. Like make the money, so philosophers lose the money. <laughs> yeah, they get the money. Patriots are formed ten years later. Patriots AI are commissioned. U.S. government gives full control to the AI. Boom, done. That's your series. Yeah, it's, it's clean cut. It's it's organized. It's perfect. It's when he decided that the Patriots, how their creation came about, uh, 
fucking zeros, like, who was, like, this dude that loves James Bond. Like, yeah. they're, like, Signet, who just talks to you the entire game. <laughs> I'm going to a different game. Yeah, we, have, we do have to wrap it up. Final right, thoughts. Yeah. yeah. On the Patriots. Fuck them. <laughs> Final thoughts on the Patriots. <laughs> uh, I love Metal Gear Solid 2. I think it's one of the best games in the series, bar none, um, just because how unique, different, uh, and how daring it is. I can say that having played it in 2018, yeah. when I didn't have the emotions that people did did have in the time, yeah. so I knew that after Metal Gear Solid 2, I was going to be playing Metal Gear Solid 3, and I'm going to be happy. Yeah. So yeah, Fair. I love Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, I think it's really weird, really unique. Well, next oh. week we begin talking about uh, the best snake, and that is Naked Snake. I give my life, <laughs> I give my not for honor, but for you. I love Read from late last night will now uh, take us quickly through the plot of Metal Gear Solid 3, and then we will rejoin here to begin our discussion of it. Hey guys, next part of the story summary here with Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. So this is a prequel to the entire series, including the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 for the MSX. This time it stars Big Boss as the main character instead of Solid Snake, except at, except at this point in time he's only known as Naked Snake. And so this place takes place in 1964, and we start off the game with a virtuous mission. So in the 1964, this is when it takes place with the Cold War between Russia and uh, the United States. And there's this scientist named Sokolov who is an engineer who has, I believe, been taken captured by uh, Russian radicalists or GRU, I believe they're called, led by one Colonel Volgin. And Sokolov has essentially created this big tank motherfucking thing called the Shagohod. So it's at this point that uh, Fox, it's not Fox Sound at this point, it's just Fox, sends in their best agent, who is Naked Snake, to infiltrate the facility and rescue Sokolov as a favor to the uh, major overseeing this operation, Major Zero, as he's friends with Sokolov. So Snake makes his way down and uh, gets Sokolov, not before meeting not before meeting a really young revolver ocelot, except he's just using a regular pistol. He tries to take down Naked Snake. Naked Snake is way too much of a badass, though. Flips all this shit, calls him pretty good, and remarks that his particular hand style, the way he loads and the quick draw, would lend itself much more to a revolver. So as Snake's making his way back with Sokolov, uh, he's actually intercepted by the boss. The boss is his mentor and the one who taught him everything that he knows with the military. She's also a legendary hero of World War II along with her Cobra unit. Uh, everybody looks up to her. She was earlier just participating as an overseer of the mission along with Major Zero, uh, but she's actually here in the flesh. So Nick Snake's like, what are you doing here? And the boss fucking defects from the United States. Volgan shows up, and as a gesture of goodwill, the boss hands over two fucking nukes to Volgan. Naked Snake's like, what the hell's going on? So they take Sokolov and 
the boss beats the shit out of Naked Snakes and leaves him for death, and then they take off. But not before Volgan decides he's going to nuke the facility that they were at. Ocelot, who's in the helicopter, is even like... And Ocelot's a crazy motherfucker. We all know this from the torture and everything. Uh, so even him, he's playing like, what are you doing? You can't just fucking nuke that place. And Volgan's like, ah, yeah, I can. And so he nukes the entire area. Uh, Naked Snake gets away safely safely by um, Fulton Rescue, I believe, yes. I don't know if it's explaining this game or future games, but this also renders Snake uh, impotent or sterile, I guess. Um, the, the nuclear radiation, I think, kills the sperm count and he can't have children. Uh, not legitimately, at least. <laughs> Shit goes down. Uh, Russia essentially blames the nuclear attack on America. Uh, so yeah, the Prime Minister of Russia and the U.S. President have come to an agreement that the U.S. can stop uh, Volgan's faction because they are a Russian radicalist group. They can destroy the Shagohod since it is uh, a nuclear-armed uh, mobile weapon. And also uh, kill the boss. And then essentially why they have to kill the boss is, well, because she defected, obviously. And she supplied the nukes. So if they can kill the boss, they can put all the blame on her because she stole the nukes and everything like that. She'll just be marked as a traitor. Which she is. So the U.S. is like, alright, well, I guess we're just going to send in Naked Snake again. So that's what they do. So Major Zero is once again the leader of this operation. He's your Colonel Campbell, if you will. On the flip side, you got... Uh, paramedic as your save person she is obsessed with Godzilla movies and like yeah that's all I remember about paramedic is she really likes Godzilla and vampires maybe vampires um, you also have uh, Signet who he, he kind of plays that like Natasha role from Metal Gear Solid 1 where you kind of just there to talk to if you want to talk to him you can go the entire game without really having a conversation with him but if you really like guns, because Naked Snake really fucking likes guns, then he's a really cool guy to talk to because they just talk about guns the entire time. I really, uh, my second playthrough of this game, I, re- I really went through that and really enjoyed it. So anyway, Snake uh, lands down and yeah, he's going to go on to his new mission. So uh, he also learns at this point that the NSA sent in two agents as double agent spies, whatever you want to call them, named Adam and Eve, very fitting. And he's to make he's to make contact with Adam here essentially, so they can uh, get moving. So Naked Snake makes his way up towards uh, one of the new facilities or buildings or whatever. And instead of meeting Adam, he actually meets Eva or Eve. She's super attractive, and she's like seducing Snake in a super obvious way. But Snake's just like, oh, the mission, <laughs> um, and she's like, yo, I know where Sokolov is. Like, we'll go get him and everything. You meet the boss again, and she just beats the shit out of Snake, and is like, go the fuck home, like, you won't be able to beat me. And Snake's like, no, nah, I gotta. Uh, so you continue on, uh, you fight the pain, and the pain is part of the Cobra unit, who also defected with the boss, just because, and we need, you know, bosses in this game. The Bane loves bees, the pain, sorry, loves bees, he's surrounded by bees, and he'll throw them at you and shit, and, uh, yeah, you, you just, you, you shoot at him a lot, you kill him. And you move on to the next part of the game. There's a weird part here where uh, you see the end being pulled out uh, by the boss while Volgan and uh, Ocelot are talking. And if you actually shoot the end here, you don't fight him later. Uh, So that should be noted. That's really weird. 
Oh, yeah, so he just makes his way through the facility, eventually meets the guy who invented Metal Gear. He's uh, a disenfranchised Russian scientist who's kind of bummed out that they went with the Shagon instead of the Metal Gear. Uh, but Snake's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, and then basically after this, you just go through a flurry of boss fights and sneaking areas, so now you're going to fight, after that, I believe, the Fear, who is in a bunch of trees, and he just, you know, it's a basic, like, hide, he's hiding from you, when he pops out, shoot him, he jumps at you, or shoots bows at you, no big deal. But after that is when you fight the end, which is one of the most unique and uh, highly regarded boss fights in the entire series. So the end is a sniper-on-sniper -sniper boss fight. I'm sure we'll go into this in the gameplay section, so I'm not going to talk a lot about it uh, here, but needless to say, it's absolutely great. And after that, you fight the Fury, which is totally forgettable, in my opinion. Uh, he's just an astronaut. astronaut. He blows a lot of fire in a bunch of tubes. He reminds me of the old monk from Demon Souls. <laughs> anyway, so after that, Snake eventually, uh, after a bunch of circumstances, is captured by Colonel Vulgan, who reveals a bunch of information. The real reason why Snake was sent there was to retrieve something called the Philosopher's Legacy, and he reveals who the Philosophers are. They're essentially the world Illuminati, a great alliance formed between Russia, China, and the United States during World War II. They amassed a great sum of $100 billion on a single microfilm as means to uh, fund everything that they were going to do. Unfortunately, after World War II, like, there was a lot of infighting between the groups, and they splintered off into their respective countries. Colonel Volgan, through his father, who handled the microfilm, inherited it, but has essentially gone rogue and taken it for himself because he wants to make his own thing. That's how he got the Shagohod, etc. That's basically why he says... That's the real reason why he believes Snake was sent there, was to retrieve the Philosopher's Legacy. He also knows uh, that someone from China is also there as a spy, trying to get it for their side. And, you know, probably somebody from the KGB as well. Um, so it's at this point that you're also tortured. <laughs> when you're tortured, your eye gets popped out by the boss. Uh, so that's pretty rad. <laughs> Uh, you eventually escape, though, with the help of Eva, who was very narrowly caught as being a spy until you um, basically took all the heat and distracted her. So, while you escape, you encounter the next boss fight at this point, I think, called the Sorrow. And the Sorrow's pretty unique. Once again, I believe we'll go into the mechanics and the actual uh, follow-up discussion here. But it's pretty cool. Yeah, you meet up with Eva, you guys escape, you go to the next facility where you meet the boss, Ocelot, and Volgan. And you have your next, you have the last, one of the last boss fights with Volgan. Uh, you defeat him not only in person, but also when he gets into the Shagahod, and you and Eva disable it via turret. As you're trying to make your escape, though, you are actually confronted by the boss for the last time, where you have to put all your skills to the test and defeat her in an epic boss battle. Uh... After that, she basically, you know, she just keeps saying, like, no matter, like, like no matter one of us dies and one of us lives, one of us is going to, like, face a life of endless battle no matter what after this. Uh, you have to kill me. You have ten minutes to. If you don't, like, I'm going to bomb the hell out of this place. Uh, so they have a boss fight, uh, and Snake beats her down, and the boss uh, reluctantly forces naked snake or jack as he's known to her to kill her and so naked snake reluctantly shoots her and then makes his escape with eva not before as they're in the plane ocelot just pops out and he's like oh i'm gonna stop you last minute 
Uh, but they have this, like, this weird respect moment, and he defeats, Snake of Snake defeats Ocelot and pushes him out of the plane. Or he jumps out, I forget, one of the two. And yeah, Naked Snake makes his way to Alaska with Eva, where after, finally, with the mission done, they give in to their lust and sleep with each other, only for Naked Snake to wake up and the microfilm that he retrieved from Vulcan earlier to have been stolen by Eva. He's like, ah, oh, goddammit. So he goes back to the States, and while we're while he's going back to the States, it's revealed that Eva also left him a tape that she recorded, and on the record... She reveals basically everything about the boss that we didn't know up until this point. She was never actually a traitor. She had been initially sent during the Virtuous mission at the beginning of the game to retrieve the microfilm from the States. The two nukes she had been given by the government were as a means to as a to gain her trust with Vulgan to enter his 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 inner circle, so she can get the microfilm. Uh, only someone with her status could the Vulcan would ever fuck with anyway. So that's you know that's why it was her. Unfortunately, no one could have predicted that Vulcan would have been crazy enough to actually suit, set off a nuke like right then and there on his own fucking facility. Uh, so at that point, the U.S. was like they had no other option, or I guess like this is their best option was they had to put all the blame on the boss. For her to fulfill her mission, she had to be killed. And uh, she, I think everybody wanted Naked Snake to do it. He was the best man for the job because she trained him, right? And she's like, yeah, like, you have to kill me, Jack, and everything. So it's a really emotional ending. Naked Snake gets, like, the Purple Heart and the title of Big Boss from uh, the U.S. president. He doesn't shake his hand. He just stands there saluting as he's walking off past Signet and Paramedic and Zero. Who honestly, those three don't play a big part in this game. Like as far as like the overall plot goes, and this is going to be a big part of Metal Gear Solid Four and why it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, Eva's giving this really emotional speech about how she never betrayed the state. She actually was the most loyal, and she was a true patriot. And Snake, at her at her grave, unmarked grave, just says for a, a true patriot, he salutes and sheds a single tear as the credits roll, as one of the most emotional endings in video games, let alone Metal Gear Solid plays, and the the ending to one of the best video games ever made. Um, in some post-credits scene, we get just another Ocelot scene where he's contacting the KGB, and he's like, yeah, I got the microfilm for you, all right? So it's revealed at the end that the microfilm Eva stole from you was a fake, because uh, Ocelot had it the whole time, who was revealed to be Adam, um, and it's also revealed that he's a triple agent because he gave half of it to the states and he hit half to KGB. So he's a total son of a bitch. But yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid 3, so we're going to take it away with me, Lee, and maybe Nick. Ha 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 ha! Unlike other weeks, I did not listen, uh, I didn't pre listen to your breakdown. But do you remember it. the story, more or less? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I listened to other recaps of it. I threw on some like YouTube well, stuff. In any case, Lee, this is going to be a two-parter. It looks like considering we only have about seventeen minutes. No, yeah, let's talk about one of the greatest games of all time in seventeen minutes. Yeah, no, this uh, will definitely be a two-parter. So you'll have plenty of time to listen to the story summary. Uh, so, place and time. Hideo Kojima, uh, faced with the immense success of Metal Gear Solid One and Two, is basically signed on for a sequel. No. Like like every case, he doesn't want anything to do with it. No, he wants yeah, to hand it off. Yeah, from my understanding, Metal Gear Solid Three. Maybe it was Metal Gear Solid 4. But he didn't want to make Metal Gear Solid 3, but then they're like... We're Reed, he didn't want to make Metal Gear 2. 
Until someone on a train told him he should, I think is the story. Yeah, uh, so. um, but yeah, I think it's from Metal Gear Solid 4, actually, where famously, like, he was going to hand off the series to this new director and everything. Right. He was going to be, like, a producer and a consultant. Yes. But Take then a... Death Threats came in, and Kojima's like, I have to direct this. I guess game. I don't want my family to die, so I guess I'm making another Metal Gear game. Yeah, so Metal Gear Solid 3 <laughs> in, uh, der- so, this game's fucking weird because it's a prequel to the entire series, including yeah, Metal yeah. Gear and Metal Gear 2, and it stars Big Boss as the main character, and for the most Before part, he's big boss. And for the most part, it has nothing to fucking do with the main series, especially... Which is why it's the best one. Yeah. If, <laughs> uh, especially if you look in the context of this, Lee, if we think about this series, if there was no Metal Gear Solid 4, 5, Peace Walker, any, if the series ended with Metal Gear Solid 3... Oh, could you imagine? It would be a near-perfect trilogy, and the credits for Metal Gear Solid 3 reinforce this because it simplifies the city... The story of the entire series with the timeline yeah. to a very simple thing big boss Metal Gear Solid 3 disillusioned by the end makes a nation for heroes gets fucked up by Solid Snake the Metal Gear Solid, Solid series happens boom right. ends done clean simple quick fresh right and in video games in terms of a uh, taking the villain what was previously the villain and flipping them showing how they became the villain and giving them a deeper context than they went evil want to take over world or whatever it is yeah. looking for world peace but going about it the wrong way it wasn't uh, no he wasn't even that he was just like I want to make a nation for soldiers that's it me and the soldiers baby yeah um, uh, so yeah Metal Gear Solid 3 one of the most well respected well regarded uh, tops the list of everybody's game right. lists of all time so basic overview of the uh, mission before I think we'll just more talk about the gameplay and some of the boss fights for today and we'll get more into the characters and stuff yeah. which which I was not able to in the previous Metal Gear games like of our conversations of them I don't hold them in that high regard I think it's full of fluff I think it's full of bullshit and I think Metal Gear Solid 3 is the most focused well, of, it's definitely the simplest. I absolutely yeah. love all the Metal Gears and their stories because I'm really into dumb anime bullshit. It, a <laughs> lot of the stuff around the outside edges of Metal Gear Solid 3 only matter to Metal Gear Solid 3. Yes. Whereas in the other games, it's like, well, that'll be paid yeah. off, maybe. You would uh, even, yeah. I would even go as far as to say that uh, trying to add in Metal Gear Solid 3 elements into later games, especially 4, yes. with how the Patriots worked out... W- is a total error. Is a right. total fucking Metal Gear error. Solid 4 was a mistake. <laughs> to a degree, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, what a hell of a game. Uh, so in Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, Lee, as yes. you well know, you are fighting in urban areas and facilities, sure. metal walls, corridors. Metal Gear Solid 3, completely different. Vibrant, vast, open jungles. Right. Open-ended uh, Two very different versions of this game exist. Mm-hmm. I played the one that gave you direct ca- camera control, whereas the original one had fixed camera, yeah. which I have to understand was a bit of a nightmare. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. Playing this game when it was just Metal Gear Solid 3 and not subsistence, when you didn't have those extra controls, is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Having that third-person camera option is such a helpful thing, especially in the jungle, and how much everything blends in with each other. I mean, on for good reason. And in the HD collection, which of course has Peace Walker, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2. Right. Metal Gear Solid 3 does have the subsistence, subsistence controls. Um, basic overview of the story. Uh, your mentor, the boss, uh, has defected from the U.S. Ar- fill in the gaps here for me. Defected from the U.S. Army. <laughs> Naked Snake is called in. Uh, so here's the basic story. Yes. Naked Snake is, a bit, is uh, first sent in to rescue a Russian scientist. Right. 
Um, but through this mission, uh, his mentor, the boss, who was a famous World War II soldier, discovered to be a defector, uh, defects yeah. basically to the to a Russian extremist group. Right. Uh, Russia demands USA go kill her to prove their innocence in a nuclear bombing. So they send in Naked Snake again. Bunch of stuff happens. Naked Snake has to kill the boss. Uh, it's discovered that she was sent there in on purpose. Right. Uh, to take the blame for it, essentially, and to recover something called the Philosopher's Legacy. If you listen to my story... Some That's a big jump. Uh, so so yeah. Snake arrives, he's in the jungle. Uh, one of the first things you notice is there is an injury system in this game, which Fights in Tight Spaces also has. It adds injury cards to your deck that take up spots, which is super cool. Uh, so you're constantly uh, dealing with the fallout of your actions through the game, yeah. whether you are bitten by snakes or shot or punched. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you will have injuries that you do need to take care of. There is an adaptive camouflage you unlock, which is not quite the same as the camouflage in Metal Gear Solid 4. Right, I was about to say yeah. that the survival system in fixing injuries is only present in Metal Gear Solid 3 and does not return any game. No, and it's as, really cool. Yeah, as, yeah. as far as a mechanic, I can definitely take it or leave it, though. Yeah. Like, the first few times you do it, you're like, yeah, this is really cool. By, like, the 7th or 8th, you're like, eh... Gives a shit. It's. It, I always feel a system like that, uh, consist, like a consistent injury system, which Fallout has to a lesser extent too, uh, with radiation and like damaging your limbs, is that if you get through an encounter clean, then you don't have to worry about it. If you get through it and do too badly, die, well then you get another shot. If you get through it by the skin of your teeth, you might have those injuries to take with you, and it's at that point your decision whether it was worth it or do you want to reload a previous yeah. save and try to... Uh, and it also makes the boss fights uh, a little more spicy, I think, too. Yeah, I think having to uh, go into the menus and navigate through a bunch of things is, stuff yeah. is a little bit cumbersome. It, Obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty one. Right, it's dumb. It's click click a button to heal the thing. But it is, it is more immersive in this mission where you are going through the jungle yeah, with Snake. The camouflage uh, comes back in basically every Metal Gear after this. Metal Gear Solid 4 does it the most convenient way, I wouldn't necessarily say the best, by always giving you the optimal camouflage no matter where you are, as long as you stay still for a certain period. Right. In other games, it's the Metal Gear Solid 3 style. It depends on the one you put. The flaw of Metal Gear Solid 3 for the camouflage is it gives you too many, or only sure. really 10 of them are useful, in my opinion. Most of them are just like, whatever. It's, it's different. fashion read. Yeah, it's different <laughs> if you want to do a challenge run where you stick right. out and everything, but yeah. Um, so and then you yeah. can also hunt animals in right. Metal Gear Solid 3, Lee. Mm -hmm. Kill snakes. You Whoa. can kill gators. Yes. Kill birds. Yes. You eat them all. Yeah, and you can fucking eat them. That's right. You can fuck and eat them. You can fuck uh, and eat them. The attention to detail in Metal Gear Solid 3, of course, and it, it continues the legacy of the, the games to this point, uh, with things like Snake being able to catch a cold. Uh, he gets hungry. You can hear his oh. stomach growling. Yeah, and not uh, even just that, Lee. The massive additions they implemented with the CQC absolutely that boss taught Naked Snake. So now you can hold fellows up. Make them shake, so they draw. Right, an yeah. Animal. I didn't even, I didn't even consider yeah. that was when that started. Yeah, yeah. You can put their gun behind their head, and make them shake, so they drop ammo. You can ask like where friends are or ammo is. You can punch them and kick them to the ground. You can drag their bodies away. Uh, you can shoot hornets' nests above suspecting guards. The bees attack. Yes, them. which is as common in video games as a red barrel that explodes now. Now, uh, but yes, yeah. at the time, like <laughs> this was wild. And if you watch speedruns of people playing through Metal Gear Solid Three and watching like snipe certain positions to distract guards to get away while they sneak through areas, and they make it look like a cinematic experience, this game is uh, really set the building blocks for Metal Gear Solid Five, which is still the best third-person stealth action game ever made. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Uh, although others may. Uh, so, you have a... Uh, you have, I'm just going to throw out a word. The Shagahod. 
Shagahod is a bipedal tank. Yes. That was a Metal Gear. No. So Metal Gear was made by different Russian scientists, but um, I forget how they explain it in game. Either it's due to the costs or just it's not viable at the time. They decided to go with the Shagohod instead, right. which is basically just a big tank that can launch nukes, as opposed to the Metal Gear, which is a bipedal mech right. that can launch nukes. Which is, in theory, less effective. Unless, unless a man on foot is going to fight your tank, which is often what happens in Metal Gear Solid, uh, you're better off with just the tank than the bipedal thing. The bipedal thing right, can be I taken I guess out. their thought is that tanks can't go like through like deep ditches. What if like... it just f- could fly? <laughs> right? <laughs> Why don't you just make one that flies? <laughs> uh, so this is taking place at the, the height of uh, the cold. Oh, wait, because yeah. you don't want to get detected by radar. You can just fly low. Just hover. Or some shit. No, I don't know. Too Listen, I'm not a Russian scientist. Whatever. Uh, it takes place in the 60s. I don't know. Is it say exactly when in the 1964 60s? for okay. the Virtuous mission, and then the uh, the follow-up mission right after for Snake uh, to go kill the boss. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the Cold War. I like when uh, the Cold War is romanticized as having a, a, a war where, as far as me and you are concerned, not a single bullet was fired. Uh, we sure like romanticizing that war as having so much espionage and and working against Spies, the Russians KGB. and yes and Hideo Kojima accidentally makes one of the better more over the top like so this this game's also very cheesy in a lot of points right uh, we should say right away that this game is heavily based upon um, I would say two things which is James Bond sure and then uh, like jungle action movies like you know Armageddon uh, Armageddon with, with Bruce Willis. Definitely mostly Apocalypse now. Definitely uh, <laughs> definitely mostly James Bond, but they're yeah. like the, you gotta know the the jungle fighting shit came from somewhere. If I'm you forget what, what the game is referencing, the characters in the codec conversations will tell you directly uh straight face that don't you like James Bond Snake, don't you like James Bond movies? Yeah. You know have you heard? So, yeah, this game has a very campy 60s vibe to it, which is totally okay with me. I fucking love it. So, uh, without putting words in the man's mouth, Hideo Kojima apparently, uh, with his family growing up, was, like, forced to watch a lot of this era of movies. Uh, Like, like, don't go to sleep. You need need to watch this bad James Bond movie from 1960. And uh, this, this was more... He did something kind of more personal to himself telling this story... Uh, and then finding a way to just be like, oh no, we can we can totally. I like it. I like that there's a hard from Metal Gear Solid Two to this. I like the a big shift in tone. A shift in tone. Uh, the game doesn't take itself as as serious, right? But then when it does, it's it comes off way oh, it's, more serious. Yeah. Emotionally speaking, it's easily the best game in the series between right. the emotions between Jack and the boss, yeah. especially the final speech and everything going on there. The, fi- the, the ending scene Metal Gear Solid 3 is famous. The single tear yes. rolls out of his eyes. Absolutely. Salutes. And, man, if you actually play through the full game, one of the most emotional scenes in video games. Yes. So um, you're... This game also benefits heavily, though, from not having any future bullshit in it. There's no nanomachines. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There's no AI. There's no loose concepts. Like there is no... a man that can shoot lightning from his hands, yeah. but we'll we'll let but that. That's, that's whatever. But there's no like loose concepts like at the end of Metal Gear Solid Two, where like maybe Rose shows up and she's talking to maybe Raiden and maybe right. Manhattan. Uh, no, this is like this is like an action movie. Yes. That's a video game. <laughs> like. The plot is simple and straightforward. There's a little bit of twists and turns in there, but characters' motivations are very clear. 
the the plot is really easy to understand, and there's no Japanese anime bullshit right. where you'd have to get around. You have, you have a rival in Ocelot, you have a love interest, you have... A clear uh, villain, you have a clear objective. The best lineup of Metal Gear Solid bosses. I would disagree. Metal Gear Solid 1's better. Um, <laughs> Maybe if, they, if it was reiterated on, but I think in terms of looking at the, the whole and, and the setting and all that, I think it's the best. Uh, the, the end is the first boss fight, right? No. No? Who's, he's, who's he's the, the third? Who, am I the, doing it out of the order? First is the, so first boss you fight is the pain. Right. The pain uses a lot of bees. It's the bee man. Yeah, and you're in a, a cave that has mostly water. The pain will stay on a stationary island while he shoots bees at you. Right. You can shoot him from your stationary island or go underwater to dodge his bees. Pretty simple basic dodge fight. bees, yeah. Yeah, after that you fight the fury. Right. Uh, the fury... Like, can twist his arms in weird ways and climbs up. Like, in that fucking Metal Gear Solid. Wait, is that the Fury? Yeah. No, the Fear. The Fear, yeah. right. The Fear! Yes. He fucking climbs up the tree. Like, um, right. You just shoot him. You can use night vision goggles to find him fairly easily. It's been a while. I'm like, the Fear and the Pain, are they not the same guy? So after that is the most famous boss fight in all of Metal Gear Solid. Is it? Besides Psycho Mantis. Okay. And that is the end. In terms of the gimmick, you mean? I would say, in terms of, like, if you talk to any person who's played every single Metal Gear Solid, you'd be like, who's the coolest boss fight? They're either going to say Psycho Mantis or The End. The End, you can beat in a multitude of ways, Lee. Right. You the sniper either, duel with an old yeah. man. So you can either snipe him earlier in the game when he's being brought out by the boss on a wheelchair. Right. And if you have the, the patience and the accuracy, you can just kill The End there and you won't fight him later. Simple as that. That's what Andrew usually, normally does. Two. No honor. <laughs> Two. You get to the fight with the end, save your game, exit out, go to the PS2 settings, change your date and time to a week later, mm. come back, and the end will be dead because he was waiting for too long. Right. And then when you come upon his body, Snake actually like has flavor text or like flavor dialogue where he's just like, oh, his he his dying wish was to fight me, and, and I, fucking, I, 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 I fucking took it away yeah, from I'm him. I'm a fucking coward. Yeah. Um, Except Snake doesn't reference, doesn't break the fourth wall and say I shouldn't have turned the calendar forward on the yeah, PS2. But, but yeah, and I love how they <laughs> they give you hints in that because they're like he's fucking old as shit and he's always sleeping. He only wakes up when with the little time he has left to fight people. Right. And then option three is the good old fashioned way and just have a fucking sniper fight with him. Yes. Whether you do that by staying in one place and tracking him while he tracks you. Or you do it like me, I put on the night vision goggles and I track his footprints, and then I shoot him once and I keep tracking him. But overall, very unique boss fight. Yes. After that is a bunch of normal bullshit. You have the Fury after. Yes, which I is love the Fury. Astronaut guy. Yeah. I, totally unremarkable. What are you talking about? You, I love the fucking, that boss fight's fucking awesome. No, He's he insane. Just, he just <laughs> shoots fire in like a tunnel and you have to dodge it every once. I yeah, thought it was completely yeah. unremarkable. Um, the Fury, best boss fight ever. <laughs> After that, you have the Sorrow, which isn't really a boss fight. So let's talk about the Sorrow. Yeah. Because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, people say that this boss fight doesn't actually happen. That it's in Snake's head. No, it happens. You're ex- that you're in a, well, a, a, a... You're not on Earth. You know that he is dead. No, you're escaping through the river. Like, it's happening to right. Snake. He escapes right. from Rosengrad. So. But what other supernatural events happen... In the game, other than seeing the sorrow, the pain's using fucking bees. And that's not supernatural. That's science. The end is living off photosynthesis. Yes, <laughs> right. So no, he's I, not the only one because uh, quiet also uh, absorbs because of the end. Yeah, like, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fucking get there. But I'm just saying that, like, 
like for anybody to be like, oh, this will you agree that there is a difference between controlling bees with science and a they ghost? They never explained is controlling. It doesn't. Bees. Well, it would be nano machines if they had to explain no, it. No, nano machines didn't exist at this you, point. You're saying he has dominion over bees? They, yes, I'm saying he has direct control over bees. We don't know if it's supernatural or we did. No one explains. I bet someone knows. No one explains <laughs> his bee gimmick. Okay, so. Sorrow, as far as I'm concerned, right. fucking canon. So he's like Aquaman. He can talk to the bees. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the pain? Yes. Yeah, sure. I would say the pain can talk to... I don't know. The fear is just like a contortionist <laughs> yes. who's just like freaky. He's just yes. like, he's on ya. Yes. Right. The end is just an old man, a sniper. He's an old Everything man to do who, with the photo who got infected with who got infected with plant cells. Right, no, except that's made up. That's something they made up about him. Let's say... What you you, you would explain... No, that's, It that's doesn't canon. matter. It doesn't make him a better... It's just something they made up. It's like, this guy doesn't have to fucking move. He absorbs the sun. He doesn't have to eat. He can sit there forever. You're gonna have to kill him by turning your calendar forward on right, the face Right, right. But what are you trying to say here? I'm trying to say that the the sorrow, being a ghost, <laughs> is, is something that's not in keeping with everything else in the game I, that can be explained away with right. some sort of bullshit. Right, but saying that it's... Like, it happens, Snake said, precisely because it's so wacky. Is like, it's not even the wackiest thing in this video game. I'm, I'm saying, like, the, the whole... Like, there's no tangible part of that. Okay, so if you kill a bunch of soldiers, the idea is that they are in your way in the river as you make your way down it. Yes? It's yeah. been a while. That's the idea. Uh, so you make your way through the sorrow. So as a boss fight, it's unique in that there isn't... There's no one to fight in it, right? You're just making your way from one end of the river to the other. Is there a time? Is there... You tell me. Uh, like, so. I'm vastly interested in the sorrow. You know how I latch on to something okay, with another song? Sorrow has very simple, okay? You just break down for you. We gotta get things. out of here. He either shoots lightning bolts at you, right? And sometimes he doesn't, okay? And then he has a revival gimmick, right? The revival gimmick will determine the amount of time you're having this boss fight, right? And it's determined on how many people you have killed lethally, right? If you have killed fucking nobody to it's the quick. point, which is entirely possible he's gonna shoot like two fucking lightning bolts at you and be like alright yeah then you take the re revival pill or whatever yeah right? and then yeah. you're gone that's it yeah. if you killed a fuck ton of people this is gonna last like five or ten minutes okay so this is you were literally saying Snake is wandering down a river he is being presented with the ghosts of the soldiers he has killed yeah uh, there is a ghost the Soro that's shooting lightning bolts at him yeah and to win the boss fight you have to die well you I forget I'm that's why we're gonna stop here today. Yeah. I want to find out the source of the bees, and I want to find out the ghost thing, uh, and then I'm gonna take a deeper dive back onto the story so I can remember some stuff here. Because there, we, uh, if if any game in the series, I want to do this one. It's a, uh, it's fair justice uh, for myself. It's time uh, to talk about Metal Gear Solid Three. Yeah. So again, we we could <laughs> spend today talking about you know the gameplay, uh, the random crotch grabs by Vulgan. Uh, the dumb fucking <laughs> riding mask that they put into this game. Um, but I think it'd be a lot more interesting to talk about the characters because that's what really makes this game. At its core, Metal Gear Solid 3 is a very simple video game story-wise. And I think that's why it's the most highly regarded out of the series because it's, it doesn't really have a lot, if any, of baggage from the previous games. So it's able to focus most of its narrative on the two main characters, which is Naked Snake and the boss. Um, right. 
And in that re- in that regard, I completely agree with most people's sentiments about that. I think the boss and Naked Snake and the relationship specifically is the most interesting part about Metal Gear Solid 3. And probably about the entire Metal Gear Solid series in general. Specifically because what the boss envisions is what creates the rest of the series. Or at least it did at this point for Kojima. Because it's like Metal Gear Solid 4 came around and he's like, Ah, oh, fuck, I gotta connect all of these dots. Um, and Metal Gear Solid 5, he was still doing that. Yeah, so in the lore of Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, the boss is the mentor of Naked Snake, a.k.a. Jack. She's also the leader of the famous World War II Cobra unit, who all have dumb gimmicks like controlling bees or climbing trees. Right, so, quick caveat to that, it's it's literally pheromones. He literally secretes pheromones <laughs> from his skin that allows him to control hornets, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, you know... Take that for what it's worth. Uh, Nick backed me up on uh, the Fury being a cool, uh, a cool yet stupid boss fight. Yeah, I, uh, I just I, what I was trying to say is like you compare it to something like the end, and it's just like who gives a shit. Yeah, uh, you know what's funny about that? I was thinking this morning is like everybody's like, oh, you, you set the uh, you set the calendar forward, and that that kills this man. And you think about uh, in regards to daylight savings time, which just came into effect this past Sunday as we're recording this, and how devastating that one hour of time is to able-bodied thirty-year-olds, <laughs> and you think about just like what if what if I made you sit in one place for a week and then you had to perceive time and you just died of old age or something like that? And I just I don't know. My brain connected to two things and made me laugh. Anyway, Reed, you were saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, like I said, I think the most interesting part about the game is uh, the boss and Jack's relationship. So, yes. uh, the main theme I would probably give Metal Gear Solid 3 is loyalty. Um, you can see this, th- like, man, throughout the entire game. The boss's, like, unquestioning, lo- undying loyalty to the United States and its government. Especially mm-hmm. how she treats her mission. Her entire mission is, first of all, to retrieve the Philosopher's Legacy. Which you could argue is not a very patriotic thing. They're essentially sending her on a spy mission to get back a lot of money from World War II. Uh, once Volgan launches the nukes that was not intended, right. and now the states are blamed for it, basically the states told her that she has to die. And the only person she could think of that could kill her is the one that's most loyal to her, which is Jack. Um and to improve Jack's abilities throughout this game, she also uses her Cobra unit, who also shows undying loyalty to her. She like we don't know in canon whether or not she told the Cobra unit like the true intentions of her mission, which was I need to I, die by Jack's hands. They're j- I I don't th- yeah I think she's kayfabing it the whole time because yeah, like the whole thing is is like there's there's an out for her, but when Volgan launches that nuke, it becomes very apparent that. Oh, the the only way to sew this up, and uh, so the United States doesn't take blame, yeah. is the needs of the the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. I have to die to protect my yeah. country. So in right? my head yeah. canon, she simply just asked the Cobra unit, like, "I'm defecting to Volgan's crew. Will you come with me?" And all of them, without question, said they would because she's the boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, she earned their respect. Uh, we see the same loyalty for the boss and Jack and how he has to, like he hesitates throughout the entire game until you get to the end of the game when you finally beat her in a right. boss fight and your 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 hand is forced there cuz she's going to blow up the whole island unless you do the, she so the difference to me is that the whole time Jack Naked Snake uh thinks she is a traitor yeah he, he thinks she is a traitor to the US government and while he's trepidatious about having to go after his his previous mentor that 
that through line until the end when obviously he breaks learning that uh no 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 uh, it's it's all a play right it's all had had the boss asked naked snake to come with her and be part of the cobra unit he would have with all this defection thing then snake would simply be one of the bosses for the whoever is showing up to take them out yeah right? exactly um yeah it's a beautiful fucking story and that's why it makes the ending so powerful. She has to almost force Jack's hand to do what is necessary in this case. Because despite what Naked Snake is believed and told throughout the entire game, you can tell that he at every cutscene that he's in in regards to the boss, he's always in the back of his head questioning if she really defected, if she really did right. turn heel. And he doesn't really believe it right until the end when she has to say outright, one of us will die, and one of us will live. The person who mm-hmm. dies will die. The person who lives will inherit the title of the boss and go through a lifetime of endless violence. She knew what was going to happen to Naked Snake after he killed her. Uh, but that's exactly why, in my opinion, he, uh, she chose Jack to do the mission. Because there's no one else that, that could, because she personally trained him in such a way. She taught him that CQC. She taught him that CQC. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of imagery. There's a lot of themes of uh, innocence in terms of uh, how Jack, uh, Naked Snake, a.k.a. Naked Snake, a.k.a. Big Boss, for people who don't know a lot about Metal Gear, we should make that distinction. Yeah. We're talking about three people who are the same person. Uh, <laughs> the uh, there, There's a lot of... Uh, imagery and there's a lot of things to do with jack's innocence and his naivety right he literally uh, that, has to that go- goes away yeah. over the course of the game he literally has to kill his first of all his pain which you could argue is the easiest thing to kill then he has to kill his fear which is his fear of not completing the mission of dying then he has to you could argue the end and fury are a little bit questionable he has to kill his sorrow, or I, rather than kill it, you should. it's better to say he has to overcome his sorrow before finally, you know, you could argue killing the last thing he had, like he had left, which was his Joy, who was the boss, her nickname being the Joy. So there's nothing left after this mission. All of his emotions were essentially taken from him. Or wow. it's better to say he erased <laughs> his emotions to get to the end of his goal. Um... Yeah, uh, and then the boss, of course, it echoes throughout the entire rest of the series. It's at this point, I don't think Kojima was expecting just how uh, impactful the boss was. Because at, at the time, Lee, uh, especially games coming out of Japan, female characters were all, like, you know, scantily clad, very um, was suggestive, very well endowed. like... And then you have the age of the of the Tomb Raider, yeah, uh, the old Tomb Raider, right? And <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden, here comes the boss, who's like this very, like this older, very mature, very cap- capable woman who doesn't have anything sexual going on, who doesn't like have like this weird gimmick. Uh, so I don't think Kojima was expecting how popular that character would have become. And right. when he saw the rece- a credible badass. Yeah. <laughs> when he saw the reception to the ending, because it is such a powerful ending, when Eva's explaining the boss's true mission, and that she, yeah. out of all the people, was the only true patriot here, she never questioned her orders, and she went through with it till the end. But she told Snake, like, I'm doing this not be- like partly because I am loyal to my country and because that's what I am, 
but mostly because I want to see the world made whole again. I like if if I can help it, right. I ra- I would hope that the money I give back to the states will mend the relationship with Russia and China. We can get the world back to peace. And mm-hmm. it's it's in this vision that the entire rest of the series is is cruxed upon. Um, Zero, Ocelot, and Big Boss all have different versions and and uh, their own narratives of her dream of a united world in their head, which is it's a positive and negative in my opinion. I think uh, it's a bit of a stretch for like Zero's or Ocelot's vision to have come from this she's she makes she makes it pretty clear and cut i just want like everybody to leave the fuck each other alone and we live in world peace and for ocelot to twist that into i need to take down like the vital electronics of the world is it's a bit of a stretch i can see how they get a stretch yeah i can see how they get there um but i'd like to think think about it like this lee um Hmm. In a world where Metal Gear Solid 4 and every game after that did not come out, uh, we would have a very, very tight, concise trilogy here. It would be the boss died and inspired Naked Snake, who was uh, disillusioned by his government, to make a military nation just of soldiers like him and the boss, because he did not want to see anybody manipulated by the government anymore. It gets taken down by Solid Snake. Metal Gear Solid One and Two happens. Boom! That's your trilogy. It, like it's yeah. it's so much simpler, tighter, concise. Um, and it's such an easier narrative to understand. In in my opinion, it's a much better narrative. I think once you get to Metal Gear Solid Four and you have to involve all these like little things that happened a hundred years ago, it's not it's not cool anymore. Uh, what? What happens immediately after three timeline wise? It's Peace Walker. Well, there's a bunch of shit that happens between Peace Walker <laughs> and Metal Gear Solid Three, and that's not the stuff I like. Okay. I, I like, I like the world in which Metal Gear Solid Four didn't happen, and the the Metal Gear Solid timeline is boss dies for a country, disillusions big boss. He makes a military nation, but is killed by Solid Snake. Solid Snake plays one and two. That's the story. Um, I think that's right. yeah. I think that's just better. Um, but then, of course, they they had to connect everything. Zero going crazy, also having his own version of the boss's vision, in which the government controls everybody to such a degree that war cannot happen, and then that spirals mm-hmm. out of control. Um, it, it's just weird to me because Zero, when you're playing Metal Gear Solid Three, it's just like a nice chap. He's constantly talking about like how much he loves James Bond, and he doesn't really have that much of a relationship at all with the boss. He he talks about her as in like, like they met before, but he doesn't have such a close relationship with the boss that Naked Snake does. So for Kojima to turn around and be like, oh, well, the, you know, Zero took his, vision, his version of the boss's last will, and you're like, how the fuck does he even know about the boss's last will? <laughs> like the game has to happen, yeah, goddammit. First of all, I don't think he'd be such close... Uh, acquaintances with the boss that he felt he needed to take her dream and second of all i don't believe any scenario in which naked snake would have told anybody about his final battle with his mentor um no yeah so that's yeah. when i th- so after metal gear solid 3 i think is when we start to you know take the crazy pills but like <laughs> i said if we're looking if metal gear solid 3 in a vacuum is one of the best fucking games ever made 
like I said, if Metal Gear Solid 4 never came out, it would have been, like, the perfect prequel because it sets up exactly what it needed to for Metal Gear 1. It's really easy to understand. Even uh, when you beat Metal Gear Solid 3, Lee, they give you, like, the scrawling timeline of events that happened right. in the world. This has come up a few times yeah. already. Yeah, and all it says for the Patriots is Metal Gear Solid 3, like, the virtuous mission, uh, Big Boss is crowned, Big Boss creates Outer Haven, Big Boss is murdered, and then it just says Patriots AI created. Like they don't. Ex- That's all you need to know. Yeah, they, they. Yeah, because we didn't need to know. Who cares where the we know that the that the and it's sorry. It also says in the same timeline around the nineteen eighties that the philosophers are reformed into the patriots, and then at some point the patriot AIs are commissioned and take over the human members. I thought that was a lot cooler personally. I think having this shadow organization uh, where the boss got this microfilm of money in hopes of reuniting the philosophers and in fact all it actually does is reform the philosophers into the patriots i think that's a lot more of a not like a horror story but uh, it's definitely uh, a bit scary in that she had like such grand ambitions and noble goals for her mission and all it did was make things much worse Almost caused like nuclear disaster. Yeah, exactly. Between Russia and the United States. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. I think when they explain that as like no, like then Zero like took over the philosophers and then he reformed it to the Patriots, but then he got sick and made AI. I think that takes away a lot of the uh, the the meaning of the the end of Metal Gear Solid Three. That despite our good intentions were not always going to get the outcome that we wanted or desired. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought Patri- the Patriots were cooler as a shadowy AI organization that you never knew where they came from, and we didn't need to know. It was not a question I think needed to be answered. And I think answering it with Zero and the Metal Gear Solid 3 cast is like the worst possible answer. So when the philosophers are uh, in the 80s, in, in the timeline of the credits timeline... Uh, when the philosophers are 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 coming back in the eighties, is that during uh, Metal Gear Solid Five? Is that while Venom Snake is is doing his thing in Afghanistan? Or no, if we're talking about the actual Metal Gear Solid timeline at this point, Lee, yeah, um, it's just after some point of the Metal Gear Solid Three, um, Ocelot tracks down the philosophers, the U.S. side. He kills the U.S. philosopher members. Sure. And he gives half of the microfilm money, only half of it, to Zero, Major Zero. Major Zero, at okay. this point, creates the Patriots, and he makes the Patriots with Ocelot, Eva, Big Boss, Signet, Paramedic. Okay? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically it. At Like, he got Ocelot to kill the U.S. philosophers. So this is more like the 70s, after retconning and stuff. Sure. He just got Ocelot to kill the U.S. Uh, philosophers, and then he made the Patriots from their ashes, essentially. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. Where is the game where I play as uh, Ocelot as a hitman in the 70s? That, yeah, that'd be a neat... That would have been a really, Solid 6, baby. That, that would have been a really neat, uh, like, a Vita game or something. Um, no, it's all done in, like... Uh, it's, a, it's touched upon a bit more in Portable Ops, actually. You see a little bit of Ocelot talking about it. Uh, but that's about it. Interesting. Yeah, they don't make a big deal. In the games, they don't make a big deal at all about the formation of the Patriots. All they basically say is, oh, the Philosophers died, Zero made the Patriots after, he used half the money of the Philosopher's Legacy. 
Ocelot gave the other sure. half to uh, the KGB. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that that the, the Patriots stuff, I think, takes away from the emotional plot points of all Medgar Solid games. But if we're going to c- compare it to uh, another um, auteur in uh, Nomura and Kingdom Hearts, and how that game is another game that has... Uh, and this will be the only time I compare Kingdom Hearts to Metal Gear Solid. Uh, that, that is also a game that has this insane lore under the surface that it, it has to keep revisiting for the, the diehards. And my question to you, Reed, yeah. I consider myself a casual fan of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I, I've, I've enjoyed all the ones I've played. I love the shit out of 3 and 5 specifically. Yeah. Uh, what is your feelings on this Patriot stuff? As you said, if there was a world where Metal Gear Solid 4 never existed, you'd probably be pretty damn okay with it. No, I... I uh, do you yeah. feel the... I, I have expressed this before. I think I think after they should have stopped Solid Snake story, Big Boss, everything related to those characters after Metal Gear Solid Three. I think that would be a perfect concise ending. Um, right. I I I shouldn't say tolerate. I enjoy Metal Gear Solid Four for a lot of reasons. It's very fan servicey, which I love. Um, but there's no denying that it just it may it just does a lot of dumb fucking things to the lore in my opinion, and I. And then I think Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five are not only... Metal Gear Solid Five is the best playing game, clearly, but I'm talking narrative here uh, entirely. Metal Gear Solid uh, Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid Five are not only unnecessary, they do more harm than good, in my opinion. Um, I think less is more a lot for these kinds of games. I think, you know, having all that character development just for Solid Snake is really good. And then having that one story for Big Boss so we can learn his past in Metal Gear Solid 3 is great. And then right. keep the Patriots uh, mysterious. And most of all, keep uh, keep Big Boss's rise to infamy and him being evil a secret. Because they do such a poor job of it in Metal Gear Solid 5. Um, right. And I, it's so much easier, one, to believe that that he got evil over time, and you just assume, like, man, like, just you, over time, things escalate, eventually you have a nation, you have a nuke, and, like, things just happen. When you actually try to explain that in-game, it's it's not smooth. So Peace Walker... It, well, it's, it's easy when it's an NES game, and you're like, this is an evil guy, and this is what evil guy does. Right. Uh, but when you give him the context of Metal Gear Solid 3, which essentially babyfaces Big Boss... Right. Uh, ...and how you view him, and what he's, what he's initially trying to accomplish, and where he gets, and how... Right. Uh, it, it starts with the greatest of intentions of following the, the teachings of his mentor, and ends with him threatening to explode the planet. Right, right, exactly. Uh, like, like, let me put it this way. So, I'm like, Lee, yeah. here's Big Boss and Metal Gear 1. He has a military nation, he made it because he wants a place for abandoned soldiers to go, and he has nukes to defend his nation. You'd be like, okay... Here's him in Metal Gear Solid 3, play Metal Gear Solid 3, you do, you get to the end. And if I was like, Lee, could you see, like, in your head, could you imagine how big Naked Snake slash Big Boss Metal Gear Solid 3 gets to Metal Gear 1? You'd be like, yeah, like, easily. Yeah. Why, did that need, sure. why did that need to be explained more? Uh, you know, it needs to be... Yeah, like It, it overstayed its welcome, man. There are yeah. tw- twice as many games in this series as there needs to be in terms of... In terms of what I like of the narrative, uh, like Metal Gear Solid Four for me is is a fantastic thrill ride. 
Uh, but when you think of it in the context of the rest of the story, man, I, I roll my eyes in the back of my head, yeah, to be I think, honest with you. I think there is a version of Metal Gear Solid 4 that exists out there that does conclude the Solid Snake series in a very satisfying way. I think its biggest grievance is including the Metal Gear Solid 3 lore. Um, and yeah, like I said, Peace Walker and Metal Gear Solid 5, I think they just exist to further explain something that didn't really need to be explained anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they're they're definitely fun. I just think they're totally unnecessary. So in my perfect world, Metal Gear Solid One to Three are the only games like with those characters. Uh, I wouldn't mind a Metal Gear Solid Four if it was altered a bit. And then I I I I, I can't agree with including Peace Walker Metal Gear Solid Five personally. I think they're they're just fluff for a character that was already fully fleshed out, in my opinion. Yeah, and also. Uh... Fuck Kojima forever for swapping out voice actors in five. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at Ice Wait. One. Podcast. One last point. It'd be like. Sure. It'd be like. In, you know, Breaking Bad was a perfect five seasons, and we got all we needed out of Walt's character. Sure. Imagine if they did nine seasons instead. Be like. Be like yeah. You. Ha- if you're gonna keep telling the story, you're gonna keep adding layers to this fucking cake until it's ruined. Yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. That's Star Wars in a nutshell. Reed. <laughs> Wait. No. We're talking about Metal Gear. Speaking of less cool, Reed has prepared us a very quick, and I mean very quick, <laughs> recap of uh, Metal Gear Solid it's, 4. It's 13 minutes long. You could you could fit 6,004 of these recaps into the final cutscene of Metal Gear Solid 4. It's true. Look it up. Uh, so we're going to go over to Reed now. Hello again. Welcome to Reed's story summary from Metal Gear Solid 4. It's cold as fuck. Uh, I forgot to do this last night. I only have a limited amount of time, but that's all right. Metal Gear Solid 4 is my jam. I'm just going to... I'm just going to do this shit off memory. So Metal Gear Solid 4 takes place after Metal Gear Solid 2, canonically. And at this point in time, Snake has rapidly aged due to the failsafe of the La Infantelib infant project. And so he's old as fuck. And he's also dying like a motherfucker because of the fox die virus he got from Metal Gear Solid 1 because of Naomi. Uh, at this point, Liquid Ocelot, as they're calling him, uh, the Liquid Persona is completely taking over Ocelot. And now he owns and runs the largest PMC in the world. And now the world has become revolved around PMCs and the war economy. And the war economy has been, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Orchestrated by the AIs of the Patriots. Uh, at this point in the story, by the way, we're never going to be talking to the AI again. They are just like a formless, faceless, uh, speechless thing that exists in the universe. 
Um, so basically, Ocelot, Liquid Ocelot, has gained a little bit of access and is planning to gain full access to the SOP, which is the Sons of the Patriot system that controls all the soldiers of all the war economy to make them more efficient in battle and all that shit. So Colonel Roy Campbell, who actually is no longer part of the army, I believe, uh, recruits old fucking Snake to take down Liquid Ocelot before he can do that. Uh, because Snake's like the only one that did it, and he's not uh, touched by the SOP system, so he couldn't be controlled, even though he does have nanomachines in him. Uh, so Snake reluctantly was like, all right, like, I'll do it. This is the only thing I can think I'm good for. Um, and so b- this begins our great journey. So first he goes to a Middle Eastern country where there is a conflict going on. It's just another proxy war, nameless proxy war between uh, a country and some other private military company. Anyway, Snake goes in, uh, basically he finds Meryl, and this is where you're kind of introduced to the SOP system, how it works, and Meryl introduces you to her team, she's now like a higher up in the army and all that shit. Eventually Snake makes it to the end of the level where he finds Liquid Ocelot, before he can do anything, Liquid Ocelot uses his little bit of the control of the SOP system to temporarily shut down all the nanomachines and the surrounding soldiers in the nearby area which causes them all to lose their shit and freak out because all the trauma they caused and everything has been repressed by the SOP system. And now it's coming out. It's pouring out, baby. Uh, So they're all freaking out and shit. And Snake, it's also affecting him. It's causing him just to feel sick and he can't, like, look at him. And uh, you you gotta lose his sight. So that's it. He gets picked up by Otacon again. By the way, Otacon and Snake have Olga's kid, Sunny. Sunny is a genius tech wizard. And she can't make eggs. Anyway, uh, going on to the next part, you're going to a South American country to find Dr. Naomi Hunter. Uh, Once again, this is another proxy war, rebels and a PMC, all that shit. There's another one of Liquid's PMCs, and this one's being run by Lapdine Octopus. Uh, This is where you meet Drebin, too. Drebin is an agent of the Patriots who sells arms, and he's kind of the canonical reason how you can buy and sell weapons throughout the game. Bunch of shit happens. Uh, You defeat Laughing Octopus in She Strips, and then you meet Dr. Naomi Hunter, and you go into a bunch of exposition. So before we go into what exactly Naomi goes over with Snake here, I should note that Drebin does inject Snake with some form of nanomachine when you first meet him. What this is exactly is just explained at the beginning as simply a way for Drebin to track Snake, and then it's an in-game reason for him to constantly sell you weapons and you sell him weapons, etc., etc. So Naomi just basically does some quick exposition here, confirming some stuff with Snake, the fox eye virus and snake has now evolved to a point that when he dies it will spread like a pandemic and kill fucking everybody so snake's kind of a ticking time bomb uh i don't know if it's here or later but basically naomi also has cancer and she is repressing that cancer with nanomachines as well um so you take naomi with you and you bring her onto your ship with Otacon and sunny and her and sunny bond so it's at this point that um also in the south america sorry snake runs into raiden uh, part of the PMC is Vamp from Metal Gear Solid 2, so Raiden is basically tracking him down for revenge. He's also trying to help you out, because uh, there's a part of a bigger bigger thing going on. Um, so it's here that Raiden directs you to find Big Mama in Ur- somewhere in Europe. I forget where, like Prague or some shit. Uh, so basically Snake does that. He just does some sneaky shit. He defeats uh, some raven, fury raven, angry raven or some shit, and finds Big Mama. 
But Big Mama is actually Eva from Metal Gear Solid 3. And this is a, this is like the biggest exposition. One of the, no, it's not the biggest. This is like the third biggest or second biggest expedition dump in the game. Eva basically explains the origins of the Patriots, how they were created by Zero to fulfill the dream of the boss with uh, Naked Snake, Ocelot, Eva, Signet, and Paramedic. Uh, and he was using B- Big Boss as, like, the figurehead of this secret organization, which makes no fucking sense when you think about it. Um, but, yeah, and then eventually, like, Zero got super paranoid because him, like, his vision of what the boss wanted and Big Boss's vision of what the boss wanted are completely different. Whereas Big Boss wants, a like, a military nation with no sovereignty or government to rule over their soldiers. And Zero wants a place completely peaceful through force, essentially, or controlled information. Uh, this causes a rift between the two. Zero, in his paranoid state, afraid he'll lose his figurehead of his shadowy organization, creates the Law Infanterie project to clone Big Boss without Big Boss knowing. Big Boss is in a coma or something like that. He's been in like three fucking comas. Um... So when Big Boss finds out that he cloned him, he's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. So he defects and creates Outer ha- ha- uh, Haven. And then Zero went on to create the Patriot AIs and all that shit. Ocelot um, has kind of been uh, a double agent between the two until he got taken over by Liquid Ocelot. Um, so Eva's basically like, Ocelot uh, can't gain full access to the SOP system because he only has part of Big Boss's genetic code, just like Snake only has part of Big Boss's genetic, genetic code. But they have Big Boss's body, which is technically alive, they say, through like nanomachines, but he's like, he's like a skeleton, essentially. But if Liquid Ocelot were to gain access to this body, he can gain full access to the SOP system and uh, fuck everything up. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. You catch up to Liquid Ocelot. He gets the body. He gains full access to the SOP system. He shuts down everybody's guns except for his soldiers. He's fucking shooting helicopters out of the air without a bullet. They're just falling out of place. Everybody's shitting their pants and going crazy. And uh, that's what happened. Liquid Ocelot essentially throws the world into chaos because the SOP system doesn't work for anybody. Like, there's a big ceasefire across the world, and they're talking like that's a bad thing. It's really strange. The only so they're like, oh fuck, like shit's crazy. The only thing Liquid Ocelot has left to do to gain like complete access to controlling the world essentially is he has to take out the last. He has to take out the main AI, which is GW, and replace it with JD, which is the AI from Metal Gear Solid Two that he kept. Um, he hacked JD essentially to be his own through his through the body of Big Boss, and he wants to replace the main AI GW with JD, and he'll be in control of the complete system and every military force in the world essentially. Uh, so his plan to do that though is he needs to launch a nuke at JW in space, <laughs> and the only one anybody can think of would be the nuclear launcher on Metal Gear Rex. And Shadow Moses from Metal Gear Solid 1. I need a drink. So this is where the big nostalgia trip happens. And Liquid, Ocelot, and Snake both go to Moses, Shadow Moses Island to retrieve 
the nuclear launcher off of it. You fight Crying Wolf or whoever the fuck, and it's completely whatever. A uh, bunch of nostalgia happens, a bunch of flashbacks. But if we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, you eventually find Metal Gear Rex. Uh, Raiden shows up to help fend off uh, Vamp while you take down a bunch of Metal Gear Rays. Or, sorry, Gex. Gecko is coming after you. Um, eventually, you gain access to Metal Gear Rex as you guys burst through the facility while you're wielding it and you have a big mech fight between metal gear ray metal gear rex liquid ocelot and metal gear ray and it's fucking awesome uh i should note here actually that they did grab the nuclear launcher off of rex it's too late for snake and shit i think um just when liquid ocelot is about to die uh he just fakes out snake and he's like see you later uh, Fox die doesn't work on me anymore from Algear Solid 1, and he flees in the newly refurbished Arsenal gear from Algear Solid 2, which now houses the JD AI, and that's where Liquid's um, base of operations is, essentially. Uh, so Snake is retrieved by Raiden um, and Ocelot, and they go into their final mission to stop Ocelot directly on Outer Haven. So, basically, they do that. They meet up with Mei Link. She has the only ship that's not being run by the SOP system. Uh, and they go to take him out. And, basically, a bunch of dumb shit happens. Uh, Meryl helps you get through the main facility part as you take down another reincarnation of Psycho Mantis. Or it's the original Psycho Mantis and he never died. It's not made clear. Uh Johnny Sasaki is the poop guy from all the other games. He's one of Meryl's soldiers here, by the way. And they fall in love. Who cares? Uh, Snake goes to the facility. He has to crawl through a fucking microwave to get to JD. But he does. Oh, by the way, I can't believe I didn't fucking think of this. So Naomi, this whole time, Naomi and Sunny have been working on a new AI cluster that Emma worked on from Elgar Solid 2 to take down all of the AI systems in one go. And that's what Snake has to upload. Naomi also died of her cancer during Shadow Moses. <laughs> Missing a lot of parts here. But it's not really important in the overall thing. Anyway, Snake successfully uploads the virus that shuts down all of the AIs. And it's super awesome. He goes on top of the submarine arsenal gear they're at. And Liquid Ocelot's there. And he's like, you fool, this is what I wanted the whole time. And Snake's like, dude, I don't, even, I don't fucking care. <laughs> uh... So they have a giant, two old men shirtless have a giant fist fight on top of a submarine. It's fucking awesome. They beat the shit out of each other. Uh, Snake wins. And Liquid Ocelot basically is like, oh, by the way, I'm Revolver Ocelot. Uh, this is what I wanted the whole time. Now the world's going to go back to, like, the Ice Age. And then fucking Otacon calls you and he's like, wait, that's not true. Sunny perfected the virus. So it like it keeps all the essential systems. It just such, shuts down the military shit. So everything's awesome. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then it goes to the end of the game, and Snake... Meryl has a wedding. Snake's in the graveyard. He's looking at the, the grave of the boss, who doesn't know that's the boss. Anyway, Big Boss shows up, and he's like, what the fuck? You can't be alive. I saw your body. Big Boss is like, no, that was Solidus' body. I'm actually alive. I was retrieved by Eva, Eva, Ocelot, and Raiden way back, and I've been healing this whole time, so I'm here. Also, here's Zero. Zero's, like, a comatose corpse in a fucking wheelchair. 
and Big Boss explains everything. The AI completely took over the Patriots. Zero, like, went out of commish way back. They're fucking up everything. Uh, yeah, Liquid Ocelot was actually just Revolver Ocelot, who hypnotized himself to fool the Patriot AI system. So he could do all this shit to fulfill the boss's dream, which isn't actually her dream, and Big Boss admits that he didn't fulfill her dream either, and that they're all fuck-ups. And then he's like, oh shit, Snake, you got infected with the new Fox die, and he's like, what? And you're like, remember that injection that Drebin did? Well, that was a new strain of Fox die, and it overrated the old one, so now Snake won't be a walking time bomb, but it kills Big Boss, they have a very emotional send-back, Snake can now go live the rest of his life in peace because he saved the world. That's Metal Gear Solid 4. Bye. Thanks for that, Reed. You're uh, <laughs> you're welcome. We don't have a lot of uh, time left in this show. Where do we begin on a discussion of Metal Gear Solid 4? Um, I think where we have to start off with Metal Gear Solid 4 is just the story behind its development. First of all, I think obviously we'll have a second part of Metal Gear Solid 4. We're not going to be able to talk oh, yeah. about everything. Um, but it should be noted that this is where the tinfoil hats come on. So for Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3, Lee, there was a co-director or co-writer, I forget, named Fukushima, okay? Gotcha. Everybody attributes Fukushima with being, like, the person who kept Kojima in line, essentially. And not in line as in, like, so he's not fucking doing something bad but keeping his ideas in check his ridiculous bullshit in check keeping him keeping him on the level yeah mel your yeah. solid four comes around there is no fukushima he left furthermore Not much is clear furthermore this was gonna be the mel your solid where kojima finally handed off the reins to a brand new director and everything he was just going to be a story consultant and producer uh until the new director started getting death threats and kojima felt that he had to finish it so he did. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 is fan service to video game. I think you and me can both agree on that. Uh, if anything. Yeah. yeah. If if this game was solely out to finish the story of Solid Snake and the Patriot AI, I think you could have done that without a lot of this fan service. That being said, I don't dislike Metal Gear Solid 4. It's one of my more favorite Metal Gear Solids for instance, but I really like anime fan service bullshit. It's like some of my favorites. Not fan service like like titties and stuff, but uh fan but service too. of like sh- going to Shadow Moses again. I love that. Woo. I love that shit. Um I know you have completely <laughs> different feelings about Metal Gear Solid 4 than me though. Yeah, so this was a game I played after having uh marathoned through Metal Gear Solid 1, 2 and 3 in like a week. And uh, ended up here, and from a technical point of view, from from a at the point it was released on the PS3 exclusively, of course, and uh, it has that weird thing where between chapters it needs to actually install and, and optimize the load or whatever, which is fucking crazy. It's like, go make a sandwich while uh, Salt Snake smokes a cigarette. All that stuff's funny. Uh, in the time it was released, it was like a huge fucking deal, and uh, the game mostly lived up to the hype in terms of just a technical marvel, which, let's be honest, is uh, what Metal Gear Solid 2 was to many people. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, like, from a, from a visual point of view, from a gameplay point of view, uh, the stuff they add, the characterization of, of Solid Snake himself in this game... That's all fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm much more of a big boss fan than a Solid Snake fan. I, I don't 
uh, get as teary-eyed for the the story of the solid snake who is like a, a, a soldier grown in a bottle and uh, knows only a military life and sneaking uh, compared to the more nuanced big boss where he's, he's trying to accomplish something on a much larger scale and fucking it up left and right. Uh, that's all... F- it's, it's the part where they bring the big boss stuff into this timeline at, with the rug pull at the end and the uh, and the whole body of big boss and all that and the AI. It's just like... it. Uh, I'm playing the game. I'm getting from point A to point B. My eyes are rolling back in my head whenever I hear nanites uh, or Nano fox machines. die. <laughs> Yeah, nano nano machines. Uh, I uh, nanites is Avengers. We don't want. To. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. Like the boss fights are wholly un un like compared to the previous games are very unimaginative in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely that's very common complaints is like the boss fights. Uh, some of the levels are very boring. But the characterization of Salt Snake is very well done. I do disagree with you. It's the strongest part. I think yeah. Salt Snake is a much more interesting character than Big Boss. I think Big Boss uh, changes personality every game. I don't think there's any nuance between his transitions. Whereas Salt Snake, I think, has a wonderful story. He's born as a slave. He's uh, grew up as a soldier. But despite all that, he still decided to become a hero. And I, I like feel-good stories. I do like hero characters. I think Salt Snake fits a lot of those bills so fucking well. And, like, that's all he has left. Even his last quote of the game when he's in the graveyard. I didn't mention this in the story summary, but he's going to shoot himself to prevent the spread of Fox die. And he still views it as his responsibility. There's one last mission I must do. One last punishment I must endure. Because at the same time, he does recognize because he's not a one-dimensional character that despite all the good he's done, he still murdered hundreds of people and he's still only ever been a killer. And that's all he views himself as. So I love the characterization of snake in this game. That being said, like you, like you were talking about the, the stuff with like, let's make the Metal Gear Solid three cast found the Patriots for some reason, like, and then explaining (laughs) how, Zero needed Big Boss to be like the icon for his group, when which makes no fucking sense because you need the Patriots to be secret. That's their whole gimmick is that they're secret, but you need him to be. It makes no fucking sense. Uh, I think including this Metal Gear Solid Three cast, like same paramedic is fucking doctor whoever that worked on Gray Fox, like these horrible experiments, and then Metal Gear Solid Three paramedic is talking about Godzilla movies. Like, it's fucking stupid. Like, what does that do for anybody? Like, was there anybody that was like, oh, yeah, dude, paramedic was found in the Patriots? Whoa. Like, does nothing for anybody. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, even doing zero and everything, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, how much better off would have Metal Gear Solid 4 been if they just stuck with Metal Gear Solid 3 canon? And they're just like, no, like, the Patriots AI is like, who gives a fuck where they come from? They're just here now. Like, deal with it. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't something that needed to be explained beyond the fact that the philosophers reorganized into the Patriots, made, made AI, AI killed them, killed the AI. That's all it had to have been, in my opinion. Uh, tying this all up to Metal Gear Solid 3 and specifically the boss's last wish, because that's the entire crux of Liquid Ocelot and Big Boss in this game is uh, is so weird 
for many reasons, especially because it also involves zero, and that's why he made the Patriots, right, was for the boss's mm-hmm. vision. But here's the problem, Lee. There's only one fucking person who ever talked to the boss in Metal Gear Solid 3, and that was Big Boss. Ocelot had very little interaction with her, and it wasn't anything personal. It was just, like, some military orders. And then Zero never talked to fucking the boss. So when you when you play Metal Gear Solid 4 and Revolver Ocelot and Zero do all this crazy shit because of their own interpretation of the boss's will, you're like, you guys weren't even fucking friends with her, and now you're going to be changing the world over her vision? <laughs> absolutely fucking yeah. ridiculous and it's that's just kojima reaching for them grapes trying to connect these dots when they didn't need to be connected dude he he wrote a canonized uh plot and ending for the poop guy as you called him yeah i like to call him the stomach issues guy <laughs> but uh, what's his name jonathan sasaki what's uh, his, johnny what's his sasaki <laughs> yeah he and and not only that guy gets to marry meryl yeah and he's and like he's good looking he he doesn't get the nano machines because he like hates needles and like like and he's and like and that's the thing is if i was talking about this plot lee like he's such an unessential character like in the overall plot he doesn't do anything so why why are you making the poop guy a character i had uh someone tell me completely earnestly and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up for today and, and really dig into it in two weeks time because next week's a little, a little something different uh it when uh when snake's like oh, okay it's curtains for solid snake where does the series go from here and it's like well the series is done now as it is with every metal gear solid we announced that this is the last one and uh we we move on thinking there will never be another uh but someone dead ass said that johnny sasaki would become the new main character and that raiden <laughs> would be like a pliskin character in the next metal gear and that johnny sasaki will have to go like become i'm like what the fuck but this is also someone that thought the game was great top like soup to nuts no uh, I, so I, fan service yeah i, I uh, and we're talking about guys getting death threats because the wrong director is working on the game there there is a subsect of fans out there that will apologize uh and make excuses for most everything in this game <laughs> Right, like well, like I said, I even enjoy the fan service. I just th- I think fan service is great. Like for Shadow Moses, like that's great fan service. That's really pulling the nostalgia strings in a really unique, fun way, modernized. Like you, you see all like the cameras broken now that you're in the future. Just like Snake, everything is old. Shadow Moses is just as broken down and shitty. Just a bunch as, of orbs with hands. As Snake, yeah, as Snake <laughs> is at this point of the game. But then, like you said, you have Poop Guy fucking marrying Poop Meryl. Guy. And, like, there, see, there's two sides of fan service is what I'm saying. There's good and bad fan service, just like there's good and bad story points. And, unfortunately, in Metal Gear Solid 4, I think there's more bad fan service than there is good. I I would, uh, yeah. How can you disagree with that? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, like, even down to the wrap up every boss fight in that game, and it's just like, let's have a little uh, perverted photo shoot. Here, sure. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, but what game is this? <laughs> it's like what I always say. I'm just like, well, this is completely taking me out of, of the story you're trying to tell here that I'm barely hanging on to. Uh, but yeah, it's just like you said, uh, hey, Ocelot being involved here and the whole thing with the Patriots and, and Ocelot's uh, motivations in this game, uh, that's all bullshit. Yet, when he's fighting shirtless on the top it's of Arsenal so gear awesome. or whatever, it's just like, well, we had to get here, so I mean, he had to do something, yeah, right? Yeah, like, so. it's so, like, and my problem isn't with Revolver doing all this sneaky stuff. I really like Revolver Ocelot. He's, like, my favorite character. It's just, 
it'd be like, hey, Lee, we're going to have him make a new Spider-Man movie where, like, you know, fucking Craven comes in and he's going to swear vengeance for Vulture. And you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to show a scene of, like, Craven talking to Vulture? I'm like, no. And like, okay, they're going to make a scene where, like, Vulture saves Craven's life. No. Any interaction at all between those two characters. No. Just, like, we'll have we'll have Craven come out and say he's a big fan of Vulture, and that's it. That's fucking kick- stupid. That's his motivation. So yeah. That's it, man. He's radicalized. Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Oh, to God. Uh, so, we talked about how dumb it was that the Patriots ended up being made up of the main characters from Snake Eater. Uh, we talked about Solid Snake versus Big Boss. We talked about Johnny Sasaki, the poop guy, the poop and how uh, he was given a full character arc in uh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, we talked about while you love the character of Ocelot and you like the silly fan service uh, that are in this game, his motivations and uh, that kind of and zero and stuff like that being in the game, yeah, uh, kind of subtracts from the. Oh yeah, to boil it down yeah. into a sentence, I don't think uh, Metal Gear like. I don't think including Metal Gear Solid Three into the Metal Gear Solid Four mythos does anything for either game. No, it cheapens both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of people's problem with 5 that I don't have. Is uh, like, you you cast, you made the main character not Big Boss. No, that <laughs> my problem with Metal Gear Solid 5 is not the fact that uh, the main character is not technically Big Boss. I just think it's a totally unnecessary game. I think, I think for Metal Gear Solid, a series as a whole, Lee, I think a lot of it would benefit from the motto of less is more. Um... I think the Patriots themselves would have benefited by just literally being a shadowy, faceless AI organization that is much scarier than a James Bond fan being the head of it. Um, right. So, you're like, if you're not going to stick the, the landing 100%, then don't try. Yeah, <laughs> but even then, the Patriots would have been fine with just what they were in Metal Gear Solid 2, which was, we are the Illuminati, we're fucking AI, and we control everything. That's great. That's all they needed to be. Likewise... Right. It's the Fallout thing. The, the president is a robot. Yeah. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And likewise, Metal Gear Solid 4 would have benefited at the same time by just being like, yeah, no, like... Metal Gear Solid 3 guys were not involved in here. Metal Gear, Gear Solid 3 and its cast would have maintained their integrity and how fun and joyful they were had they not been included with this. Like, if you want to include Zero and make him the head of it, sure, but there's no benefit for putting Signet and Paramedic as members of the Patriots. It's a bit ridiculous. Um, but I think today, Lee, we would benefit more from talking about some of the gameplay changes and a bunch of things that we actually do enjoy about the game, however few that may be for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's... Uh, I mean, I can say what I remember of this game. Uh, I right. like the, the camo system. I think that was neat. Right, yeah. I think we can get uh, into that as we go along. But Metal Gear Solid 4 is a vastly different game in a lot of, retros- in a lot of uh, respects sorry, than Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. Um, so if you played Metal Gear Solid 3 and you played the Subsistence release, you'll know that they put it in a classic third-person style. But Metal Gear Solid 4 is the game where they actually decided to modernize it with modern third-person controller uh, controls. So you have a rectile that you can constantly aim with your right stick and you maneuver with the left, as opposed to Metal Gear Solid 3's kind of awkward but tactical stop-and-aim system. Um, sure. Not only that... Did you mean to say reticle? Yes, I don't know what reticle. word came out of you, but it, yeah, okay. <laughs> A reptile? Did I say a reptile? A reptile. Yeah. <laughs> a reptile. It's a reptile that comes out of you. I'm um, like, whoa. Yeah. 
Um, the camo system has been improved, in my opinion, from Metal Gear Solid 3. This is a bit of a debate. Um, but now it just automatically detects the best possible camo if you stay within a certain... If you stay still for a certain amount of time in a, in a place. Um, right. the, well, the, in 3, it felt like you had to work a little bit to get that advantage. Yeah. Whereas in 4, it's just like, take a second and we'll give you the advantage. Yeah. Um, another change in Metal Gear Solid 4 would be the vast amounts of weapons that you have to choose from and the fact that you can yes. customize each weapon. So you can sell weapons while on the battlefield using in-game uh, cannon of Drebin can electronically get it or something like that. And his monkey. Yeah, so you can customize your weapons, and this is a, a very big positive in my opinion, and I loved this part of the game. I love any game that lets me, you know, pick out scopes and silencers and different grips and barrels for my gun. I would say that this game has a bit too many guns that just kind of do the exact same thing especially for a stealth action game where you like you're not really looking <laughs> the same be argued for all guns right right <laughs> yeah i guess but it's different for a stealth action game than something like warzone because in warzone sure. like fire rate and accuracy all these things matter whereas in Metal Gear solid 4 where you're trying to be stealthy the whole time you really only need to get off a single shot out of most guns so I think they would have benefited from cutting down like that arsenal by half and really focusing yeah. on adding in unique attachments or unique guns. I uh, definitely remember finding a sawed-off shotgun early in the game and using it for most of the game. Yeah, like you basically to just your, you to pick, counter you. Yeah. yeah, you pick out a few guns and you kind of just like suit them up, and then you're pretty much good to go for the rest of the game. Um, yeah. The boss fights are, in my opinion, a significant drop down from the previous games. There's no boss fight in this game besides Liquid Ocelot at the end that I deem memorable or fun in any way. They're all pretty yeah. basic, find the person and shoot them boss fights. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty weak. Uh, the European level where you have to go find Big Mama, it's a yeah. pure stealth section where you're following people using footsteps. Um I don't think it's particularly enjoyable. I think it's a bit too long. Um, yeah. You need some form of <laughs> yeah. You need some form of action there to really break up the monotony of just fucking wandering around in this really quiet and dark area. It's a cool set piece, but yeah, it goes on a little too long, and it, and it would be cool when you, you, you have, like, young Snake, basically, right? Like yeah. You maybe shoot up a parlor or something. Yeah, that was like Hideo being like, okay, 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 you guys played the first two chapters with the old Snake. Do you guys know about point. movies made before 1960? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, I think what this game does right in regards to its fan service, because it does a lot, a lot wrong with fan service, like I said, the Metal Gear Solid 3 connection. Um, but the entire Shadow Moses segment, I think, is a fantastic way to use nostalgia. Uh, it had a storyline purpose, but it wasn't just doing the same thing. There was a thematic purpose to, to going yeah. back to Shadow Moses. It was showing. Let's be honest; it, it's also the fourth game in the series. So, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, yeah, now's the ahead. time. Yeah. yeah. So, and I thought that section was beautiful. I love that they played the best is yet to come as you're first approaching it. The blizzard is going by super hard, so you can't see it at first, but as you start to come into it, you can see the view. All the little nods, like, this is good fan service. When you go into, like, the room and you see the damaged camera that you probably shot while playing Metal Gear Solid 1 for the first time. Uh, yeah. yeah, or going under the truck to find the pistol and stuff like that. That shit's really neat. And then you fight a bunch of bowling balls with arms. Um, I was fine with that. I like the idea that Shadow Moses has... Uh, lost all humanity to it uh, because in Metal Gear Solid One, it's like it, Shadow Moses almost has like a personality of its own. Um, 
the different sections, all the people in there, it felt like a military base. This, I think its presence in Metal Gear Solid 4 really fits the game and its themes, which is dying, aging, but it's full of machines and, uh, and lifeless and all these things. So I really like the inclusion of the geckos. I, right. Whatever was there, whatever was human guards previously is now these like fucking scary robots. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love like the fuck the the geckos that come up and like the <laughs> um, yeah. That that's a really unique set. Like I don't know, I don't know why. It's a cow. Yeah, I don't know why you decided to go with a cow for those, but it's pretty intimidating. It, it's otherworldly, yeah. It's like, why is this? Why did, was that the sound? And that's kind of like you're thinking about it, and therefore it's a success. Yeah, like, it's, it's right? yeah, it's kind of yeah. like going to Demon Souls and hearing the Storm King and all the manta rays with their things. It's really cool. Um, yeah, like if we're if we can just like encapsulate all our thoughts about Metal Gear Solid Four because we are running out of time, and I think we want to move sure. on to Metal Gear Solid Five. I, I do. Like yeah, like Metal Gear Solid Four to me is is like your least it was favorite. A huge. It's a massive spectacle. Uh, it was. I remember having fun playing it. I have never gone back to play that game, and uh, I, I feel all of the cutscenes, all of the story, outstays its welcome here. I am just not interested in it, and it's good to hear that. Uh, for the most part, even huge fans of Metal Gear are like, "Yeah, it's a little long in the tooth." They dug into the. They they tried to connect all the ends where a lot of fans were okay leaving it a bit ambiguous, yeah. leaving it up for debate. And Hideo Kojima's like, "No, this is how it is." Uh, this is the reason for that. This is the reason for this, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, what What are your closing thoughts, Reed? Yeah, I, I I have a lot. I have a lot of love for Metal Gear Solid Four. Like I said on a previous episode, um, I do enjoy fan service, good or bad. In a lot of cases, I love the over the top schlocky anime uh, explanations that this game loves more than any other Metal Gear Solid. Um, but I'm not so blind at the same time as to be like, no, like every inclusion here is good because there is a lot of things I would change, but I love the gameplay. I think it's fun. I love the cutscenes. I like really long cutscenes. Um, I wish the boss fights are better. I wish that they cut some of the story. Like you said, it does not need to be that long. Um, but overall, I don't hate it as much as the average person, but I think it was mostly an unnecessary experience for half of it. I think, I think half of this game is really good, really important things, and it does conclude the Solid Snake story in a very satisfying way for me personally. I love, yeah. I love the ending, for example. I love how Snake, after all the shit he's done, he still views him killing himself as a mission he must accomplish. It's his last punishment he must endure. It's a beautiful fucking cutscene. Um, so yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid 4, basically. It's it's a weird-ass fan service game where uh, you got some good and you got some bad. It's definitely the most gray out of all the Metal Gear Solids, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and it was the best-playing uh, Metal Gear Solid game until, of course, Metal Gear Solid V, which we will start talking about next week.
read. Yeah. Do your best from yesterday evening to in 20 minutes recount from memory Peace Walker, Ground Zeroes, and Metal Gear Solid V. <laughs> Without further ado, here is Reed stumbling through that those fucking games because they're weird. Hey, Reed here with the final summary of the public beta podcast Metal Gear Solid series and Metal Gear Solid V. Uh, here I'm briefly going to be touching upon Peace Walker and then going directly into Ground Zeroes and Metal Gear Solid V. Uh, this time I thought it'd be interesting if I didn't, like, look up a summary or remind myself about anything and try to do this completely off memory, or at least how I interpreted it. Um, Peace Walker, as far as what we need to know from Metal Gear Solid Five, besides the fact what, like, the really crucial stuff, not, like, the little references to everything, the really crucial things we need to know is that Big Boss went out and essentially created a mercenary group, the Military Sans Frontiers, I think they were called. Um, and they're, yeah, they're a mercenary group. They were soldiers without borders. Like, they didn't have any nation affiliation. Uh, and in Metal, in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, you essentially create uh, your own army by, re- by recruiting people, and you make a big mother base, and you eventually make a Metal Gear... Uh, that doesn't really play into anything after the fact. Um, you have two recruits that you pick along the way, Chico and Paz. Uh, in Peace Walker, Paz turns heel and turns out to be a cipher agent. Cipher being code word for uh, the Patriots, essentially. Before they're, I like to think about it. it. Nothing ever confirms this as far as the can's concerned about what exactly the cipher stops calling themselves cipher and starts calling themselves the Patriots. But I like to think about it when. The AI fully take over is when they start calling themselves the Patriots as opposed to Cypher. Anyway, Paz is like, I. She turns heel essentially, but then she doesn't. As far as we're concerned for Metal Gear Solid V, who gives a shit? She doesn't turn heel. Um, so for Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, you essentially pick up right where Peace Walker left off in that sense. Um, basically, Paz and Chico are both kidnapped and sent to this XOF base. Uh, and you're sent there, Big Boss. You're playing Big Boss. Of course you are. This is Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Um, and you go there to go rescue them. Uh, Chico is, like, has, like, a fucking headphone jack in his chest or something. Like, he's all kinds of fucked up. I mean, you're not really worried about him. You're going in looking for Paz, because Paz knows a lot about Cypher and Mother Base, and she spent times at both. Uh bunch of shit happens um also when you're at mother base uh no 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 that doesn't happen at mother base yet but whatever you're at this fucking place you rescue you got paz you rescue her and you put her in the helicopter and as you're flying away in the helicopter you're with miller who's like your right hand man and was your right hand man at mother base and in peace walker as well holy shit a lot of co-words in this fucking game um, so Miller, yes, who you might remember is Master Miller from Metal Gear Solid 1, who was not actually alive. That was liquid the whole time. Anyway, he's like your right-hand man. He's in the helicopter with you as you're taking Paz away, and you realize that, shit, there's a fucking bomb inserted in her chest, and the medic is like, oh, fuck, there's a bomb in her chest. So, like, she blows up, and the helicopter blows up, and this is after, by the way, Mother Base... Uh, 
while you were rescuing Paz, Mother Base got fucked up big time by this XOF group that you're at. And yeah, so that's basically Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes is you rescue Paz, but she blows up in the helicopter with you, and Mother Base gets blown up along with all the soldiers by XOF. Also, during this section, you see the first sight of Skullface, who's like the dumbest fucking Metal Gear Solid villain, kind of like like he's not bad, but like where this is this is part of a bigger problem I have with Metal Gear Solid V, but like. He doesn't, like, fucking speak like a regular person. That's what pisses me off. Uh, and he looks kind of silly, but he also looks kind of fucking badass. Um, and, yeah, he's, like, the leader. We don't really know much about him at this point. So this goes right into Metal Gear Solid B, the Phantom Pain. Easily the best play Metal Gear Solid, but, like, man, I got problems with a lot of this game. So a lot of people contribute it with Konami not giving Kojima enough time to do what he wanted it to. Uh, a lot of people think that Kojima was just trying to do something different, yada, yada, yada. What it boils down to is a lot of the story, Metal Gear Solid V, I shouldn't say a lot of the story, but a lot of the fine details and the exposition is in tapes, audio tapes that you just listen to, rather than the typical fully length, uh, very long movie style cutscenes that we get in the prior things. So this is very different from Metal Gear Solid 4. Metal Gear Solid 4 was, like, fucking 20 hours of cutscenes, and this has very little in the way of that. And when there are cutscenes, there isn't a shit ton of dialogue. A lot of that dialogue, like I said, is moved off to the mixtapes. Mixtapes. <laughs> so anyway, Metal Gear Solid V, Phantom Pain, picks off right where Ground Zero's left off, where Big Boss got blowed up in the helicopter, and... You're waking up in the hospital as uh, a cover of David Bowie's Man Who Sold the World is playing. And you're looking around, and the doctor is like, hey, what's going on? Man, this mission's a pain in the ass when you're starting a new game, because it's like 30 minutes. It's really fucking cool the first time you're playing it. But like the third time, you're like, goddamn. Like, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, you're in the hospital, and... Bunch of shit happens. Uh, and basically, the doctor's like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta move you out. Uh, you gotta create your avatar here. And if you never played online, this would be like the weirdest part of the game. Uh, we gotta move you out here. Terrorists are here, and basically, a girl comes in and strangles him, and uh, she goes to strangle you. But then, bam, she's tackled by this dude wrapped in bandages, and they start fucking fighting, and eventually." Uh, your bandage guy lights her on fire and she falls out the window. This dude approaches you. He sounds suspiciously like Kiefer Sutherland, who is the new voice of Big Boss, so he sounds exactly like you. Like, okay, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just address the elephant in the room. Like, we all know that V is not actually Big Boss and that he's just the medic that was in the helicopter. So I don't know how anybody didn't see this coming. When fucking Ishmael, yeah, the medic, this guy calls himself Ishmael, the guy in the bandages, he just goes, I'm you, and he has the exact same voice as your fucking character. Like, how no one immediately went, like, oh, yeah. Like, he's obviously, like, the real big boss, or, like, a clone, or, like, me, or some shit. Anyway, he escorts you through the hospital as, like, these armed dudes are going through here, killing everybody. Also, Psychomantis as a kid is here. You're like, huh? And then fucking Vulcan from Metal Gear Solid 3 is here, except he's like a fire demon. And yeah, that's pretty neat. That's what happens. You escape the hospital. Ishmael disappears. 
and then you come across Ocelot on a horse. You go on the horse with Ocelot, and you escape. Ocelot's like, we gotta go get Miller. We gotta, we gotta reform this fucking mercenary group. We gotta get you back on your feet, being a hero. He's not even asking what your fucking opinion is about all of this. Uh, so you guys go to Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan, which is currently occupied by the Russians, and and like the mu the mu mu the mugat the mujahideen. I can't pronounce it. Um, so yeah, you gotta go rescue Miller, and man, this is where my memory gets really fucked up. So a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five at this point is mission based, and a lot of these missions there isn't really anything. Um, like, there's all, like, little points that happen in the story, but nothing super big happens. So this is where my memory of the game gets really fucked up. And this is where I'm gonna not remember a lot of things very clearly. Uh, so you rescue Miller. Miller has a bunch of lines, like, I can still feel it. You can feel it too, right, boss? He's missing his fucking arm and leg. And you guys are like, let's rebuild Mother Base. You guys are now called Diamond Dogs. Uh, Ocelot got you guys kind of started, kick-started, and that's when the game really kicks in, and you start start to build your base, recruit soldiers, and do missions. Um, throughout these missions, uh, man, a bunch of shit happens. You take down a bunch of groups, and you find a bunch of people, and then eventually you're getting shot at by a sniper, who is the assassin that attacked you in the hospital, except now she is half-naked, and sniping you, uh, you eventually take her alive and you send her back to mother base. Uh, she won't speak no matter what. So everybody has called her quiet. So quiet's her name. Uh, eventually you learn that XOF is run by this dude named Skullface. That's who that guy was. Skullface is part of XOF and XOF was a group that used to follow Fox so they have some, like, weird tie to Metal Gear Solid 3 for some reason. They're, like, Zero's secret group that followed Fox and, like, behind the scenes. Yeah, like, I'm not going to remember how the game played out, so I'm just going to talk about, like, the canon of the game now, I guess. So basically what's going on in the rest of this game is Skullface wants to destroy the English language. Like, wow, what a concept. Um... So to do that, he investigates this guy named Co-Talker. Co-Talker has been investigating. He's like this old uh, Aboriginal man, and and this is in South America or some shit. And he like investigates parasites. He's super into burgers, um, <laughs> and yeah. So using Co-Talker and basically uh, these parasites that were with the end of Familiar Solid Three. Uh, Skullface engineers like a vocal cord parasite that can target specific languages when spoken and will transmit to other people and then kill them upon speaking words of that language. Fucking crazy. So he like that. That's what Quiet has. She has that. That's what Skullface is wanting for her to infect everybody at Mother Base, like Big Boss's base. But she wouldn't do it. Um, but Mother Base got infected anyway, and Big Boss had to kill a bunch. of of his own men, and that's when they had that I won't scatter your ashes into the heartless sea scene. Uh, also during this game, Big Boss uh, rescues a bunch of child soldiers, and one of them is Eli, a.k.a. fucking Liquid Snake. And, like, during this mission, Big Boss is just punching little kids and shooting them with beanbag guns and, like, fucking rocket punches. It's hilarious. 
God damn, what else happens in this game? Yeah, also Skullface not only is doing the the vocal vocal cord, vocal cord parasites, he also has a Metal Gear Metal Gear Soulanthropus. Uh, I I don't even remember why he needs this. Like his goal was the vocal cord parasite to destroy the English language. That's what he wants to do. Because he's like, oh, it, the English language assimilates all languages and nationalities, and it's killed everything. Got a yada symbolism. Uh, whoa. Um, so, like, so yeah, he's building a Solanthropus for some reason. I don't, don't remember why he needs it. It's a Metal Gear game, so he needs a Metal Gear, you know what I mean? Uh, eventually, um, Psycho Mantis Kid shows again. It turns out he's the one, like, kind of controlling Vulcan, who's the Fire Demon. But Fire Vul- Demon Vulcan's just there because he's really mad at you and the whole motif of revenge of the game. Uh, anyway, you stop Vulcan and kill him, and then you s- kill Skullface, and you shoot him a lot, and Miller is, like, really happy about it. Not only that, though, uh, during this game, you found Huey Emmerich's father, no, Hal Emmerich's father, Huey Emmerich, who's a piece of shit, and, like, he fucking locked his ex-wife in, like, a fridge, uh, that housed the AI of the boss from Peace Walker. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. So, like, let her starve to death. And then, like, during this game, he fucking... Uh, what does he do? Um, yes, he's the one that gets everybody infected at Mother Base with the parasites, dude. So, fucking... Yeah, so he's a huge piece of shit. And then he criticizes Snake for killing his own men because and it, is, it was the fucking infection he started... So they exile his ass, but this this happens after they kill Skullface, by the way. Hal shoots Skullface too, and he goes, sweet revenge! It's like the weirdest, dumbest cutscene. Fucking Metal Gear Solid B, man. So weird. Um, so yeah, all that shit happens, and then that's like the halfway of the game is when like you defeat the major villain and shit. So after that is like Eli basically steals Solanthropus, and you gotta get it back from him. Uh, quiet, like, leaves the base because reasons, and then you go to rescue her, and you get bit by a fucking snake, so quiet has to rescue, uh, rescue you, so she speaks on the radio for the first time, and she dooms herself to rescue you. Uh, you're immune for some fucking reason. I think you have, like, a vaccine or some shit. Anyway, yeah, so quiet fucking dies to rescue you. Uh, man, what else happens in this game besides that? I feel like some, yeah, yeah, the, the big reveal and shit. So after all this stuff, uh, big boss, uh, Venom Snake, whatever you want to call him, gets this tape and it's the other, it's the real big boss that we talked to at the beginning and he's like, you are you and me are me. Are you me and I'm real? <laughs> What's <laughs> like... So he basically says, like, hey, here's here's the lowdown. Like, you're Venom Snake, you're me, but you're actually the medic from the helicopter. He was hypnotized and given plastic surgery by Ocelot to believe that he is Big Boss. But from my interpretation, a lot of this is interpretive, by the way. Like, Metal Gear Solid V is purposely made that way, especially the ending cutscene, which we'll go into. But from my interpretation, like... 
he gave him hypnosis and plastic surgery to think he is big boss, to look like him, act like him, but also put in some of that Russian mind shit to make him a little bit subservient because he doesn't really question anything at any point. He's kind of just like, yeah, sure, rolling with the punches. Especially weird for a Metal Gear Solid character who always questions everything. Uh, maybe that's a kind of explanation for it. Um, so yeah, that's really weird. So he's like, you're basically my figurehead and you're going to be out there like making sure everybody knows that I'm fucking being a badass and you're going to be recruiting people and building up my legend while I'm fucking off and starting up Zanzibar land. So remember I said about interpretive stuff. This is, this is that part of it. So while he's listening to this tape, you'll see that it transitions from the Diamond Dolls logo to Ever Outer Haven. So as I like to interpret it anyway, the real big boss is out there starting up Zanzibar land. You know what I mean? Seeing Gray Fox as a kid, child soldiers, all that shit, being stealthy. And then while during this, the Venom Snake has started to create Outer Haven, like the more antagonistic side of things, kind of. And he's creating the big mythos. So that even when he dies, the real big boss will still have something to go back on. Um, so while he's saying this, Venom Snake punches the mirror, but then smiles and then walks away into the fog. People have debated hours on end what exactly this means, and no one knows. Uh, some people have said that like he's pissed off at Big Boss for taking away who he was and his identity, but then walks off to accept his fate. People have seen it as dual personality, where what where he's punching the mirror as Venom because it's his robot arm, and then he smiles as Big Boss because now that's who he is, yada yada. Uh, so yeah, basically what happened here, if you want to go into more detail, is way back Skullface sent Zero. He found Zero's secret super location because of Paz, and sent him a fucking letter. And it nicked goddamn Zero's finger when he opened it, and it gave him a fucking disease. So Zero was dying like mad crazy, and he went up to Signet from El Gear Solid 3, the fun gun person, and he's like, build me fucking five AIs. And Signet's like, okay. And then by the time El Gear Solid 5 happened, he's like basically shitty, and he's like, all right, I'm going to die soon. And then they're like, hey, by the way, Big Boss got blowed up in the mother base and he's looking real shitty. So then Zero's like, all right, Ocelot, you got to hypnotize this medic and like make him be the real Big Boss. Well, the real Big Boss goes and makes Zanzibar land. Makes no fucking sense, kind of, when you think about it. Like, would Big Boss not just like do it? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Zero's like... Uh, hypnotize him and by the way like i'm gonna be like super dead soon and like until you stop it like Skullface is essentially gonna be in charge of cypher for all intents and purposes and that's basically what happens is Skullface is but once you kill him it, all the all the power kind of goes back to signet who's like the de facto leader while the ais are getting perfected so, like, Zero basically goes into a coma after the events of Metal Gear Solid 5 uh, until we see him again in Metal Gear Solid 4. Signet is kind of running the Patriots for a few years while the AI gets super powerful, and eventually they take over the organization completely. Signet becomes Donald Anderson, um, and we see him in Metal Gear Solid 1. 
Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Oslo. Yeah, Miller. By yeah, Miller was super pissed about this plan because he's like fucking big boss. Like, why would he just abandon us and lie to us and like be a piece of shit? And Ocelot's like, well, like, we got it because this is, like, he wants to achieve, like, I really like Big Boss, so I'm going to help him no matter what. And Miller's like, no, fuck, even if you like Big Boss a lot, that's bullshit. I'm going to train up his sons to be better than him, so he goes to chain Solid Snake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's proof that Ocelot is, like, I'm just, like, I really just want to satisfy Big Boss. Um, and, yeah, Big Boss is... I get, like, that's the weird thing, is, like, they want you, like, this is, like, oh, this is how Big Boss becomes a villain, but he doesn't really do anything, like, evil in this game. Like, yeah, he kind of lies about his identity to his men, but, like, whatever. Uh, anyway, that's about your solid V. Uh, we're gonna go back to Bean Lee talking about how awesome the game is now. Thanks, Reed. You're welcome. I think you did about as well. Uh, you also you also kept a lot of your uh opinions to yourself i found i thought you were going to get a head start on me and and completely tear down everything i was going to defend in this portion of our middle gear conversation i definitely wanted to but i know we should keep uh the good and the bad parts the personal feelings in this section so i could really dig deep into it uh it's so thought jedi were forbidden to love yeah (laughs) i would describe what it Metal Gear Solid 5 is unconditional love. (laughs) 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 No, yeah, uh, Uh, I think it's, I think Metal Gear Solid 5 is, like, I can't, it would have been, like, a whole other rant in that summary, but it's a weird game, because narratively, in narratively, I think it's absolutely, bar none, the fucking worst game. I think the dialogue is bad, I think the script is weird, I hate the decision to put most of the story context on tapes, I don't like the change of voice actors, um, and I think generally the entire plotline, once you go through it, is fucking stupid and doesn't do anything for anybody, just like Mel Gear Solid 4 in lots of cases. I don't think this makes Big Boss a more interesting character. He, not to me, because you're not even playing as fucking Big Boss this game. Um, well, you're playing as Big Boss from Metal Gear 1. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're playing as Venom Snake, who's the medic from Peace Walker. Um, I think that Big Boss's character was more easily was more easy to interpret and understand without this game. You be, All you would have right. to do is, Metal Gear Solid 3 happens, he's disenfranchised with nations, yeah. so he creates a mercenary group. Bing, bang, boom, done. Uh, this really complicates the canon. It tries to explain why the AI took over the Patriots when it didn't really need to. I don't think anybody was curious at all when they saw Zero Metal Gear Solid 4. I think that's all they needed to know about that. Right. Uh, but in saying all of that, goddamn, what a fucking video game. Like, easily the best action stealth game you want, whatever you want to call it, third-person action stealth. Easily the best game ever made. It fucking blows Hitman, Splinter Cell, all the past Metal Gear Solids <laughs> right out of the fucking water. You have a lot of finesse over your controls and executing things that that you just don't in other games. Like... The the posi- how you can position your character in regards to I'm gonna lay on my back in this shed and this guy's gonna walk by I'm gonna pop him in the head and when his buddy sees him drop I'm gonna jump up to my feet and pop him quick or I'm gonna sneak and use my trinkets 
and and Fulton this motherfucker after he's tranquilized. Whatever. It's it, it's insane. The amount of stuff, the amount of tools the game gives you. Uh, it's in terms of a sandbox, as you said, one of the best stealth action games uh, ever created. Yeah. That 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 engine is just so fucking good. Yeah, which is that Fox engine yeah. and absolutely the possibilities that you can do in this game. If you go on YouTube and look up like crazy Metal Gear Solid Five gameplay or whatever yeah. you want to call it. People Breath who are, of the wild level, yeah, pe- <laughs> weird shit. Yeah, yeah. people are, who are putting an entire circle of decoys around a guard to confuse them infinitely. People who are putting photons on <laughs> trucks and lifting them up at the precise moment to smoke a helicopter coming and dropping off reinforcements. Shooting off rocket arms to fucking punch kids in the face because it's hilarious. You already mentioned that one once. That's That stuck with you. Yeah, it, no, what other <laughs> game lets you just punch kids in the face? It's fucking hilarious. Um... Yeah, like, like, yeah, the and the weapon selection, the amount of attachments and different gadgets you can use, from cigars to C4 to smoke grenades to different thermal goggles to the companions and vehicles you can equip and the customization that comes with them, and the fact that you can deploy most of anything while you're in the sandbox actually playing. Uh, yeah. Goddamn, what an immersive... Uh, fantastical military sim it is fantastical it takes place in the 80s but you're using tech that doesn't even fucking exist today it's kind of stupid um it's in keeping with the like military spy like he's got some like prototype shit from the russians that never made it to mass production yeah and shit like that yeah it's yeah so i i would think it'd be fair to say to talk about uh we can talk about the story i would say next part i think it's gonna be a two-part discussion easily um sure but I think there's two main components for the gameplay, Lee. And that would be the actual, you know, Venom Snake sneaking, shooting, actual playing stuff. And then you yeah. have your mother base sim creation. Uh, yeah. So they really expand upon this from Peace Walker. In Peace Walker, it was much more like you just kind of recruit dudes and, like, you can build some buildings. But you can't do nothing tangible with it necessarily. In this mm-hmm. game, you have a big, living, breathing fucking mother base that you can go to after all your missions and it's fully explorable and traversable by your character. You can hang off the edges. You can take vehicles to your different routes. Cry, chop a guy down the stairs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so while you're playing as Venom Snake in Afghanistan or um, South Africa and taking care of you know, all your mission stuff, you can get components and resources. You can then take those components and resources back to Mother Base to build new departments like R&D, mm. Uh, the medic bay and all these places and they become struts that build off your main one and then you can build sub struts on those to make it a huge sprawling mother base um, yeah, yeah yeah and what's even cooler is that all the enemies that you find while actually playing the game are recruitable um if you knock them out in a non-lethal way you can full toss them up to the sky with a balloon and they will show back up at actual mother base where you can send... It cannot be understated how often you will be Fultoning things. Yeah, you do this a lot because you want dudes with yeah. high stats for the different departments that you have. So if you find a dude with an S ranking in R&D, you want to grab him so you can throw him in your R&D department because that will build experience and more quickly build up upgrades. Uh, you can send all these dudes on missions to give you extra money and resources because that's what a lot of the end game comes down to is really reinforcing yeah. the other base. And doing a lot of the online components, which I think we can get into later. Um, yeah, uh, like that's the stuff that kept me playing the game for so long is just like seeing the numbers go up, and then the FOB stuff where you can like send your guys to invade 
yeah. uh, other people's bases and fuck them up. And then, like, because you're playing so much, like, if you play that game enough, you can make your defenses such that you are fucking with other people and not really worried about it coming back the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then there was the whole thing where, I mean, let's let's dial it all the way back. Why does this game exist? Every Metal Gear Solid game since Metal Gear Solid 2, we have said Hideo Kojima wants out. He doesn't want to make any more of these games, or if he does, he wants to hand it off to somebody else and just be there as an advisor. But here we are, Metal Gear Solid V, and uh, this motherfucker's name is all over it. What happened? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of the story behind this game, to be honest. Um, I, I couldn't tell you if Kojima actually wanted to make this, if he was pushed to. The only information I have about like the creation of this game is I think Konami did not give him enough time to do everything that he wanted to. And that Kojima was very uh, persistent that he hires new voice actors to replace David Hayter. So in that, he hired Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, I don't respect Kojima in this particular part. From my understanding, he did not phone or email or anything to David Hayter. David Hayter woke up on Twitter like any other person and found out that Kiefer Sutherland is um, taking over his part. And I, normally yes. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? But I think it's a bit different in this case. Uh, he's literally been playing Salt Snake for over a decade at this point. Um, and not only that, the amount of a personal uh, the amount of personal wealth and uh, joy he put into the series. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, which is the GameCube remake of the original, he personally took a pay cut from his paycheck so he can ensure all the original voice actors return. I think that's an incredibly noble thing to do. Um, it's someone who loves the series and has tried to get except to go. Except for Mei-Ling. Yeah, except for Mei-Ling. <laughs> uh, it's someone who loves the series, has tried to make it come to Hollywood, uh, has a deep appreciation for the fans, does not uh, hate that he was ever typecast as Solid Snake in any way or anything like that. So I have a lot of respect for David Hayter, and it's a very big disappointment when I heard that Kojima did not, you know, let him know in any way, I think that's yeah, pretty... That's maybe the worst part, yeah. right? It's just like, we're going a different direction. And then, like, so the whole time this game is, is nearing completion, Kojima and Konami are having a very public breakup. That they are sick of Kojima basically just, like, charging up the company card and, and making this game and it taking forever. And they need to see... Konami is basically, at this point, not getting out of video games, but seeing that they need to more quickly move from development to putting a game out. Uh, it, it's a shitty time. They're, they're making pachinko machines. They're like, oh, gambling is... We can make way more off gambling than video games. Why are we funding uh, something for this many million dollars to make this little amount of million dollars when in that same amount of time we could turn around four different projects uh, in a different entertainment area that makes us that much more money? So from Konami's point of view, it always sounded like, okay, from an art... They are done with the auteur. They are done with Ko Kojam Kojami's, uh, Kojima's bullshit. They they don't want to bankroll this this auteur anymore, and uh, it just became shitty from there on out. And of course, this was a very public thing that we they took his name off the game, et cetera, et cetera. Ground Zeroes came out, and people were beating it in, in five minutes, <clears throat> and that's so. Do, does the game need to exist? Absolutely not. Uh, but they have found a niche, a place where they could fit another Metal Gear Solid game. And then, just like the aforementioned Cyberpunk, uh, this game is not finished. There are cutscenes left out of this game. Uh, there was meant to be a nice, tight bow wrapped around this that would lead the game directly into uh, into the timeline. That didn't just happen. So now, now you really have, like, 
30, 40 minutes of, of cutscenes probably that would have wrapped this up a little nicer for the Metal Gear Solid fans. And I say that because this is my favorite Metal Gear Solid game, period, outside of admitting that the narrative of Metal Gear Solid 3 is better. I like the narrative in Metal Gear Solid V more than I like Metal Gear Solid 2 oh, I, and I, 4. I couldn't disagree more, I think. And I know you will, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I understand where you're coming from because Metal Gear Solid 5 is very weird and um, there's lots of, there's definitely lots of cool moments and everything. But I've always been a person who loves... What I love about Metal Gear Solid 2, 4, 1, and 3, for that fact, is... Uh, they explain everything. They tell you what's going on. Uh, even if it's wacky bullshit, they will explain it. Um, even if it's dumb, people are talking to each other, for the most part, like humans. In Metal Gear Solid V, it does not feel like that way to me. Venom Snake does not fucking talk to anybody. Right. Um, so I was, that was, I was coming around to that. The key for Sutherland thing is like, so they get, so like a famous person that Kojima likes from shows and movies uh, agrees to do this project. And at that point, Kojima, like you said, doesn't contact David Hayter and say we're going to... He's, he's Kojima, a bit of a self-admitted star fucker, I think we could admit. Yeah. Um, he, he's like, oh, it's, it's going to be Kiefer. And either they didn't have that guy in the studio for long enough, or the performance was bad, or because this isn't, quote-unquote, big boss, that let's just have him speak less. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but introducing Kiefer Sutherland here... Is the biggest waste. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's only negative. There's only negative that comes from it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's especially weird because Snake is a very talkative person. In Metal Gear Solid Three, yes. he was a very talkative person. If the psychosis that Ocelot put the medic under was so successful, he should have been talking as much as Big Boss. Um, so right away, the game feels different and foreign because your main character feels one not confident and two very quiet. Uh, right. Ocelot and Miller talk in very big, grandiose statements, like, we'll make them give back our past, let the legend be reborn. Like, like this is shit that they did not really say in prior games. They are very factual. The lines that Miller has in Miller Gear Solid 1 are talking about the flora and fauna of Alaska. Ocelot's talking about how he likes guns. And... In this game, everybody like guns. <laughs> in, in this game, everybody's talking in very big biblical terms, especially Scarface. Um, it's a lot of metaphors, which I don't. Scarface. Fuck. Yeah, it's a lot of metaphors. Scarface. Yeah. What? Is it Ghostface? I'm pretty sure it's Scarface. It Scarface? I thought it was Ghostface. Let's fucking. <laughs> is it Scar? Is it Scarface or Ghostface? Skullface. Like Tony Montana. It's fucking Skull Skullface. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think like, yeah, like not, nothing is exp like in the tapes, everything's tried to explain better, but in the actual cutscenes themselves, the things that you remember, Lee, uh, the, yeah. I find the dialogue incredibly cringy. I find the characterization inconsistent. Um, I find it sure. vague at best. And that's that's not what I like. Um, you're solid. Um, the first four games establish a certain tone and way people talk and a way the script works. And this game did not follow it. And I don't think uh, they didn't replace it with anything. They just got rid of everything, which I don't like. They replaced it with more fucking gameplay and less fucking cutscenes. I am always the person who likes the black sheep of any series, as long as the uh, it's 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 moving in the correct direction of fun. 
Uh, which is chaos. This is the most memorable Metal Gear Solid for me. When you're being chased by those fucking guys in the desert and they're like running super quick at you. When you're fighting like 8 million tanks uh, at the end of the game and stuff like that. Just like in the insanity of this game where nothing was left on the on the cutting room floor. And that they, they stretched their legs in terms of gameplay. Yeah. Making the gameplay the weird part of this game versus making the cutscenes right uh the intriguing part it's the mystery of the world yeah Uh, but let me throw this back at you like when i think of metal gear solid and why i love this series so much i'm thinking of uh like metal gear solid 3 the final cutscene with the boss saluting with big boss saluting at the boss's grave with that fucking music and eve saying she was a true patriot when i think of metal gear solid and why i love this series so much i think of metal gear solid 4 and you having to push Solid Snake through the microwave as you get to see all the shit that you did. Um, like, those moments for me are what make Metal Gear Solid so special and awesome. It's the very dramatic anime uh, stuff. Um, as, I, so, yeah. as, so, like, like the, Metal Gear Solid Five does have the best gameplay by a fucking country mile. But it does not make up for the lack of narrative, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, I like the implied narrative. I like how understated everything that happens in this game is. And people have varying thoughts on Quiet. Most, mostly to do how she is represented in the game, being mostly naked. But that's all canon. She, she's got photosynthesis. She can that's a shitty her. excuse, it, Lee. We both know why no, she's No, it's as shitty as an excuse as a lot of the characters in Metal Gear Solid have. Yeah. Where it's just like, no, they, they, they'd inject him with something and then he was a vampire. That shit's as dumb as this. So if we're going to accept that that kind of stuff exists in the Metal Gear Solid universe... Let's leave that aside. What I, I then focus on is the the subtle relationship, therefore. And you get a dog, and you get a horse, and a fucking robot, and all these cool companions. Uh, and the cool thing about them is that they have... Um, they all have their uses. There, there's a time to use all of, these, uh, all of these companions. But I mostly stuck with Quiet, because her being able to snipe people uh, with, a, with a tranquilizer gun from very far away, when I didn't even have to enter the town sometimes, was really, really cool. And then I liked what here's here's my point. The narrative is executed very poorly, but what is trying to be told here and what they were going for, I very much appreciate. I like the idea that you are a nobody. That people are not gonna like that because this is quote unquote Metal Gear Solid 5. This should be a spin-off. This should be the open world Metal Gear Solid V or even Metal Gear Survive, if you will. Um, but they didn't want to lead on. That this is separate. They wanted you, for the most part, even though, like you said in the opening cutscene, you're basically told you are not Big Boss. And also, based on the events of, of Ground Zeroes, you maybe have picked up on that. But for a lot of people, uh, it, it wasn't super black and white that you were not Big Boss in this. He's just less talkative now, for whatever reason. He's old, he's tired, he doesn't want to talk about that shit anymore. Uh, but I liked then that I got to put my own influence onto the character like a silent protagonist. That I am now experiencing the world. I'm doing the things I want to do. I'm doing the missions in the order I want to do them. I'm talking to the characters I decide to interact with. Uh, so when I'm hanging out with Quiet a bunch, and then I learn Quiet's backstory, again, I think it's executed poorly. But I like the idea of this This guy is is so fucked up. He's been, he's been brainwashed. He, he's pretty sure he's someone else. He has a lot of their memories, let's say, via... Uh, uh, well, I just have to assume someone was sitting by his bedside telling him of his of Big Boss's accolades and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you had sex with the following women. Like, he can't have any gaps in his mind. For the most part, this guy believes he's Big Boss and doesn't remember his past life, as far as we know, as a medic. Yeah. Um, 
And again, that's another thing that's established in the Metal Gear universe. So as dumb as that is, it's something that has been talked about, right. exists in other Metal Gear Solid Yeah, and my problem isn't with that, like, the process of what making this character think that he's Big Boss. My problem is that, like, it's fucking stupid. Why, like, as <laughs> it's as stupid as Vamp being a character. Like, fuck it. What does this do for the right. entire series? Like, so, it doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't. But that's why I like it so much. <laughs> I like it that it's divo- it, that this character is divorced from all those actions. Only he's led to believe and he's conducting himself as if he is this person that but he's, he's not. He's not necessarily that divorced from it because he does directly relate to Metal Gear One. He's the dude you kill at the end of Metal Gear One. He's the guy that starts Outer right. Haven. Uh, and if if he had, so you have to assume that if there was ever if Snake failed, if Solid Snake failed. What was the next step? Would it have been all-out war between Venom and Big Boss? No, like, they are still working together. That's That was, in my opinion, they were absolutely still working together. Right up That until, this guy would learn that you did this sh- this psychotic shit to me, and I'm just supposed to, like, fall in line and be yes, your double, essentially? Yes, exactly. And that's what yeah. I said in my summary, Lee, is that it's hard to explain the ending of Metal Gear Solid 5 because it is a very open, interpretive ending, that gla- right. the him punching the mirror means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So for you, right. you might think of it as Venom like being pissed off and going off to fight Big Boss, but that's not the way I interpreted it. How I did was he listens to the tape, smashes the mirror as in that motherfucker, but then he gives a smile because he's like, well, you know what? I kind of am Big Boss, aren't I? And he goes off to go fucking play the rest it's- of the games, essentially. Yeah, you go on to play the man who sold the world. Uh, so... My my interpretation of that is is starkly different than yours. It's the uh, I'm it, it's the he's about to die. I read that as like Solid Snake is in the base and the showdown's about to happen, and he's realizing he's about to die for a cause that was never necessarily his own. Then why did he smile? I don't know exactly because 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 ultimately did he get to be more than he ever would have been? But it doesn't explain the smile. The man who sold the world. He got to be this and celebrity when he goes, soldier. And when he goes back into the fog, his previous bodies restored so it's like going back in time it's a very difficult ending and a lot like i said in my summary fuck there's been threads and threads and pages and pages of people trying to explain this in a definitive way but there is no definitive way part, no that's why i like it yeah, part, i'm not saying you're wrong either i'm saying it's all valid yeah yeah absolutely it's, part of me thinks that kojima yeah. just put that in to fuck with people to be honest <laughs> I, I like it as something that can be interpreted either way, because ultimately this character will never be heard of again. This was his story. This was his, like, slice of pie. And uh, take it or leave it. We're going to have to wrap it up there for today. We'll be back again to talk more about Metal Gear Solid Five, And I knew this was going to be the most passionate one. I, I have very strong feelings of Quiet as a character and what they tried to do with Quiet. I think it could have been executed so much better and made this game stand out, even though it is mostly divorced from the characterizations from the previous games and it, it is a spin-off. what can you say uh but they they try to have their cake and eat it too i think is the summation of yeah. this game it's just like if you're gonna make a spin-off go all the fucking way if you're gonna make a spin-off and then try to tie this directly in to the games that have already happened with characters that exist there's gonna be problems and yeah. there are was another good choice probably problem. talk about Metal Gear solid yeah probably <laughs> Probably talk about Metal Gear Solid. So we'll probably not finish Metal Gear Solid today. That's okay. Uh, last time we spoke, Reed, uh, about Metal Gear, immediately afterwards, as we tend to do, we continued the conversation off-air in text. So I, I, took, I took the time to actually take this uh, text, and I'm going to recount it here. Sure. A conversation between me and you. 
It gives you a lot to talk about that has nothing to do with the plot. That after learning what happened uh, to him, how does that? Uh, how does he view his relationship with Quiet? Uh, so I'm talking about oh, Venom, Venom Snake. Oh, Venom Snake, yeah. Uh, Venom Snake is, is... He thinks he's Big Boss. He would imagine that Big Boss's trysts and love affairs and feelings romantically... We have to assume that Venom Snake knows about them, or or is in, it's an important part of his character, his buildup, right? Okay. That he was betrayed by Eva, or whatever. Okay. Okay. Uh, did I, medic guy, fall in love with her, or is it Big Boss falling for her? He thinks he's Big Boss, so when he learns he's not Big Boss, would he then think, I don't know what my feelings are about anything because I have a, literally have another person imprinted on my head. Like uh, Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk. Oh my god. Metal Solid 5 is just Cyberpunk. Uh, what did I say to that? <laughs> uh, who the fuck am I? Where do I stop? And he begins sort of thing. Hanging out with the people who act like they've been friends for years even though he's meeting them for the first time. Uh, it would be... You, you said... It would be interesting if the game asked these questions. But it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I said, right. Uh, the game implies all this and doesn't dig into it at all. It doesn't. I don't even think it implies it, Lee. I think it's, it implies a romantic relationship, right? Between Venom, but Snake it's and not implying like the horror psychological no. elements of. That's like, all in your own head. Yeah, canon. this is no. This is all yeah. in your head, canon. Right. It's really cool because I'm playing the game for hundred hours with these characters, and this is their relationship. Right. So it, I'm be, filling in the gaps. It's gap. really cool things to talk about, but that's not even subjects that Kojima goes into because he's not a subtle storyteller. No. Look, like, look at all the conversations and topics and main plot points of all the Metal Gear Solids, and all of them are big, grand, tangible concepts, whereas, like, the ramifications of, like, is these bonds and relationships you're forming actually with Venom or with Big Boss? Like, like I said in the chat, would be really yeah. interesting if the game actually acknowledged this, but it doesn't, so I don't think it's even fucking worth talking so about. So, the, w- the way I put that, though, is is the problem we had with Metal Gear Solid 4, which is everything is explained. Yes. And there's no subtlety. Uh, so, I say I'm fine with the idea of, even if the game doesn't take a moment to ask this, I like filling in the gaps for myself on that stuff, especially if the game isn't going to execute it well. I don't, because I like knowing that, even if it's just a quick acknowledgement of, yeah. like, Venom, like, looks at Quiet and, like, looks at himself, like, something like that. Yeah. To, to let you know that the game is thinking of that, too. Because if it doesn't, and, like, to me, that's like, oh, the game isn't thinking about it, so why should I? It's sure. Not, it's not yeah. in its mind, so why should uh, I? Mind? So I say, it's better for Venom to punch the mirror and smile than to say, I'll get you, Big Boss, or whatever your interpretation is. I personally do not believe he harbors ill will for Big Boss, but I think he realizes how fucked the situation he finds himself in. He smiles and embraces it, and then dies moments later. I think that's what I agreed with. Yeah, we, that's kind of what we both kind of came to. But you, yeah. were, you were trying... So, there's your interpretation of it, and then there's you reading the internet and being like, people think this is what it's actually meant. And the thing that Metal Gear Solid fans get so hung up on, which is why they deserve every second of Metal Gear Solid 4, is they need, they're asking why. They want the explanation. Well, but you established... And, and Kojima's like, I'll give you the explanation, but it's coming... It's, it's something I didn't think about when I came up with it. Right. So you end up with your nano machines, and you end right. up with your... Right, but just like Final Fantasy VII, like, you can change something, or in Kojima's case, you can explain something, yeah. but don't make it worse. Like, <laughs> just don't suck at your job and make it better, then. Is, uh, yeah! Like, you, like, if people are demanding answers for the Patriots' creation, you can give it to them, 
it's just that deciding that it was the Metal Gear Solid 3 cast is a bad idea. That's it. That's yeah. the end of the story. But uh, that's but that's the only idea you came up with and you rolled with it. Yeah. And now here we are. Wouldn't it be better if like, you never acknowledged it? Right. I'm saying you can't can acknowledge yeah. it, but just come up with a different... That's what uh, extended universe novels are for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, I'm totally fine with... Uh, how interpretive the ending is and like the mirror punching scene yeah. and how you're supposed to take those last tapes especially Big Boss's final speech I'm totally fine with that because it's not supposed to have a canon interpretation it's supposed to be up because it's supposed to be you right you're yeah. Venom you are Venom so you're Venom yeah. you're Big Boss blah 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 so like that's the whole point of it is that there is no canonical what's happening here we don't know what's happening here so I don't get hung up on it yeah. I mostly get hung up in all the other plot points, which I think are all fucking useless and don't do anything for the Metal Gear Solid series mythos as a whole. Sure. I think really fast-running soldiers. What's yeah, that about? Like, I think <laughs> this game would have benefited immensely more from just being... Like, you're just actually Big Boss. You have simply left the United States to go start Outer Haven, and that's what this game is. Yeah. You, you come across a rival mercenary faction who has, like, opposite ideals from Big Boss... Like, they will sell themselves to any country as opposed to being disassociated from any country. And, like, they'll do whatever it takes. They don't give a shit. And that could be your whole plot, right? Yeah. It's, it's, like, I'm already coming up with a better game. Mel, your Metal Gear spinoff is just Big Boss trying to create a mercenary group with good intentions. But throughout the game and fighting a rival mercenary group, he realizes that if he does want to make this sovereign military nation for abandoned soldiers... He has to abandon all ideals and goodwill and good intention that he has because the world's not going to give a fuck. He has to be a ruthless son of a bitch. Right. Like, that game is clear, concise. It doesn't fuck with the current canon anyway, in any hard way. It's the perfect explanation for why Big Boss became a villain and had a heel turn, as opposed to Metal Gear Solid B, uh, which I feel is very interpretive, weird. It doesn't, like, I didn't get, like, a bad boss heel turn out of it besides. Like fucking up the medic's life, kinda. But he's not like no, going, no, that, But he's not like going out and like executing like prisoners of war and like things that I like. What I think of Big Boss in Metal Gear One, how he has this fucking like his own military nation with a nuke. So where am I seeing Big Boss like fucking like hardcore recruiting child soldiers, killing prisoners of war, threatening nations with nuclear like launches? Like, that's the shit I wanted to see. Right. That's not that's not this game. Yeah, this yeah. game, like, if it was trying to tell me a heel turn, the best I got out of it was that Big Boss was, like, a little bit morally corrupt by the end, but he was still saving kids. So what happens at the end of, like, Peace Walker, for example? Because wouldn't Peace Walker be that turn then? Because we don't see the chapter. Right, but that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. That's what Peace Walker is supposed to be. And then he's like, I guess I should make five. But Peace Walker <laughs> just ends how, like, it was a per- I was trying to say a perfect setup. It was a very, There's no perfect setup. So yeah, it was a very good bridge between Metal Gear Solid 3 and, and Metal Gear 1. Yeah, because yeah. all it was was uh, he tries to make his mercenary group. He gets recruited by Cuba to stop the mil- missile crisis or some shit. Yeah, Cuba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bunch of stuff happens. He gets betrayed by like three people. And by the end, like he has his own Metal Gear, Metal Gear Zeke. Yeah. He has his own mother base. And, like, that's it. Like, Good to go. All of his enemies yeah. are gone. He has a big speech at the end where he says, we are no nations. We have no nations. We have no allegiance. We are military sans frontiers, which is soldiers without borders. Yeah. And, like, it was the perfect setup. Like, because your mind could fill in all the blanks of how he transitioned from, like, pretty aggressive to this radicalist. Yes. 
So if you're going to do five, you need to go off that and push that radicalization into straight-up terrorism. Yeah, sure. And they did not push that. In fact, they regressed him because it's not the same big boss. You're playing right. in a fucking template. No, you're right. Uh, we got to wrap up here, and we'll we'll probably do the uh, the big the gameplay. The, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that, and we'll, we'll kind of sum up Metal Gear Solid in the in the end of the next episode. But um, yeah, you're right. Uh, so we, basically, you have a fill-in character uh, that is going through the motions of a fill-in uh, game. Yes, and dealing with his own villain, dealing with his own set of problems, that, none of which result in him doing what you would refer to as a heel turn or ending up where Big Boss is right. in Metal Gear. Right, actual uh, Big Boss might have right. done a big and heel then, turn. And then on top of that, you you learn that this actually isn't even that character. So whatever those justifications are, are happening in another game that you're not even playing. Right. Uh, and then you've, you've made this huge chapter that ends up being the last game in the main series and you didn't fit, you didn't tell that story, right? And even if they did fill in the gaps, like what we learned about, like what Kojima had to cut out and what was intended to be at the end of that game, none of it is that. None of it is the justification of Big Boss right. becoming, and, and none of it's needed yeah. either. We already know the know the whole story of Metal yes. Gear Solid. Um, we also don't know if if Big Boss and V are working together prior. To any of that. It could be like, yeah, there's two of me. You're going to be me over here, and I'm going to be me over here. Hey, hold this nuke for me, and uh, threaten some some people, uh, and I'll be over here kind of doing the same right, thing. So if you fuck up, there's still right. me. All we know yeah. is that Big Boss and Venom worked before because he was the medic, and then yes. he's like, be Big Boss now. And then you're like, okay, what does that mean? But we don't know. Yeah. Um, you talk less. Yeah. And your voice is different. <laughs> yeah. Especially, and like, and like that's whatever. And like, the my whole rant of the Big Boss heel turn, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been such a big deal with me if the marketing for the game yeah. wasn't so centered around, oh, revenge. Yeah. Like, like, oh, Big Boss is turning evil. Like, this is how Big Boss becomes the villain. And like it that, like it was, yeah, it was the Halo Five marketing. How yeah. Halo Five kept saying, "You get to fight Master Chief," and then what it is is a two-minute fight with a shitty cutscene, and that's it. Metal Gear Solid. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but we're gonna. Last week, this is the last uh, episode. Lee. It's fine. Yeah, it's here. I know. <laughs> we talked about uh, Venom Snake. We talked about Big Boss. We talked about why the story of Metal Gear Solid Five is is disappointing to most. And it mostly stems from the fact that you've basically told the story you needed to uh, in Peace Walker. And if you were going to tell another big boss story, that you it, it should have swung a little more definitively uh, in terms of let's see him become a villain. When the whole game you are not even dealing with big boss. There's no emphasis on what big boss was doing while Venom Snake is, is doing what he's doing in Afghanistan and South Africa. And... If you're going to make this game, which ends up being the last game of the series so far, uh, that you've done nothing to push the the narrative further. And I, of course, argue that, well, the game is fun, and I like the game in a bubble as itself. But when yeah. it's doing that other stuff around the edges, all it's doing is is cheapening what came before or cheapening what could have been. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Where do we go from here? How do we close out? A series like Metal Gear Solid. Well, I think it'd be appropriate just to finish up with Metal Gear Solid V as far as like some of the gameplay points we may have liked or disliked, and we can point sure. out specific story moments too. And then I think it's nice to just give a quick little five minute summarization of Metal Gear Solid and uh, its legacy as a whole as uh, as we transition into yet another era here of the public beta podcast. That's right, the attitude um, era. Yeah, so as we all know, Metal Gear Solid Five is the peak of Metal Gear Solid gameplay, and will be because there's probably not going to be any more of them unless they do what that. About Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Sol- Survive. 
Right, unless they do, and they're doing that Metal Gear Solid remake with Blue Point, um, which is going to be really fucking sweet. Um, if that happens, not officially confirmed yet. Yeah, but Metal Gear Solid Five, goddamn! If we're just talking pure gameplay, and like you said, in a bubble, it's uh, one of the best games ever to just go in and play for a couple hours and really just clear out some camps, and you don't need any incentive to to progress towards something or anything like that because the gameplay is just wholly satisfying on its own. <clears throat> yeah it has it kind of has uh that same thing i was talking about in days gone where is if you are fully equipped and if you are if you can see what's coming at you uh you feel like god however yeah. uh when you're taken out of your element and this game has many parts where there's a supernatural element uh where you're being chased by really fast zombies etc and you're like what the what the fuck uh, the giant tank fight at the end uh the part <laughs> where you're just in the middle of one mission and quiet shoots you off your horse and suddenly you're in a boss fight with her. Uh, stuff like that is is thoroughly good and Metal Gear Solid-esque. I like the horror aspects that all the entire series uh, kind of has. The unease, the thrilly, the thriller, yeah. the... Like, th- that, yeah. Yeah, like cheesy B can't be hum- uh, horror at points, especially yes. with a character like Psycho Mantis. Um, especially Metal Gear Solid Vibe, though, there's definitely moments where they did lean a bit more into that, like, uh, realism horror aspect especially when it came to the experiments with uh ghost face is it ghost face skull face skull, skull face. face yeah yeah especially when it came to skull face and the experiments he was performing on all the vocal cord test subjects if you remember you went <laughs> there and all these fuckers have like headphones injected into their throats and they're all like crispy and shit um <laughs> yeah and that's when you fight the man on fire which is a bit more yeah. campy admittedly um, but yeah, that was, that, that shit I really liked. Um, there's definitely parts that I thought were, didn't work as far as that goes. I don't think Skullface works as a villain. I think he's wholly uninteresting. Um, he speaks basically only in metaphor, especially when he's talking directly to Snake. And I think if you compare him to the other series villains, like Liquid is fun and campy and goofy. Uh, Liquid Ocelot is perfect. He's like the perfect villain. He's fucking amazing. Um, uh, the boss. Kiefer Sutherland got the villain he deserved in this game. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I just think you look at the le- legacy of um of main villains of Metal Gear Solid, and I think Skullface just comes up way, way, way short compared to the rest. And I think that goes into a bigger subject, Lee, and that's like one of the biggest changes in Metal Gear Solid V from the rest of the series, and what Metal Gear Solid is known for in a lot of met- in a lot of aspects, and that's boss fights. There's, like, no fucking boss fights, really, in Metal Gear Solid B. Yeah. The you only f- ones I can think of. It, it's, it's more based on the open world, right? So yeah. it's, like, use, your, use all your tools to overcome this situation. There's one mission I remember uh, where you, like, infiltrate a house. I think it's when you're trying to find the guy. Co-talker. Maybe, like, a... What's that? You're trying to find Co-talker for the first time. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and then when you're leaving, I think that's the first time you were accosted by the fast zombies. Yes, that's correct. Uh, like, like that to me, it's not a traditional boss fight, right? Uh, but, but vividly, I remember it as this is a tough mission. This is there's a lot of yes. uh, changing of of pace here and and getting out of it. And then once those guys are introduced as a threat, you're kind of constantly looking over your shoulder, being like, "Well, when the fuck are these guys showing up again?" Because those are right. not fun to deal with. Yeah, um, it's like when you have to fight the wave after wave of the frog unit in that airport yeah. in that airport uh, like hangar and bay. 
Uh, that's you could argue that's a boss fight. I would say the quiet first time you fight her is absolutely a boss fight. Uh, clearly, Solidlanthropus, Metal Gear Solidlanthropus, is a boss yeah. fight in that case. You do have like a mini, um, really easy uh, ham fight with Kid Liquid where you beat the shit out of a child. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that, big boss shit. <laughs> yeah, so if like, it'd be weirdly if I was like Metal Gear Solid One, your boss fights are like a like a big dude in a tank, and then he carries a minigun. You have a sniper. You have uh, like a Russian with a revolver. You have like a psychomantis, and then you like get to Metal Gear Solid Five. You fight a child, like just uh, fight a child. <laughs> you fight a child, a half naked sniper. Uh, like a bunch. You fight of, a Metal Gear on foot, so I mean it. It, it is, checks yeah. most of the box, it checks boxes. Boxes for the I'm boxes sure. right there. So Lanterpus fight in general was really weird because uh, it's easy because you could just keep calling down missile ammo for yourself and just keep I, spamming missiles at it. <laughs> There's nothing I leaned on harder in that game than fucking calling in those airstrikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But that's that's what's nice about it. if you put in the work to get all those resources, you can just keep spamming that on Lanterpus. Yeah, like the last boss of the when you, you and Quiet are in that showdown with all those tanks at the end, it was literally me hiding behind a shed, calling down missile strike after missile strike. Oh, yeah, like fuck you. This is I I fucking put in the work to have enough resources to drop unlimited missile strikes. Get fucking ready. Oh, direct. And, yeah, and you could do <laughs> man. So if we're talking just creative ways to, and that's another thing about how awesome Metal Gear Solid V is, is. Not just the creative ways to take down camps, but also bosses. I've seen dudes online, like, call down vehicles on top of Quiet and one-shot her because of it. I've seen dudes, like, just hop into a tank and just fucking barrel towards Quiet as quickly as you could while avoiding damage from her. Uh, call in your dog, you can call in airstrikes on her, you can try to use flash grenades and smoke grenades to get up there, like... God damn, even thinking about it right now makes me want to go back and just do the quiet boss fight because it's so intricate and fun. Yes, it's kind of the, in terms of a sandbox, it's the opposite of a GTA mission. It's, it's here. here's the problem, very simply laid out. Use anything and everything that you have yeah, to do it. Yeah, it's just like rescue person. And you're like, okay. Yeah. like, And then you have, you're like, here's should, like... Should I knock out all these guards? I don't know. Yeah, it's like, here's like <laughs> 20... Yeah, here's like 20 different gadgets you can use, but you can only take four. Here's like 50 fucking guns, and you have to choose if you want lethal or non-lethal. Here's all the attachments you can choose. You have all the different arms you can put on to Venom. All the different grenades. Man, all the different vehicles. You have three different companions. You can call in different camo. You can call in all your equipment at any point during the whole Who thing. Who are you not counting in the companions? You said three. There's four. There's four. D. There's D horse. D dog. Quiet and the and the robot. Oh, the robot. The robot you ride in. Oh, the D walker. Yeah, is that yeah? Isn't that just a vehicle? I don't know. That shit sucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's considered a companion though. You can't take like your dog and that. So. Oh, okay. Well, no one really That'd uses be pretty it. Pretty anyway. sick. You and the dog were riding around in that yeah, thing. Real Chad. Uh, real Chad's just run everywhere anyway. <laughs> yeah, just sprint. It's just like it's two miles away. I better get started. <laughs> um, yeah. So that so that game's real good. Uh, and I think we've kind of mentioned throughout what what our favorite games in the series are. Uh, for me. It's uh, if I'm gonna run them down, if I'm gonna give you an order, it's probably gonna be five, three, one, four, two. Two is my least favorite. Wow. Uh, if I yeah. was gonna give you a list of mine, 
I, like I, I shit on it a lot, but I like I have such love for the amount of fan service in it because when I played this game, I was like I was knee deep into Metal Gear. I was like, yeah, give me all of it. So number one, Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Metal Gear Solid 3. Number uh, three, Metal Gear Solid 5. Then I would put one and then two. Yeah, like three's, three's got the best story for, for my, uh, for my yes. money. But that, that game, but three didn't make me come back for uh, 200 hours uh, like yeah. five did. So Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say if we were looking at the series as a whole, I would say Metal Gear Solid 1 um, has the best impression in my mind, if that makes sense. I think it's the... Uh, I it's think, the most balanced. Yeah, it's balanced between having a really fun but not complicated story with memorable characters and memorable uh, set pieces within the game in different sections with good bosses and just the right amount of difficulty. I think Metal Gear Solid 2 is uh, the one of the more ambitious games of the series. Uh, really weird uh, decisions as far as, like, you know... The player expectations and trying to fuck with them on a meta level and bringing up all this social commentary. Um, and, and I think if you look at it as in Kojima never intended another Metal Gear after that, it would have been looked upon much more fondly. Uh, but, sure. but as as it is, it fucks with canon too much and it's kind of weird and shit. Metal Gear Solid 3, I would say, is even more of a balanced experience than Metal Gear 1. Metal Gear Solid 1. It's just that Metal Gear Solid 1 is more iconic. Um, but Metal Gear Solid 3 has fantastic story, good gameplay, good bosses. Uh, it's it's one, of the per- one of the best games ever made. What can I say about it? Metal Gear Solid that's 4. Nice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4 is the Venom of the Metal Gear series, uh, and that's why I love it. That's not confusing uh, at all in the context. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's like it's it's like Venom in the sense that like everything in the game is trying to go against it, but there's like that one or two really good things, those one or two Tom Hardys that just really try really hard and bring it back up. And for me that's like the love that that game has for Solid Snake. Uh the final boss fight with Liquid Ocelot. Liquid Ocelot as a whole is just so awesome. And the amount of love that is sent out to Metal Gear fans as well. Um, so yeah, it's like it's like the the storyboard started with just a picture of an old man in a in a cemetery about to blow his own brains out. And Kojima's like, like, "Fuck, how do I get here?" <laughs> yeah, how how do we throw this man this 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 hero's parade of a, of a game before we get to this point and have him crawl through a microwave? Okay, but what happens before that? Uh, have him. In a fucking motorcycle chase where he's using a sawed-off shotgun to shoot robots. Okay, well, that's right. Nice. And like, the, yeah, the Shadow Moses part is so fucking awesome. Uh, uh, so yeah, right. let Metal Gear Solid. It's a victory 4. lap. Yeah, it's <laughs> and like, <laughs> and that's fine. Only that victory lap also tried to t- tie up so many loose ends that could have been left right. ambiguous, yeah. and, and also tried to tie in uh, the prequel stuff. Uh, in a way that that I think was wholly unsatisfying, and in a way that oh, I absolutely. just like, it's the same thing with two for me. It's just like the the themes and stuff they're going for. Fine, great, I, I understand what you're what you're trying to do here. It's just not what I. It's not why I come to the series, which is why two and four for me are are kind of write offs. Um, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from in that regard. And then Mel, too silly, but but it's not to say I don't like the silliness. It's just to say that now you're trying to make the silliness a canon that makes sense that people are going to argue about. At that point, I, my eyes roll back in my head, and I don't care. Yeah, um, fair enough. That's that's how I feel. 
And then Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, clearly the best playing of the series, one of the best games ever made from a pure gameplay perspective, absolutely phenomenal, and a lot of the creative freedom it gives the player and everything. Uh, just a disappointment in my in my opinion as a, as in regards to what it does to Metal Gear Solid Legacy, I think it does more harm than good. Uh, I've ranted on and on about that, so you don't need to hear it again. But uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, like it's my thoughts. Who burnt that bit bridge? Right, like who? Okay, so Konami, now you've soured the fans of Metal Gear Solid based on your treatment of Kojima. Kojima, you didn't finish this thing supposedly, so like we don't get to see the the full circle five leading into, you know, Metal Gear One or whatever. <clears throat> is is there another game, another Phantom game, if you were will that could that could take place? Absolutely, there is. Uh, but how much more does that tarnish what was a pretty straight? forward trilogy of games uh as we as we continue it's it's like it, i'm not gonna say it's like halo but look at the return like halo 4 comes out people are still riding on the the high of halo but it it's just it's more it's more of the same in the case of Metal Gear solid four or four though they went full fan service they brought everybody back it's hard to be mad at it if you're a fan of the series i get it um the best thing that five ever could have done is just make it about a character that isn't related, and technically they had their cake and ate it too with how they did that. Yeah, it uh, would. You're, you're they, the guy, but you're not, so yeah, it doesn't matter. But they, it does. Yeah, they they could have easily done a game about Ocelot and like what the fuck he was doing during that whole time, and he's just doing something for somebody. Oh, something. the spinoff potential for the series is is insane, but we're gonna keep hammering this this main story is is the issue I think. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah. how do we stretch something that? And its first incarnation was just a dumb action game. <laughs> well, like, think of, yeah, like, think of Metal Gear VR missions. If there was just a, a disc that was just like, hey, there's like eight chapters and each one is like a different mission that Solid Snake was on. Pretty cut and dry, but there's an overarching, uh, an overarching villain as well he has to take down. And you just call it, like, Metal Gear Solid Stories. And that's how you, <laughs> yeah. like, but you know Metal what I mean? Metal like, Stories. <laughs> yeah, really, really bring it back. Keep it simple. Do do the 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 espionage. Do the the weird, mysterious uh, characters and and plot points and stuff like that. But but remove the patriots and and all that big boss stuff uh, from from a game. I think going forward, it's hard to say if we'll ever see. Very difficult to say if we will see Konami revive Metal Gear Solid. But anything is possible. Who knows that Konami doesn't get bought up by Microsoft or Sony at some point, and Hideo Kojima is put back on the project because the IP is is no longer theirs to control. I, I'm I'm throwing out crazy, crazy ideas, but it's it would be insane to think that we do not see a return of the Metal Gear Solid series. That no matter how bad the blood. Uh, is between everybody involved with this that such there's money on the table it's here. Too that, that it's, it's too iconic. It's too iconic of a series. Yeah, the best thing you can do, whether it's forced or not, is is take the big break. Right? Is yeah. is it's gotta, separate yourself. Yeah, it's got to be at least five years before we have. Like, I guess it has been like fucking five years now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I would say give it another couple of years. Like, the, the Metal Gear Solid One remake. If it is done by Blue Point, that sounds awesome. I Blue Point did a fantastic fucking job with Demon Souls, obviously, and that, I think that yeah, that could, certainly sounds like the road to recovery, right? Yeah, it's like, hey, that's, yeah. that's easily the safest best on safest bet on Konami's part because they're not fucking with new canon or anything like that. They're just retelling a story. Yeah, just just do the thing. Well, Twin Snakes is that so. Well, yeah, what do you call this one? Triple Snakes. <laughs> try, <laughs> oh, try, shit. snakes. Try. <laughs> Read. 
Unless you have anything uh, further to say, we're going to shoot the flaming arrow into the into the boat with Metal Gear Solid in it as it goes over the waterfall, and we're going to call this one a day. The only thing I have left to say is, Lee, you're pretty good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is it true podcasts can end on the battlefield? Uh, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Lee at is my email address. Send us questions, topics. If they're interesting, we might uh, feature them here.